Hello and welcome to the Hawks Nest live stream show post game discussion. I don't know if we're going to get maybe but a couple people in here tonight. This might very well end up being just about the quickest get post game discussion I think we've ever done because I think the Hawk fans find themselves in some of the lowest states that they have been in in uh, in recent history. Unfortunately, after this loss to the Niners, this embarrassing loss. In a season that's probably stacked up too many of these type of uh, games where you've not only um, not been able to stand up toe-to-toe, but you've been uh, thoroughly thoroughly embarrassed of that and on a national stage as we were tonight. It will be hard, as it's been harder and harder in recent weeks to do, to come through with a silver lining coming out of this game or to find things that are encouraging signs that you can take away from in this game. I feel like this is instead one that we look at and say that this does feel like the chickens are coming home to roost. Long-held problems and issues with this team showed themselves on bright, bold display today. And there, uh, there wasn't a lot of answers to be had. The Niners obviously won this game. And it's not merely, I'm, I'm not putting blame or, or putting anything else. But I just feel that when you do look at the reasons you lose this game, it's a lot of the reasons that you've lost in a lot of the games this year. And even in the games you've won, some of the same typical themes have played out. Soft zone-based defenses, not taking anything with any kind of aggression to it, an offense that seems in just the ultimate simplistic state of mind. Um, either it's going to be short or you're throwing nine routes down the field. That seems to be all our offense consists of. Shotgun runs on the constant, no real utilization of outside pitch plays. We finally run a fly sweep. We finally run a fly sweep to Dwayne Eskridge, who we spent a second-round pick on specifically to go run the fly sweep. And uh, instead... Um, after he gains 10 yards on one carry on the game, you decide to never go back to it once again. That's just a, a, a bright, bright, shining example of what our coaching staff loves to do. Do this thing. It works. It works well. Get away from that. Got to stop running that. Let's run from that. Can't, can't be doing that. And it's uh, maddening as hell because there are things offensively I think you could do well, but you don't even try it at times. Again, a lack of utilization of the middle of the field on short or intermediate passes. Everything is being thrown to the outside of the hash marks. The same issues offensively have come into play again in this game in that way. On top of it, didn't seem like you had a particular plan in how you were looking to go at this Niner defense. Uh, you went away from the ground game right from the start. Three straight passes. No real commitment there on that side of it. Um, tackling continues to be a problem for this team. Another game where I believe we were out penalized to the Niners as we've been out penalized in every team discipline becoming an issue once again. Uh, it's going to be tough. I, I'm going to let the guide kind of the chat guide the chat on this. And I'll let you guys kind of push this the direction that you want to go tonight. Like I said, we may be just going kind of quick and, and, and fast on this one. Cause I don't know if we have a lot to turn over on this for you folks that are pro Carroll to the utmost and that coach Carroll in certain respects can do no wrong or it's not his fault or it's this or it's that it's it's going to get harder and harder to make that argument when you are getting beat in this direction in this way and um i i can tell you right now the hawk fan base as it stands is not in the greatest of places when they out their outlook on this coaching staff and their approach and i i don't maybe somebody will have a good instruction in the chat where i'm wrong on this one and where my outlook is wrong where it's well it's not, it was just on the players coaches did put them in the right place for success today no it was instead it is just solely on the players it's a talent issue as i'm sure many would say who would who would bristle and push back against some of the issues with this coaching staff but it does feel like to me if i take it down to a bottom line before i get you guys in the chat on this one if you take it down to what i just in in my soul it feels like watching week in week out is 
we're playing checkers. The other team is playing chess. That's how it feels to me. And there are other things that come into play. There's other factors. Nothing is super simplistic as you know, there isn't something else coming in that has to do outside of that. But that's really what it does feel like week in and week out. And uh, we don't seem to want to play chess. We keep trying to drive back towards trying to play checkers and it uh, doesn't seem to be working. And it's not going to instill a whole hell of a lot of confidence in Seahawks fans moving into the future. And that's definitely worrisome and I think rightfully worrisome. Uh, Holy Hand Grenade, how you doing, Adams? Good to see you in the house. As Lions Mania, says Tough Loss, man. Hey, you guys too. We both took it on the chin today, my man. Both of us. Val Ramos, how you doing? 49ers the best in the West. You are the best in the West, no doubt about it. Drop Tabs and Marines says, hey, Brandon and Pumpkin. Hello. Hello to you. I uh, want to sorry too. I had to sign off there earlier really quick to get over to the Bleacher Report. So I caught a couple of donos there at the end. I'll try to get to a couple of you guys on those donos from the old one. I know I had a couple of donos just drop uh, now. So I want to... Um, Make sure I'm catching those. I didn't mean to jump over them. Marcus says, drinking can't make me forget this. No, it can't me either. And I'm trying, people maybe not feel this at times when I do get a little emotional and in my feelings and uh, not as patient with the process and a little bit at a point of getting perturbed. And uh, it's getting to that state with me where it's just, it's going to get harder and harder for me not to get really angry about this because you're seeing just old problems still being laid to bear at our feet here. And it, it, is, it is without explanation and without excuse. And we'll see how this plays out with the fan base. But I can tell you, like, people are checking out big time. And they were doing that before you came into this game. They were reading the signs. And the signs were telling them that not only are you not a contending team, but you may not be trending in the right, right direction to even feel excited about the team because of the state that you're in. And uh, I, I'm looking for that to not be the case. But it gets harder to make that argument when you watch how they played tonight. Team didn't look ready. Team looked undisciplined. Uh, as I've seen a few different games this year, there's like a different energy level between the two teams. There's like one point where our defense kind of woke up for a half there for a couple quarters. But just, it's not, this is not it. Kalen Morton says, we can always look forward to the draft. There is that. Jeffrey Brockway says, do you see the Hawks winning any of the next three? No, Jeffrey, I don't. I mean, the, the Cowboys are a team that if you can keep from them getting up on you early, you can stay with them and there's a chance in that one. But I'm not so sure they won't get up on us early. And I, I don't have anything. Folks may want me to be positive and stuff at times. I'll try, but I've got to have something to base it on. And right now coming out of this game, I don't have a lot I can base on that's positive. The only time your offense was any good was when Gina was running a two-minute drill. Other, otherwise, you had nothing really to offer. Charbonnet ran well. I'll give him credit. He played a good game. I thought Witherspoon did a pretty good job. Uh, but boy, the team was to the point in this game of taking Woolen off the field for Jackson, I guess, because that's the... I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Brandon Jenna says, uh, yep, Waldron's gone. Bye-bye, please. Yeah, if we're going to start, if this doesn't go all the way to the top, it just goes to coordinators, then Waldron's got to be the first guy in the, in the crosshairs with this. You, you have so much talent on this team and on a weekly basis, not just a one week off today, but on a weekly basis, your offense looks inept, looks untalented, looks like it's without a plan and is certainly absolutely 100% without an identity. And that does go back to the coordinator. Drow says we need a new head coach with his own guys, his picks. I think I'm going to start arriving in that place with games like this being played over and over again. Kevin says, they don't fire that mother trucker. 
Uh, Dom Dons, Knox Nest. Hello again, Brandon All. Hope everyone's doing well. Whoever's uh, on this thanks who giving, despite RCOX defeat at home. Everyone's licking their wounds on this one, but I, I hope everyone did have a great Thanksgiving nonetheless on that. Snap out of it, says, I hope you're not going to let Niners fans disrespect your loyal followers like in, like other channels. No, I don't let anybody disrespect in my channel at all. That's part of what makes our chat well. And uh, I think when we have Niner fans come in here, they tend to be pretty respectful. We occasionally get some some bad ones, but uh, Val's been a good guy when he's come in. Keldon, these guys donated the chats and Niner fans come in. We got a couple that come in and I think uh, most of the folks coming in here know what time of day it is, even after losses like this. Scott one, Scott one, you see. The only thing that I can say is when it comes to adjustments, our coaches are lacking. If the offensive line is breaking down, adjust it to a hurry-up offense and quick throws. That's something that's well said, Scott. That's something that I thought we would have saw as well. Instead, you see the times we're holding on for these long-developing routes again where we just don't have the pass protection to make that work. Nick says, that was so effing bad. It was horrible. That was a That was not a fun game to watch. Adele Williams says, get a new head coach and clean house, please. I'm ready for a change at this point, even if it risks us not being a middle-of-the-road, one-and-done playoff team. Even if we have to put that on the sacrificial altar, I am willing to do so at this point myself. I, I'm, I, I'm really just tired of the same old ways we lose, the same old ways we lose. And we're just, it, it, we play not to win every week. We're always on our heels. We're never on our toes. It's, it, and on both sides of the ball, and we looked overwhelmed across the board and we're undisciplined on top of it. I can give a little bit of support to you. You got to give me something to give that support to. And you can't just tell me, well, we're six and five. We've won one more game than we've lost. So yeah, you played the third easiest schedule in football through like eight or nine weeks and you got to that record. And now you start to play teams that are actually, uh, you know, decent and you're not holding up. Standard champion, our defense was good. They held up at times here. I don't know if I go full on good, but they held up. They did. It, this is mainly on the offense, but you know, I, I don't. I don't know if the defense played good either, though. On the other side, they did all. They did all right. Andrew Regisjenko with a two dollar donation says, "Fire Waldron, fire Pete." Agreed. B. I'll do. Will I will do. Get to the bottom line on this of, of letting the season play out because there's nothing to be gained by trying to jump on this boat too quickly. But where I would have been thoroughly on the boat of saying, let this thing still play out into the future and, and have Pete have an opportunity to play the rebuild all the way through. I don't, I'm, I'm growing less wanting to see that. So I'm driving very quickly in the place of, you know, in Waldron's case, you, you could fire him tomorrow and I ain't going to be a bad an eye. I mean, it can't get much worse than what he's doing on the field as it stands. Um, when it comes to Pete, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find a lot of confidence in him right now. I don't want to be reactionary or knee jerk. I've been, it's been drifting this direction for me for a little bit of time now. I, I was really worried at the head of this, no matter what we did last year, I was consistent in this saying at the start of the year, part of this is an evaluation of Pete. And that though we went to a playoff game last year, what I want to see us start to do is adapt and update on both sides of the ball. And that's what will bear out for me confidence in, in Pete into the future. Because what's holding him back in recent years, what's holding him back from 2015 to 2020, is those same offensive schemes, is those 1987 stylings on both sides of the ball with mo minor modern updates. That's not good enough. You got to modernize the whole thing. But instead, that's not what we've seen on either side of the ball throughout the course of this year. And if he's not going to modernize, I've already seen where that goes. I've already seen the ending of that story. 
And frankly, I've seen it in football decades over time with elder coaches who hold on to their old systems, thinking that they're going to suddenly fix themselves or magically reignite like a fire that's in the coals and is smoldering and then suddenly catches. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm, go, I'm going there quicker. I wish I could give you the full on, yes, now, but I'm not onto that, you know, I'm not screaming top of my lungs fire, Pete, but from a, no, from a confidence standpoint, I don't have a lot of confidence in this guy right now. I, I think the thing that is his Achilles heel is right now a gaping wound and he's not even willing to slap a Band-Aid on it, much less go to the surgeon and get the, get the ligament reconnected. And the tough thing that comes down to me just being the Jeffrey Brockman, I see your note on it. The tough part that comes down to me on just being an offensive thing is why is the offense failing? I think that's the part where we come to Waldron saying he just needs to go. It's also why when we go, does this need to go further higher up? We have to go, why does the offense fail? You know, because this offense looks so diametrically different than what the McVay offense looks like with the Rams. And why did that occur? Is it occurring because Coach Carroll's having some control on that? And he is exerting that control and instructing Waldron in how to play this offense. And then if it's that, then there's a bigger problem at issue than just the offensive coordinator. Because much like we've seen with the defensive coordinators on that side of the ball, you can flip different guys out, but it becomes a little bit of a, uh, it becomes a bit of a game, you know, where you trick the fans, where they're like, oh, we got the problem out of here with the coordinator. But then it's really the coach who's really guiding things all the way through on that. That's the worry I have with just going to Waldron on this and saying it's just the OC with it. And, cause, and I don't have an answer. I don't know if Coach Carroll is exerting that control, but I'm worried a little bit that he might be because this offense looks a lot closer in alignment to 2017 offense than it looks like a Sean McVay offense. Two eight three one two eight. Thank you for the $10 donation. I appreciate you for that. It's good to see you in the chat too as well. It's been like six or seven years since we've had a semi-competent defense. Pete's a defensive-minded coach. And has pumped up so many resources into this defense just for it to fail over and over again. Amen. Amen. This is my problem with giving the Pete the full pass deal here. You haven't been a lead as a football team in 10 years. You haven't been considered a lead. I didn't say Super Bowl winning. I didn't say getting to a Super Bowl. Just considered an elite team at the end of the day when the year was over with. Were you an elite team or were you not? No. You weren't. Jaguars got more playoff wins than you since 2017. You can't just go to, well, we get to the playoffs, we win the playoffs. No, you don't. No one thinks the Jaguars are uh, some perennial playoff team or some you know, perennial winner on the back of that you know, success they've had in the playoffs since 2017. And to your point on that 283, this defense has been returned over many times. We can't get to the stage of, oh, well, Carroll's just got to get the right personnel in there. He has been spitting through this multiple times. The Legion of Boom era didn't end yesterday. The Legion of Boom ended by 2017. It was over. That was the first time that you tried to spin through and return this whole defense over. And then as we got into the 2020 season and felt, saw that that wasn't going to work, then we're going to re-spin it back over again. And now that's what we've got here now a couple of years later. And it's still not working. Despite the fact you're changing out different personnel, that's the problem that we get to in my mind when we talk about it being just a matter of getting more talent in here. You've spun through different eras of talent trying to make this work and it's not working. The consistent thread between those different years is the simplistic nature by which you run your defense. Yeah, 
2A3, he's had a long time to turn this over and look at the major trades you've made. Look at all you've done to invest in the side. You got $15 million invested in the safety position. You go out this year and the biggest free agent contract you've given in the team's history goes for a Draymond Jones. You make these major trades for the offensive side of the ball? No, 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 no. Sheldon Richardson, Jadavian Clowney, Quandre Diggs, Carlos Dunlap. The panic trade of Jamal Adams because you had not built a good enough pass rush a couple of years ago, giving up two first round picks. It all goes to the defense. Leonard Williams, this year, second round pick, goes to the defense. Yet the defense's returns never seem to come to bear. We never get a unit that ever approaches being elite, much like the team never approaches elite. Let's just take the team being not elite in 10 years. When was the last time we had an elite defense for a defensive-minded head coach? It's also been 10 years. This is where the no-confidence stuff comes in. We're not talking about a one-year or a one-game problem here. We're talking about a multiple-year problem when it comes to these specific items and whether or not they're going to be fixed in the future. Because we can maybe disagree or agree on whether or not you know, these problems have been lasting this long, but I don't know if there can be a lot of people that can disagree with the fact that they're going to continue into the future because they've shown no willingness to address them or even acknowledge them. And that's the first step you have to take to fixing a problem. If you just are ignoring it and putting blinders on and acting like it doesn't exist, you will never try to change. And we're seeing more of those kinds of signs as to what's going on right now with this football team, unfortunately. It brings me no happiness to say it. I, I, I understand there'll be frustration on some of this me saying, but it's just the truth from my perspective of it. I could be wrong, but it's definitely my outlook on where I'm at. Thank you, 2A3, for your donation. Gammon Brown, thank you for the $2 donation. Was this the game you expected? What's next? Uh, it's in general, I best, the, yeah. I mean, it's kind of about the game. I thought we were going to be a little better offensively, not a lot better, but a little bit better. But I had us at 24-13 was my prediction, Gammon. We ended out at 31-13. So I was... I was one touchdown off in, in my score prediction. I think the problem I have with it is that more than the score prediction of a 24-13 would be an 11-point game and not, not a blowout, but that you guys basically had us beat in this game by the second quarter and, and how it felt in watching it. it. It really didn't feel like we had a chance, and it took Brock Purdy you know, throwing the wayward pass in the pick six to even give us the puncher's chance to make us you know, think we could do something on this. We really weren't in this game at all. And to get not just beat, and to not just get beat by a better team, but to be completely outclassed and uh, embarrassed, like we have in a couple of games this year, is um, it, it's definitely more discouraging than just taking it on the nose, which is being an L in in the in that side of the column. Um, what's next is we're going to find out where this team's going to what they're going to do going forward over the next you know three games. You've got the Niners again. You got the Cowboys. You got the Eagles. Um, some tough games all in there stacked up now. So it, it doesn't get any easier. And so far this year, Gammon, we haven't played the quality opponents particularly well. So it, it doesn't bode well, but there is technically time. This team is still dancing um, within the playoff structure of things, but they're going to need to get better across the board in a hurry uh, if they're going to keep this season from sliding off the rails. Thank you, Gammon. Appreciate the donation. Um, and Andrew, when 2A3, thank you as well for your donos. Uh, Cameron, thank you for the $5 donation. We throw it over the middle and it works. But then we stop doing it. Then we do a fly sweep with Eskridge and that works. And then we never do it again. 
I, I mean, I, I don't know what to do, Cameron, other than raise my hands and go, yeah, we're seeing it true the same way. And somebody, for the love of Almighty, somebody in the name of keeping me from having smoke fly out of my ears and just start speaking in curses, uh, you know, like the father in a Christmas story. We're at that time of year, right? When he goes into the basement in the furnace. Like, somebody take me off that ledge here, please, Cameron. Because that's the thing I don't get. There's things we will do good in this offense. Bam, hit that for the play. We hit a Will Disley play up the seam in this game. Did we go back to Disley in the seam? No. Did we go back to that fly sweep like you mentioned? No, we didn't. And I don't know why. You have an offense that's scuttling. I'm an offensive coordinator. I've got my headset. All right, Gina, we're looking for a call. Wow, we got that fly sweep with 10 yards. That was nice. Yeah, that was nice, coach. All right, we're not going back to that again. Let's do some uh, more nine routes. I know we just ran the last play. I think that nine route will be there this time. I, don't, I, I think the officials will actually call the holding on Chidarius Ward on this one. No, they will for sure. Oh, didn't happen. All right, uh, check down on this play. Let's go to the check down. It, it works. Go back to it. Make them stop it. I, I would have, after that Eskridge run, would have been like, okay, we got no walker in this game. We want to probably keep Charbonnet as our, our A-B gap runner in this one. I would have gone back three or four more times to Eskridge in this game on that fly sweep and made them show me that they could stop it. Or at least that you could maybe stretch out some of the, the clogging that was going out down there on the defensive line because you could see that we were running it into the teeth of the defense. Their defensive line was... was Everything was crushing down into the A and B gap. There was no space in there for Charbonnet to get through. There was always uh, some penetration more often than not. But they don't go to it. And they, it's what we do. And I don't know why, Cameron. I don't know if it's that it's Waldron's ineptitude. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, Coach Carroll saying, don't throw in the middle of the field. Bad things happen in the middle of the field. Keep it on the outside, on the ashes. Uh, I, I don't know. But the approach is broken. And the team doesn't seem to understand, with all of this talent that they have across the board, how to use it. And that's a coaching problem. And how far and big and wide that coaching problem goes to, I, I can't necessarily speak to at this moment. Probably too emotional. But I, I'm not going to put an, ex, an excuse on it or try to explain it to way as anything other than it's a major problem we're, fa we're facing right now. And our team is not acknowledging that they need to go look for solutions. And that's going to make people angry. I would have had a lot more patience for a season this year with us trying out new different applications for strategies, breaking away from the long-held methodologies, trying something new, and the new things weren't working really well all the time, but you were trying to work the, the kinks out of it. You were trying to, to find what's the perfect balance to strike on this, but we're not seeing them try new real things out. You can, you can have somebody sit here and try to talk my ear off about some Oh, we're running our bear under fronts with the nose tackle shaded uh, with, you know, to the soft side of the formation. And that's totally different from how we've done in the past where we've shaded the nose tackle to the strong side of the formation. Like, okay. Yeah, that's something they're doing new, I guess. But the big picture on this is they're not doing anything really all that much newer. And, and you don't know why. Because they said themselves that they needed to move off the old. They did it with the hiring of Waldron. Coach Carroll did it with the changing of the guard between Norton and Hurt, saying we need to change our ways. But it feels like more and more when we look at those hires and comments to the media that it starts to feel a little bit more like lip service than it actually do, does like true change, change that was necessary. Stimpy, thank you for the $5 donation. It says, kind of want to lose out. 
We can draft a quarterback, though I don't hate Geno, and I would hope it would get Pete out of here. But if he's still here, no faith. I think this is going to be a pretty common sentiment, Stimpy, in, in regards to certainly the last part of what you had to say there with it. I think that there, I've seen it more and more in my chat than ever before. I've felt it coming into this year. Um, it was popping up even last season. And um, it, it's going to be a chorus of people speaking more to that lack of faith. And I, I, I don't know how the front office, the ownership, or Coach Carroll can stand up and look at this fan base and say, this has been failing. This hasn't been working. We told you we needed to change our ways. We've made the changes from the coaching staff. We said we got to do this. We, we, we turned the page. And now as we turn that page and start to read, they're doing the same thing they've always ever done. And, and what do you take away from that? That magically fixes itself tomorrow? That magically fixes itself against the Cowboys? How many, how many knocks on the noggin do you need before you start to learn the hard lesson? Which is you got to change some of your ways. It's not that Coach Carroll's a bad coach. It's that the things that are a detriment to him as a coach, he is not finding any solutions for. And in my opinion is that I don't think he's finding the solutions at times because they're not looking necessarily. But I get it, Stippy. I get it. I, and I feel, I feel your pain on that. I'll feel your pain. Uh, Megan, thank you for the $2 donation. I hope you're doing well out there tonight, Megan. Hope the, uh, the migraine's a little bit better. Says, hope the next game is better. Uh, a better day before my birthday. Well, I hope it is as well, Megan. Hopefully we can uh, bounce back here next week against this Cowboys team. It's not going to get much easier, but uh, maybe we can go out there and uh, find, maybe this will be the thing that maybe rots out some change and they'll, they'll try to move some things along now at this point. Hopefully we can uh, see that uh, happening. Um. John Paul says, I think our defensive coordinator isn't good either. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think Coach Carroll is also a big part of what we do defensively. Jersey Picker says, I need to see what John Schneider can do without meddling, P-meddling. Yeah, Barry Satoro, you mentioned that on your last Don't Know too with your $10 donation. I had to kind of finish right out of the um, chat on that one. And uh, holy hand grenade if you're in here too. Sorry, I had to cut out on that with your guys' donos coming in. But um, yeah, I, I don't have an issue with John Schneider as it stands, in my opinion. I, I think he he was on the right side of the Russell Wilson trade. I, I think that he's set the stage for Coach Carroll to put a team out there that can go out there and compete and, and be a contender. Um, and I would like to, like you say, Jersey, see him without, on his own, with his own coach. You know, see how his approach could work or not work. But I think he's earned the chance to have it happen. New Black says, Pete said something about woolen shoulder and tackling in the postgame. Maybe it's just that that shoulder's still giving him an issue then. And he wasn't, so he wasn't benched. Okay, that makes sense. And, you know, there was a bad point in this game where he had to try to come up and make a tackle where he just tried to lay a shoulder in there. And maybe that's protecting that arm and he just doesn't trust his ability to wrap up. John Robinson, what's up, man? It's good to see you in the house. Why, if we run a West Coast offense, are there no timing routes? Why is Geno Smith expecting to see everything open before he throws? You have to throw the ball before they make the cut to a spot. Yeah, he likes to see it open. He's definitely not an anticipatory thrower. And I don't know why. Not a lot in this offense makes sense, John. That's where I also say it has those echoes and glimmers of the former offense, right? Because that was the thing that you got with Russell Wilson too, where Russell wanted to always see it open before he threw it, where so much of the modern NFL game is about throwing with a little bit of anticipation. Eldon Lord Raiden. I would trade Metcalf and Lockett. Um, 
to the Bears for the number one pick? I don't know if they would do that. But um, I don't know, man. <laughs> Hard to say how that went. I don't think the Bears are, I don't know. I don't know if that'd be, that probably wouldn't be enough to get done. You probably have to throw them even more than that. Snap out of it. Should have gotten a PI for the JSN catch. Yep. And always, always say with these kind of plays, it's about consistency. If you're going to call Trey Brown for the PI early in the game, then you got to call the JSN one later on. And uh, it sucked because it's pretty explicit there where he's grabbing onto his arm and yanking him. He's well past the five yards. And uh, as we saw with Chidarius Ward in this game, I told you guys to take a look at it. You could see it. We don't, we don't get the benefit of the doubts when it comes to officiating on a weekly basis. And we certainly are at our corners, our receivers on the outside don't get a lot of calls put on them for it. Lockett's able to draw his share, but not DK. And you can pretty much mug DK out there and get away with it. Lane Splitter, Niner fan. Good game. Happy Thanksgiving. That fourth down call was <laughs> uh, simplistic, predictable, kind of what our offense tends to be this year, Lane Splitter. Uh, so it was also a bad, it was a bad call, but it was also a call that's indicative of uh, how we've called our games offensively throughout this season so far. But good game. Your Niners did. I hope I, I know I'm making my share of, I'm putting my share of blame out there, but certainly your Niner team won that game. You guys earned uh, you guys earned your stripes on this one, and you're you're looking very well set to not only win this division but make a lot of noise in the playoffs. In addition, John, if Geno Smith would have thrown that out route to Lockett on the goal line before he cut, it would have been a walk-in touchdown. Geno laid on everything he does. Yeah, he's not seeing things clearly, and I don't know why this last year that was a big part of what he did in his game is that he was concise, efficient. There wasn't a lot of that sitting in the pocket, bouncing around, looking through things. He, he had a spot he was going to go to. He had predetermined prior to the snap the right place. He was going to be right in that decision-making pre-snap and what he was seeing. This year, it's been completely a, a, a night and day difference with him back there. Um, and I've been a benefactor of Geno Smith, but you know, it's, it's all of this stuff happening at once, kind of. It's offensive coordinator that with the, the crap show play calling, and it's Geno back there with some startlingly strange decision-making, hesitancy, uh, lack of feeling pressure in the pocket, lack of pocket mobility. Guy looks like he's stuck in place at times. Allen says, Brandon's agreed before coaches, but he's strategic about it. Yeah. It's not just Shane. I think it's Pete. Then then Waldron. I think Pete is holding this team down. And then I'm then I'll move Gino out. Yeah, that's where it becomes it is like there's a couple of things to put on the a plate here, I think, Nate. Where it isn't just as simple as one thing. But I think if we don't look at the top from the top down on it to your point, we're not going to be able to clearly address this issue in the way that it needs to be addressed to get fixed. Addis defense was fighting, but wasn't enough. Same with the offense as well. Very true. Yeah, I'll give I'll give one the pass on the shoulder thing. It's not the big problem going on right now. Darren Champion, amazing. Pete has had all these years to combat this division rivals, and this is what he's come up with. Yeah. You lost three straight times to the Niners last year, folks. I ask you if you think I'm off on this, let me ask you on this point. You know, you lost three times last year. Did the game plan today look anything different from the game plan on either side of the ball last year in the contest you played? Didn't look any different to me. Looked very similar. JB, uh, doesn't sound like Greek Willem was benched for poor play. He had a bit of a shoulder thing. And I think Seahawks were trying to get somebody out there that could tackle at that point because they knew that they were struggling in the ground game. They didn't 
I, he had a play in particular where he came up. Devin Witherspoon's coming up trying to make the tackle and hold the guy back from the first down marker. Trey Brown comes up to help him make the tackle and Woolen, because he can't maybe trust his arms to wrap up there, just comes in with a shoulder and ends up knocking Trey Brown off the tackle, allowing then for the player to break the tackle of Witherspoon and go get the first down. So I think that was probably a moment that comes down. He just can't, his arm can't make it happen right now. Crispy Chris, fire Pete, OC and DC, release Geno and draft a quarterback, get a competent O-line. That needs to happen. I'm at this point with it. I, I'm with turning this thing over at this point. I'm completely, I, I would, would push back weeks ago, but I'm I'm more firmly in alignment going, I'm I'm okay. Zilla Hawk, pop pop, Seahawks flock. What's up, Zilla? Good to see you in the house. Alexander, I'm surprised that I'm not upset, maybe a little bit down, but I knew what was coming out of my control at this point. I'm just throwing up my hands. I'm doing the same, Alexander. I feel like I'm just kind of tossing my hands up going, it is what it is, right? Just what are you gonna do? You know, what can you do? We kind of saw it coming down the pike. That's for sure. Allen says first first coaches, but be strategic about it. I'm down with that. Val, we could still beat the Cowboys on paper, but boy, man, we're not playing good football at this point. And and it's not really hard when you can't hang your hat on something to build off of that. 501st rejects is six and eight, anyone? It's looking like that trajectory. Bobo, Seahawks need a new quarterback, head coach, general manager. Insanity equals doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And Pete Carroll has been getting eliminated over and over. That's my problem with it. You uh, expound on it well and uh, succinctly put it, Bobo, which is that we are trying the same thing over and over again and we don't want to change. And we keep wanting to try the same thing. And we just hoping eventually, like some slot machine, you eventually come up across the board. It ain't going to work that way. That's not how the NFL works that way. You're not going to become a winner by locking in to your scheme suddenly working all of a sudden. Uh, we've got to update it, but they don't want to do that. And that doesn't bear a lot of confidence for people into the future. I think uh, people are starting to arrive to the stage and understandably so. Nasir says, I had to sit amongst my wife's family, all Niner fans, 15 deep. That's brutal, Nasir. And I'm sure they were totally respectful and didn't, didn't rub it in at all. <laughs> Dak, I don't think a new quarterback will help us if our O-line and offensive play calling is this bad. Yeah, that's why I don't want to get stuck on players too much with this because just in my opinion, we really got to put the spotlight on the coaches here. How far and how deep into the coaching staff will go, we can kind of get that determined. But I, I can't go to the players here. It's this, this coaching staff has got to put them in a better position to be able to succeed. We're underperforming right now. Voodoo says Green Bay is about to bump us out of the playoffs in a few weeks. That's where I see this going too. I don't think we're on a track right now to make the playoffs. Mason says the fact that we benched Tariq as if he was largely responsible for what happened pisses me off playing the 24-year-old. It sounds like Mason, he's not benched. There's something with the shoulder. And remember, he did have that shoulder injury early on the year that kept him out of a game. It may be one that needs surgery in the offseason where it's at, you know, one of those torn labrums or something like that. Jeffrey Brockman, Brandon, are you with me on getting tired of the same excuses by Pete and players? Yes, I am. I'm over it. There's a way this could have failed this year. There's a way that you could have been going through the ups and downs of a young roster that would make sense for why it failed and wasn't going right. And that you could go, okay, but there's still some confidence in the future as these guys get mature and seasoned and get a little bit more time under their belt the improvement will come and the team will be ready to contend. 
that's not what we're seeing on the football field right now. We're seeing the same application of long held strategies that have long been proven to no longer work that the team is clutching and holding on to like it's a rope and they're hanging off of a building and it's a 50 story drop beneath them. Why they're hanging on to it, why they won't change their ways, why they won't change their ways when they've acknowledged that they need to do so. This is anyone's guess. But that's the reality for what I'm seeing right now. And if, if you've got a fatal flaw as a coach and you don't want to acknowledge it, why should I have faith in you then as a coach, no matter what good stuff you bring? You're not trying to address your fatal flaw. John Reeves, Waldron, and Hurt are Pete yes men. Pete doesn't like throws over the middle, so Waldron rarely sends in plays and throws over the middle, even though it's needed. This is my thought. This is what I wonder with that too, John. When I look at why, why is the offense so unwilling? And this is how the offense used to be in 2017. That's where I do come back to saying just Waldron. It's hard for me not to think that Pete's influencing this because it's a lot. Think of it like a logical experiment. You have an offense that you ran for 10 years here with Russell that ran a certain kind of way. Power running game up in the A and B gap. Take your deep shots over the top when you can draw the defense in. It was simplistic. It worked really well because you had a guy that could scramble and throw moon balls and you had guys on the outside who could win. Sweet. Great. You modernize to a new offense, which was supposed to be about, you know, showing some complexity in its simplicity and, and being willing to attack to the edges and being willing to hit the middle of the field and, and make it hard for defenses to know what you were going to do pre-snap. Whereas right now we look very predictable pre-snap. And I have a hard time believing that Waldron forgot, forgot all of the lessons he learned from McVay, forgot what brought him the success with the Los Angeles Rams to get him in a coordinator job here in Seattle in the first place, that he suddenly forgot that overnight coming to Seattle, especially when it looks so similar to the offenses of the old. That seems to me to feel a lot more of likely like how you put it, John, that it is Pete coming in there saying, no, this is how this is going to be run. You can run what you like around these rules, but these rules you have to operate within in your offensive coordinating. Could be wrong, but that's definitely where it feels like it's at. Uh, Corso D. Gutierrez, thank you for the $5 donation. Fire, Shane, he says. Fourth and inches and you go shotgun? What happened to all the good from last season? One play for tight end and it's a monster play. Why go away? Uh, Peas can't beat the refs. Peas can't beat the refs. Peas. Not sure what you mean on the last one there, Corso. Sorry, uh, on the last statement there. But <clears throat> yeah, the fourth and inches call was ridiculous. And I don't know why the team doesn't, another one of the just, <laughs> why aren't you operating more under center? Why aren't you trying to do more of the play action from under center where Geno's had so much success on that? And yeah, you mentioned the tight end play early on. You hit Disley up the seam, never going back to it ever again throughout the course of the game. We just end up, we end up in a place, Corso's of saying, why? Why this over here? Why that over there? Why this over there? And we have no answers to be to be beholden. All we'll get from the players and the coaches is that we have to be better. Well, so that doesn't explain why you you lean away from strategies that work to lean into strategies that don't work and then keep hammering those failed strategies. I don't get it, man. I don't really get it at all. Thank you though, Corsos. Appreciate you for that. Uh, moist uh, Most Hat with a five dollar donation. Thank you for that, Mister Hat. Says uh, Pete Carroll's offense is conservative to avoid turnovers. We still then turn the ball over. Well, I, you, put, you bring up a great point. Thank you for the donation as well. It's the great irony. And it's the one that, again, you talk about a blind spot on the coaching staff, one that Coach Carroll seems to just be turning away from, which I don't understand, which is that 
your whole approach, for instance, um, from a, from, you know, a defensive play calling standpoint, your whole approach is we want to prevent the big play and stop the run. But you look at the bottom line in this game, I ask you, was there not big plays in the passing attack when they wanted to throw the ball? I ask you, was there not yards to be had in the ground game? We structure a defense to hard line to these items to make sure that it can allow everything else to cross the board. Short, intermediate, dink and dunks, bleed you to death slowly over the course of the game, but we are not going to let you run. We're not going to give up these big chunk play passes. And yet the sheer irony of it is that that is indeed what your defense now does. And offensively, I could totally see that Carroll says don't throw the middle of the field because the statistics show and tell us that that's where you'll actually find more interceptions and it's more, it's, it, it's more scarier in there. There's more risk to be had in there. Just stay to the edges, stay to the edges. And yet, to Mr. Hatt's opinion on this or to, to his uh, you know, thought on this, and I agree with it, you end up still then finding interceptions to those edges and outside those hash marks, which was, it's supposed to be protective. It's supposed to be safe territory. It's the irony is that these base philosophies, which don't work, which have long been broken, which they still cling on to, allow the very things that they're trying to prevent in the base philosophy for why they adopt it in the first place. Once again, we come back to why. Why? For what purpose when it fails over and over again? What is it bringing this team at this point? I don't get it. If it's going to allow the big plays anyway, why not at least then take it to those offenses? Why not dial up those blitzes? And oh, you happen to have guys that can actually blitz really well when you want to send them. But as we see now throughout the course of this t- season, the team is 32nd in the NFL coming into this game in six-man blitzes. And even in their in slight increase this year in the amount they blitz going from like 30th last year to probably like 21st this year, it's not exactly a very big jump, especially when you consider that it's only five-man blitzes that they're going to send when they do, in those rare moments, actually do decide to blitz. But I do think that the, the lack of going to the middle of the field at this point has to be a little bit derived from the fact that I think Coach Carroll's guiding Waldron not to do it. I don't think Waldron would just suddenly have amnesia over the night on how this offense is best run. And that's what it would have to be on the other side of it if it's not the first, if it's not the former. Appreciate you, Mr. Hat. Samuel Carlson, thank you for the $2 donation. Why get JSN if we hate throwing to the middle? Why is the question of the day? Why this? Why that? Why go away from this? Why go make this kid the 20th pick in the first round and not have a good functional way to feel to utilize him outside of if you look at the throws and the targets to JSN this year, it's either bubble screens, throws into the flat, or you're throwing nine balls to him. That's your use of JSN, really. He's had some other throws that have here and there been intermediate, but the, the multitude of throws and catches he's had, it's one of those two things you're trying to do. Why? Why are we not able to work him into the middle of the field? To your point on that, Samuel, I don't, I don't know. I don't have, I, I don't, I have no explanation for it. It was a part of this offense you could see even going back to last year that you need to incorporate better and more often. You, you seem to recognize that and say, let's take this player to fix this thing that was broken last year, but then you don't apply it fully in the way you need to to clean up and fix the problem of last year being that you didn't utilize your slot receivers at all. 
I don't, I wish I had a better answer for you. And this is part of my frustration that lies at the heart of this, where I'd want to at least be able to, if I don't agree with the coaches staff or I'm, I'm souring on a coaching staff that I can ex- at least explain your reasoning for why you go in the direction you go. Why do you do what you do? Even if I don't necessarily align with it. And right now I'm having a hard time of even understanding what the purpose is in the approach at all, because it's, it's not bringing any kind of benefit to it. As I was saying earlier on this, you're not doing anything good right now. You don't run the ball well. You don't pass well. You don't throw deep well. You don't throw well short. You don't have a real effective screen game. You don't utilize the horizontal aspects of offense. You're not good with pre or post-snap motion. You throw with no anticipation at the quarterback position. You can't hold up in pass protection. That's just the offense. I could, I could do the same line of trail of tears down the defense in addition to it. It's weird. Masterful, thank you for subscribing to the channel and all your donations today. Appreciate you for that. Crispy Crisp, I can't get to the Crispy Crisp. I can't get to the place of trading DK at this point. I don't see a lot of benefit into that. And again, my issues, I, I think that we could get tricked here a little bit in getting caught up in it being a player thing. Let's go get 7% better as far as our players next year. But it, to me, will come down to more coaching and scheme holding you back, not needing to get 7% better to be in contention. And if we really want to get down to the bottom bare line, that's the best you can hope to do this year going into this offseason. You have $7 million of cap space. You're not loaded to bear with draft picks like you have been in the past. So, you know, your, your best hope is to get maybe 7 8% better this offseason and then hope all these young guys are going to step forward. But if they're then held still back by a scheme, it doesn't matter if you get that extra 7% bump. It doesn't matter if you get the extra young players coming a little bit more forward in their game. You're still going to be held back and held back in a way that will keep you from being a contender. So I, I don't want to look to trade DK because that's not, that's not bringing any solutions to our problems at hand. John says, pass protection looked fine to me. Gino is standing back there and taking sacks, refusing to throw the ball to anyone, expecting to see it before he throws it. Also refusing to roll out. Yeah, his feel in the pocket's been just god-awful recently, John. He doesn't feel pressure or understand pressure. He is holding the ball a long time back there, trying to figure out what he wants to do with it. That's definitely a big part of some of the, the, the pass protection issues there. There were some quick pressure points too in the game, but it wasn't you know horrible. You did give up, you know, five, six sacks in this game. Some of that is to the line, and, and especially with Stone in there, he wasn't holding up particularly well when he got out there. But I, I agree with your assessment of it too. Tyler Mears says, DJ Dallas staring at the ball and not grabbing it on the fumble made me so mad. I got pissed about it too. I was like a guy that was like, you know, oh, I dropped the ball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like pick it up. I'm going to get pick it up. I'm going to grab with two hands. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to run. Like, fall on the ball, DJ. Brain fart moment that we'll ever see. Mr. Allo, DK didn't help his quarterback at all today. Missed plays elite receivers make. Yeah, I agree. I think the throw deep there, Geno gave him a chance to keep his feet in bounds. Uh, he had a couple of bad drops too. Uh, I mean, everybody seemed to take their, everybody seemed to take their opportunity to kind of, you know, shit the bed today a little bit. And uh, DK has got to be included in that group of guys, you know. Uh, he had some good catches too, but, you know, he didn't play a good game either. Liz Hendrickson, coaching. Team's got talent, but multiple options, multiple problems. The team looks so disoriented and confused. Yes, change. We're repeating the same every year. No change. So I guess it does seem like, Liz, along with you and the rest of the chat, that you guys are kind of, I, I expected some folks to be a little more, even after Jeff lost, there'd be some more pushback on some of my thoughts on this, but it does seem like 
as I was suspecting a little bit with this too, that we are getting in pretty close alignment in our outlook of this, in our view of this. And it's hard to think that we're not seeing some of this clearly here for what it is. Um, I, I, I'm seeing the same thing, Liz. And it does come down to me coaching is where it's at. And the team looking disoriented and confused, as you mentioned, is absolutely something that comes down to coaching. That's on them to get this team ready to play. It's been too often that we're looking at this team this year and not ready to play. Marcus is the combined record of the opponents the Cowboys defeated are 25 and 58. No one over 500. Hopefully we show up against this overrated team. That would be nice to see. That'd be at least, that'd be a breath of fresh air. John says, uh, John Robinson says, John, Rob, John Schneider looked pissed up in the booth. I think he's been wanting to bring in his own coaches for a while now and has sensed we needed a fresh start for a while now. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, John. I mean, John, to me, John's been killing it the past couple drafts. I think he's gotten you some value adds through this offseason, the trade of, of Leonard Williams and giving Pete that extra, here's an extra guy now, Pete, come on. And still looking at the team going, eh, not it. You know, Michael Hyde says, really wish we could have our buy right now. Yeah, Michael. Thanks. Dangerous. Uh, Hawks says, Brendan Nelson's video summed it up. I feel Pete needs to go. I think the time has arrived at that spot. Dangerous. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to fully wait to the, maybe the end of the year where I go. All right. Here, we've seen it. I, I give him a little, maybe a little slight chance to do something. But even at that, I don't even know if I can maybe even drum up that. I'm going to have to like force that support at this point because I'm souring and souring by the minute on this one. And I think the more I have a chance to think about this loss and this season as I have in recent weeks, because I do spend a lot of time where I'm not streaming necessarily, just kind of contemplating the team a little bit. And I just keep finding myself into a negative state of mind a little bit with things. And again, feeling a little bit of where the fan base is. This is not necessarily a reactionary fan base that just bails out when the team isn't good or shows signs that they're not going to be a good ball club. I've been doing this for a couple of years and there've been some seasons like that that went that way and started going that bad direction. And people still hung in there and weren't just necessarily souring out on Peter, the coaching staff. This is a bit of a, to me, of a different, of a different tenor this year after this loss, what I'm hearing in the, in the chat afterwards and how I am feeling. I'm in alignment with you guys. And I just come back to, are we all really not seeing this clearly? If we're all in such succession in our thought process and how we are seeing it, I can't think that we're all being, you know, seeing something that's not, that's not there. But I'm with the dangerous. I am. Trevor Laris says teams have figured out Pete's schemes. Well said, I agree. I believe they've done the same. John Palsy, Pete is a doctor of the game. He made a poor DC decision. There it is. ADL, Pete is outdated. We need a breath of fresh air. And Pete, and Pete still wants to coach. He may need a change of scenery. He may just. Um, and if Pete wants to still coach, he's free to go try to do it somewhere else at this point. My opinion on that too. I, I think it's time for a change. I'm willing to risk us being bad for a change because that's what everyone says. Oh, you know, be careful what you wish for. You might get it and Pete will leave and you're not going to be a just a little bit better than middling team for a decade. Like, well, gee, I'm I'm so scared of that happening. <laughs> Dateline yesterday says same crap, different year. Amen. Nicholas Newton says, laughing my ass off. We ain't smacking Dallas or anyone else. Play and grenade. I'm at a point where if we win, oh, cool. And if we lose, oh, probably because we can't do anything. Yeah. Hawks says, uh, Joshua says, Hawks got to start the Rooks, Olu and Bradford. Let's see what, what they can do. I'm open to both those two guys. I'd like to see if both those two guys are more about the future. I'm, I'm more in alignment with being willing to start to take those steps myself because I just don't think you're anywhere close. 
I don't think you're just like, we'll get hot for a couple of games and we're right there to stand toe with toe with these teams. I don't think so. You know what I mean? Snap Alvin says, I had to unsubscribe to Nordcam. They let too many Niners fans troll in the chat. Well, it's where sometimes my mods get, you know, heat snap for, for doing what they do to keep the peace here from some folks. And there's some folks that were sensitive with some of my mods for trying to make sure that they do keep things in alignment here. But that's why we have what we have here is because we keep it a little bit more stricter and, and it keeps out the riffraff and keeps out people to, from doing stuff that adds nothing to the channel, nothing to the show by coming in, beating their chest. Um, testament to the Niner fans, they haven't popped in and even tried that here in this stream or even during the live stream. They weren't really doing it. Uh, maybe maybe Megan and John and uh, some of my mods out there were having to do a lot of kicking, but everything seemed to be pretty smooth sailing. But uh, that sucks. Got to get those mods on that, Norm. Brandon says, man, that Alexander jersey should have been hate-proof. And I, we all wore our jersey luck of power, and it just didn't bring it. It just didn't. It just didn't bring it. Give me one second, folks. A couple donations coming in. Jesse Lund with a $2 donation. Says three words. Harba, Harba, Harba. Oh, Jesse, you're going to light the, the chat on on that. He definitely can um, trigger quite a few folks just to the mere name mention of his name can get some people triggered in the chat. I do tend to be one like you, though, Jesse, that has a lot of respect for John Harbaugh uh, or Jim, Jim John, whatever. Um and I certainly have been asked many different times if we moved on from beat, who would be your guy? Who would you look to? Who would, you know, which, which way would you go? And uh, if I was to look to move on from Pete, I would try to lean into what's worked historically speaking for our Seattle Seahawks organization. And uh, we can talk about retreads or going with this, but I, I look at it as more of going with tried and true and seeking out the tried and true where I can find it. You did this in the 80s with the Chuck Knox, who though he had not gone and won a Super Bowl before, had shown that he could put some good football teams together as a head coach was just what you kind of needed when he walked in the door. We got this with Mike Holmgren back when he came in um, after uh, 97 in there and um, him coming in and being able to do what he did. And then we got this with coach Carroll guys that have been established. Um, I would love to be able to go make a run at a guy like Harbaugh myself. I think he's a really good coach. I think he has adopted and modernized his approach. Um, not a guy that's necessarily shown that he's just set in his ways and not willing to kind of update while still being able to, you know, lock in on the good old school, hard nose approach to football at the same time, sort of a bit of the best of both worlds. I know some of the chat have their, their anti Harbaugh sentiment, their outlook of him, but I, I would not be opposed to that at all myself. Thank you though, Jesse. Appreciate you for that. Uh, Samuel Carlson. Thank you for a $5 donation says we have had the same issues with every defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. At some point, we have to look at Pete and realize he is the common denominator. He will, he will not evolve. 
This is where I tend to feel like I got to land on it too on this. I can't come to the offensive coordinator and I certainly can't come to the defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm kind of unsure on Waldron. It's like I talk about with those slight signs we've seen in the things that look like echoes really more of the 2017 offense. You've got quotes from Coach Carroll like when Waldron first walked in the door where he said, you know, we really like Shane. He's really open to doing a lot of the things that we've done here. And you go, what? I thought we were trying to get a new offensive coordinator and to run something new. So there's Carol's giving you some breadcrumbs on this one to come to a final conclusion a little bit, especially when you watch how they play on the field <coughs> offensively and their method of approach that indeed here, you're really not running a new modernized offense. It's really more of the same of the old, that these were sort of all sleight of hand moves, moving on from Ken Norton to Hurt, moving on from Schottenheimer to, to now Waldron, that these were just sort of things that could help almost in a lot of ways kind of placate the fans rather than being true blue moves that you were making to really enact change. And as I say, update and modernize. You were running on the offense and the defensive side of the ball, ninth, late 1980s approaches. You got away with the Legion of Boom era because you had such great talent across the board. You stacked up one of the most talented defenses that have ever been able that have ever been stacked up. And those guys didn't need to have the schematics to make them cook. But you're not going to stack up a unit like that ever again. It's just not the way the not the way of the world. It's a historical defense. You're lucky as an organization to get one of those in your entire history, be it 50 years or 100 years in this sport, if you even are given one. <clears throat> you've got to have the schematics get it done. And offensively, you get away with with Russ because he was able to scramble around and cover up the lack of your your schematics at times and, your, and some of your base nature to your offense. But you don't have that anymore. These things don't, don't aren't here anymore for that to be covered up. And now they're on bright, big display. And see what the team does to address them, Samuel. But uh, I agree with you. Uh, Mo- Most Hat with another $5 donation. Thank you, Most Hat. Appreciate you for that. Most Hated. Why is a running back who runs a 4-6 our returner? Uh, the team's been unable to address the punt returner position now for a couple of years. I, I don't know if Kenny McIntosh was a guy that they thought could do it. I guess he doesn't do it well enough to get him activated for this game and put him out there. I've... I've Long said that DJ Dallas makes me really nervous back there as a punt returner. I believe this is now his second fumble on the year. He doesn't track the ball well. He's had a couple of fumbles, and I know if you look at his overall stats, he's been a relatively efficient returner versus others in the league. But he's just not comfortable back there doing it. And it looks like a guy that you forced out there to do something that they're they're trying to make work, but isn't it really in their bag? I guess they just don't have anybody else that's any more comfortable with it, be it McIntosh or Eskridge. Who I would have thought would have been even a much better answer back there than a guy like DJ Dallas. But um, not just another one of these parts of the team that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in how they're playing. And Dallas, like you say, is not a guy that's a quick quick guy, nor is he a fast guy. He's, he's definitely the epitome of a plotting kind of running back. And thus with it, a plotting returner. Barry Satoro, thank you for all your donations tonight. Barry, I appreciate you so much for that. Says, hey, B, follow me on this. Pete's philosophy bled over to the Mariners. When 54% when 54% year, 54% of a year over 10 years and win a World Series. We just happened to get our Super Bowl early in the rebuild. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I want to look at that real quick. Um, we do have that whole stat thing. Let's see if I can find it here. I think I still had it somewhere around here. I'm not going to dwell on it too long. Oh, there it is. Uh, let me look at it. So let's, let, me, let, let me show you this. 
I think you bring up an interesting point, Barry. So let's let's look at this for a second. Let's take a little bit of a look. Do 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 do. Where are we at here? Uh, here we go. This was that stat that somebody presented. This gives you basically this is a ten year period stat right here. Um, and this is, you can see the record here. Uh, just up over my um, up over my shoulder here, you can see that you have a record of these teams for a 10-year period here. This is like this would be a baseball schedule in the NFL. And so what you can see with this is your Hawks, 102 wins over that 10-year period, to your point on that, Barry, uh, have got their uh, Super Bowl win on that. So I guess what we would want to do on that then is look through these teams then like to your point that Barry, like if this was a guiding directing arc to our organization where you look at it, you go, okay, Saints, 97 and 65, no Super Bowl win for them in that time. Packers, 160 over that time, certainly a team that was well over 54% in their winning percentage over that time, no Super Bowl win there. Vikings at 90 and 70, over 70% in that, and over 54% winning percentage in that, no Super Bowl win there. The uh, the Eagles do have a super two, do have a Super Bowl win in that ten year pan with their with their record. The Cowboys at ninety five wins do not. The Patriots do at one hundred and nine. The Bills do not with ninety three and sixty nine. The Steelers do not with one hundred wins and fifty nine losses. The Ravens. The last ten years. No, didn't they win in, was it 2012 they won? 2012? Technically speaking, that's outside of 10 years. It'd be a no for them. Colts, 83-78, that's a no for them. Chiefs is a yes. So it's kind of a mixed bag if they're trying to apply that Mariner model to this. You know, if that's their thinking on this, and you might be right. I mean, I'm not, I wanted to kind of look at this for that reason, Barry, I wasn't sure on just to see, but you can see it's a mixed bag. You have the Hawks, you have the uh, Eagles, the Patriots, and the Chiefs who have four Super Bowl wins that have that plus 54%, but then you have the teams like the Cowboys, the Packers, the Vikings, the Saints. I guess the Rams would be another team that won a Super Bowl in that period where they are. So it, it, it isn't necessarily an, enough of a, statistical out there's not enough statistical stuff to back that up as being a winning strategy is just to win 54 percent because some of those teams that was the case i don't know maybe you're onto something though because technically the patriots won a couple times over that and chiefs won a couple times over that so i mean technically speaking those they get that extra addition so i mean maybe it is more of the rule of thumb now that i think about it. it's kind of an interesting outlook on it and i wonder barry if that is some of maybe what's you know part of the hawks process a little bit in there in their approach. They tend to be a little more aggressive than the Mariners have been. You know, like the Leonard Williams go forward move. If they were operating more than that 54%, I would think that they would do less of those, you know, rushing kind of moves where it looks like they're being more urgent in their approach. But it is an interesting thought on your part, man. And thank you for all your donations tonight. I appreciate you. John Stillwell in the house. What's up, John? It's good to see you, man. And thank you with the $25 donation. Very kind of you for that. And I hope you're doing well tonight. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. I realize everyone is pretty unhappy, but a big picture approach would show the quickest rebuild of a team I've seen in a while. 
Yeah, that's the, the part of this, I think, John, that might drive a little bit of the urgency from some fans. What a great point. And uh, one that I definitely share with this is that th this isn't a team that's in tatters or in ruins. And um, it, it is a part of this that is the, the thing that remains true about this, even with Carroll and this coaching staff, is that the answers are in here in-house. The answers, if the in-house people aren't willing to adopt that there's even a problem at play to start to bring those answers into bear, Certainly somebody coming from the outside in could quickly look at this problem with the team, could quickly come in and, and somebody goes to a, a head coach who's a prospective coach, John, or somebody coming in from the outside and go, okay, what do you need to get done? Okay, they need to modernize here, modernize there. We need to be da 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 I think it would look very clear to the right coach, or the right people that you might bring in, or even just within this own coaching staff to realize it. It's, these aren't, I think one of the reasons that we're all so unanimous in seeing it so clearly is it's a, it is on such... Um, bold display to a place where you don't have to like, well, I, I'm only seeing it this way. I'm only, we're all kind of seeing it uniformly. So it's the answer is right there for them to be had, but do they take the steps in the directions, John, to, you know, take advantage of those answers? And and I don't know, but they've got the talent here. They've got the talent to be good and be good in a hurry, but they've got to get out of their own way a little bit, John, to, a, to the front side of this a bit. Big picture, man. That's where we need to look right now. That's why I want to get away, John, for you from not just on the coaching, but from away from the individual players on this one and more to the big picture, 30,000 mile up look at the team. Because then, then we look to try to pinpoint, okay, we, want, we all want this to get better and right. We may disagree at times on how we get there, but then by looking at the full, what, what's the biggest problems at play? What's the, what's the fire going on in the room right now that we got to jump on? Versus, you know, a mess we got to clean up in another room. Where's the actual fire at that, you know, needs to be addressed? And if they address those fires, John, then they extinguish them. I think that that's where they would start to, as you say, find a, a hell of a quick rebuild at that point. And this team could ascend at that point. And they absolutely have the talent to do so. Thank you, John, for your $25 donation, but also very well said on your part. He says, I realize everyone's pretty unhappy, but a big picture approach would show the quickest rebuild of a team I've seen in a while. Well said, man. Well said. San Francisco Press, thank you for subscribing to the channel. San Francisco Press, welcome aboard the Hawks Nest. John, appreciate all your donations today, man. Whoa, 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 in this business, you have to make tough decisions. A firing Pete is one of them. His message got old and stale. It'll be uh, tough. I don't know if they'll be willing to fire. Daniel Barry Sports Highlights, how you doing? John says that we literally can't do anything on offense. We got a little to hang our hat on right now, John. It's, it is indeed true. I'm trying to find the thing that we can kind of start to build off of a little bit, and it does, uh, it does get a little bit hard. Charbonnet's running in this, hard running, ability to, you know, Great holes and find spots to run through, even when there didn't appear to be any. That was that was pretty good, but uh, there's definitely not much right now we consistently do really well. That's for sure. John pauses our problems. OC and DC. Addis says my problem is Waldron, but if Pete is the problem, then maybe I don't know, man. Six and five is still a winning record. It is. Got to keep it in mind with that, that that front side of that schedule was, I think, what, through eight games, we had the third easiest schedule in football that we got to play. We had three backup quarterbacks as well, in addition to the, the quality of opponent coming into the house. I think we got to kind of keep that as well in a perspective on this record and where it stands. 
Uh, but we'll also learn, as I always say with this too, really thoroughly about what this team is by the end of the year. Because you have this tough three-game stretch. You still have the Steelers on the schedule. Hell, you even got a 10 a.m. game in Tennessee with that Mike Vrabel-led team, which is always a team that's going to show up every week. So uh, we'll learn. We'll learn where they're at, you know. Mason Dale says, during Pete's press conference, everyone was spamming fire Pete. Uh, when will someone within the organization take notice? Uh, I don't think it's a big priority at this point from within the organization to address that. I think that they have bigger, bigger fish to fry with what would be proverbially a sale coming down the, down the line in a couple of years. I, I, I would be very surprised to see the team being willing at any point to fire Pete. I, I don't think that that's on the table at this point. Could be wrong with that, though, but I, I do think. Jeffrey says, I wish we had a coach like Kyle. I definitely think Kyle's a hell of a coach. One of the better ones in the NFL. And uh, yeah, he does kind of, he's kind of the antithesis at times of what Pete does with his personnel where he's going to heavily scheme to put his guys in the right position for success. And more often than not, he's going to be right in his scheming up that success. Which Carol's kind of more of a, I let my guys go out and play and they'll, they'll get the job done kind of thing. Mario says, our problem is head coach, Pete Carroll. He's old. Yeah, there's definitely the old thing. I've, I've always had a hard time going to just being the old. I think it's more the thinking gets aged a bit on it, where you're not willing to update as you get older. You hold on to what you've always done, and that, that, that becomes, becomes a fine line between committed to your process, you know, um, committed to your, your philosophy, and, and, and holding on to all parts of the philosophy, even when there's some parts that don't work because you're so committed to, you know, if I don't stay committed, it won't be successful. Um, but as you can see, Mario, and as many others can see on the chat here, there's definitely going to be a wide range of sentiment out there of, of Pete getting a lot of heat coming on the end of this game like probably he never has before. Buddha says, remember when everyone was saying Waldron was Pete's replacement? Yeah, I do remember hearing that a little bit. Uh, Bobo says, if Paul Allen was alive, he wouldn't stand for this. He would bring in a new, fresh regime. Yes, I agree, Bobo. I remember Paul Allen was basically in a position of kind of subtly pushing out Mike Holmgren by 2007. And that was two years removed from going to a Super Bowl. I, I've long said that if Paul Allen was still alive and hadn't passed, that I don't think that Coach Carroll would still be our head coach right now. Paul Allen was not a guy that was going to stand pat and just sort of, you know, live on the old. He, he was going to drive forward with it. Eli Montoya, we will not double team Parsons and he will feast. That's correct. We don't like double teaming people. It's not our, it's kind of not our thing. Three hour of the Lions overrated. We're going to get stomped by the Cowboys just like the Niners did. Just like the Niners. The Niner, three hour Niners stomped the Cowboys. You got it the other way. It was the other way around. And this year, it doesn't matter if we get all first round picks. The coaching staff and scheme is trash. A lot of folks in the staff, I think a lot of folks kind of feeling this right now. John says, where's the timing routes though? Where's the three-step drop? Ball comes out. There are certain routes that are impossible to stop. That's why the West Coast offense is hard to stop. Agreed. You're not seeing those three-step drops. You're not seeing the quick hitting plays. There's a lot of long developing plays. Now I see a lot of pre-pro snap motion, John. It's, it's kind of a weird offense. Not really sure what they're trying to accomplish, to be honest with you. It seems to be hammer the run game up the A-B gap and then try to take shots over the top. I think we threw about... Six or seven, nine routes in this game. Dean Reeves is at some point the head coach just has to take the bullet. At some point, it does have to be that. And the NFL is a place that does tend to be a place where coaches after four or five years can have their message grow stale. It's, it, it, just a, it is the NFL in this way and that it moves fast and things occur in this manner that is quicker than other sports. 
Um, I, I do think it might get to the, to that stage of things here at this point. And, and, if, and if I was advising Coach Carroll, I'd say, what do you want to do with this, Coach Carroll? You know, you, you think there's this last run that you're going to catch on, but what are the signs of that last run being there? What are the signs of that you're still a good coach in what you're doing? And not specifically in your player development or your, your um, guiding of the locker room or your ability to even create a winning culture from a mentality standpoint, but it does come down almost to a strategy in your approach. And that does come down to sort of the DNA of a coach at times at that point. And then that comes down to, well, I don't want to change my ways. Well, then, okay, we, we, but we know where you're going with your ways right now into the future if you stay into this lane. It's kind of tough. John Paul C says, Clint's horrible. Our, our D is crazy good. And I, saw, I see Paul a little bit of the bristling on the Carroll thing with it. On I, The tough part with going DC, Paul, is that you've rotated through a lot of defensive coordinators over the last seven or eight years. And we do get a little bit caught into at times of this, well, it's the DC, it's the DC, but this is a defense run by Coach Carroll. And it's a defense that hasn't changed throughout all of these defensive coordinators rolling through. It's also why you went hired in-house on every defensive coordinator hire is you weren't looking for a new guy to bring in outside ideas. You're looking for a yes man who will fall in alignment with what Coach Carroll wants to do defensively. Um, and so it, it really is more even, I, I'm uncertain offensively on, on Carroll's effect on Waldron, but I am certain on the effect of Coach Carroll on Clint Hurt in the respect of he's guiding a lot of the direction of this defense. So it does get harder to then come back for me, John, to just the, the DC and say, see, it's that DC there that the, the issue. John says, the problem is Pete has his thumb on both the OC and the DC. Same old Pete schemes, no throws over the middle, soft cover two, cover three. Zone crap defense crap on defense. That's Pete. Yeah, it's it is Pete. New blacks. Ironic that the problem is squarely on the offense now. I don't know squarely. I think the defense has got some problems in it still within it too. But offense is god awful right now. Jeff Brockman drop Jeff Brockway. How does the team go from beating the Lions to this? I think it's lost some of its confidence. Certainly, Geno's lost a lot of his confidence. Waldron's probably lost a lot of his. And when times are going rough all across the board, it, it can look just completely um, in smithereens, even if it's not necessarily. It's, but I think big part's the confidence of it. Um, part of it's now you're playing some of the tougher matchups and you're getting a bit, bit of a tougher test. And even in the Lions, I think they have a team kind of like us where, yeah, they've won more than they lost, but do we really know if the Lions are really a good team at this point or not? They might be. They're, they're, they're definitely not bad, but... They're like us where they'll give you a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, but Doug Peterson won Philly a Super Bowl and got fired for struggling, and now Philly is a super competitive again. Time for Seattle to do the same. Yeah, Pete's had a long time here. He's had a long time to, to refine his footing. He's had a long time to ride on the you know pelts on the wall of the Super Bowl win and getting back-to-back Super Bowls. Long time of that. You know, There does come a time that that, that time does pass, and, and now you can't just ride on your laurels it's got to be what you're doing now and what you've been doing in recent history. You guys are pretty pretty much in alignment based on what I'm reading in the chat. Gavin O'Connell says, we're in purgatory. Not bad enough to tank, but can't win to save our life. I always say, Kevin, there's four states an NFL football team finds itself in. Rebuilding, ascending, in between, or elite. The team we play today is elite. We're in a rebuilding mode trying to get into a space of getting into ascent, but you very well may be right where we find ourselves in actuality in between. And that is seemingly where we've kind of been for many years at times, where we just can't seem to push up over that hump. Hans missed the game due to the crazy hour difference. Sad to see we got beat again and hearing it's more of the same, which cost us. Yeah. 
accurately accurately put on that one. Uh, Johnski, thank you for subscribing to the channel. Appreciate you for doing that, Johnski. John Stillwell with another $25 donation. Thank you, John, for all the donos today. It says, Brandon, also the chart that you put up had us with the most wins in the NFC over 10 years. People will be, be gone by next year, and that's probably a done deal. Yeah, that's part of the reason I don't, I have a big hesitancy here because of the, the, the timing of this, John. With the, he has the two years remaining, or tech, you know, technically still two years remaining on the contract through, through 2025. Uh, then you're expecting the sale of the team to happen somewhere around that territory too. But uh, I, I do think it's going to play out that way. I think the only way really, if Pete's going to go, he's going to have to choose to go rather than it being the team would force him out. I think he's going to earn his own ticket on that. Um, come what may, you know, a little bit with that. Um, and yeah, we had over that time period, John definitely put up the most wins in the NFC. And that's a testament to being able to build and construct, no matter what's going on, a consistent winning football team. And I think when it comes to me, John and, and Coach Carroll, you know, on that, of can he con construct a consistent winner? Yeah, he can definitely construct a consistent winner. But can he make an elite team? Can he build a contender? And the one thing that that win-loss chart doesn't tell you is whether he's able to do that. And, you know, really, it's, it, it, the answer to me becomes kind of more and more, you go, I don't think he can. You know, just, I, just, I, I wonder if he really can put that back together again because it's been so long since he has. As we were talking earlier on this, John, you know, you got 10 years since you've had an elite defense, 10 years since you've had an elite team. Though you've put those wins up, how, how do we get that confidence that he can get to that spot of, you know, building that defense back, building the team back up to that place, that, that he turns the page through this offseason, that he has the light bulb moment go on where, you know, I do have to fully embrace the modernization offensively, offensively and defensively in the way that I've really... Um, I, I've really bristled against, or I've really dug my feet, dug my heels in up against a little bit. Um, but there's no doubt about it. He's definitely won a lot of games through these years and stuff. It's, it's just that part that you get to going, but, but boy, it just looks like when it comes down to whether we can be up with the best, of the best year in and year out, we aren't up there. So winning's definitely worth to a certain value, but that's the part we got to go to is what's that value to at the bottom of the day? What's the, what's the value to being the consistent winner that can't get to an elite stage of things? or doesn't seem to show you the signs that they can get to an elite stage of things. It's not an answer I have to, John. It's more of just an answer I propose out there, more than me saying I, I, know, it, I know the answer on it. I know the right way on it. It's kind of a conundrum, and it's the tough part about looking at this situation and you know, kind of coming to a conclusion. Appreciate you, John, for all your donations, man, and support to the channel. Uh, JP Hallard, hell, hella hard. <laughs> Thank you, JP, for the $2 donation. Says, I'm not trolling. I live in Tacoma but I'm Niner gang. Hey man, I got to give Niner fans credit. I, I can't speak to whether uh, my mods have been having to push a bunch of people, but uh, between the live stream play-by-play -play that I did and having you guys um, coming in as you are in the chat to hear so far post-game, I think you've been nothing but respectful. So um, I appreciate the Niner fans who come in and do it that way. That's how I like to run my chat with it. I have a, a huge welcoming opening arms with fans from other teams, even fans like from a rival like this, because I think it helps our perspective and understanding of our team. Um, but appreciate you, man. Thank you for the donation out there in Tacoma. I hope you're having a great night. Happy Thanksgiving to you and everyone out there tonight. Appreciate you. And your Niner team looks really good this year. I think you guys are going to make a lot of noise here in the playoffs this year as long as you can stay healthy. Voodoo Russ is playing better than Gino right now. Indeed he is. Mike Skinner, people who defend Pete are the same people who are okay with uh, getting to the playoffs and nothing else. 
does that comes the question i think you got to pose to people that might be more still in the place of supporting pete still and saying no Pete can get this right and get this good it's you know where do you where do you base that off of a little bit you know where where does that confidence come and i could be if you're in the chat you feel that way please let me know i'm 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 not the seer of all things and there certainly is a perspective on this i could be missing with that where here's where the confidence can come in for the future you know with pete and into next year and that if this year's a little rugged that next year can write with these things happening and these things are likely to even happen Lisa Max says, I think Gino still hurt. I do too. I especially wonder about the legs and, and the mobility that seems to have been cut down by a tremendous amount. Eli Montoya, did we ever attempt one screenplay? Did we not because their linebackers are so good? Uh, I don't think we did it as much because they don't blitz as heavy as what we've dealt with in recent weeks, Eli. Niners are going to tend to trust their front four, and so going to the screen game is not going to be um, as beneficial because you're not catching them going upfield. They're going to have the, they're going to have the uh, soldiers on the back end to, to pick up the play and be able to close it up. Uh, we ran one bubble screen to Jackson Smith and Jigba that went for, I think, seven yards. And then you did have one screen that you tried to run to Charbonnet, sort of a, a quick-hitting screen that the defensive lineman Gregory was all over, and he quickly wrapped, wrapped him up and drug him to the ground. So it was a negative play. But those were the only two that you ran. John says, I also remember Waldron being way more creative. What the hell happened to that? Their game planning, as I've said in the first, is the worst in the league. I would say it's very, if it's not the worst, it's up there amongst the worst. Uh, another one of those questions, you go, why? Waldron through 12 games last year provided a diverse, dynamic offensive attack that could, could get after you in a variety of ways. It used motion-based concepts. We never were really into the bag of using the outside zones or the pitch plays, but we did, we did use that. I don't know why all of that's gone out the door this year throughout the course of the whole season. It's, it, it, but like a lot of things, this is working. No, we're not going to that. That's working. Eh, I don't want to do that. This, this, this is effective for us. No, no, it's not. No, no, we just, let's act like it's not. I don't know why they lean away from the things that do really work well for them, but it, it is a little bit of a, a theme of this season so far. Kirian says, all we proved today is we still have no plan for being blitzed. Like, I don't know why the defenses don't blitz us every single play. Like they'd have the single game sack record guaranteed if they did. Yeah, we still did not hang. Even though the Niners didn't blitz a ton, when they did blitz, they got there every time, Kyrian. Um, And it becomes those stack fronts. We just don't have any answers for them right now. It gives our offensive line fits. It gets Geno Smith fits in figuring out who's coming and who's not. And uh, they don't have an answer for it at the moment. Uh, Fleece Mack, why did Geno turn into Russ now? I don't know. But a snap out of it, does Pete have dementia? He's giving Joe Biden vibes. I don't think so. I just think that it's... As we get older, I think it's a human nature thing that you you hold on to what's worked well for you. You know, that's what you do in life is this this is working well for me. This isn't throw that away. That's working well for me. That isn't toss that away. Hold on to that. And you stack up your share of items through life that you you value and you hold in high esteem. And, and you say, this is something that really matters to me um, in a major way. And um, that it gets you, it's a knife that cuts both ways. Like I say, in one way, it brings you success because to have a philosophy that works takes commitment. Um, and you've got to be firmly rooted in that commitment, but then you can, if you don't have a philosophy that's actually working, that commit, that commitment sends you in the wrong direction, sends you in the, in the wrong way. And, um, I think that's a little bit of where we've seen this arrive at this point is the other side of that knife is cutting us a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, John Stillwell with another $25 donation says at some point, don't the players have to play better? I think that this can be a, a bit of a, 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 a deal where this can be both things going on, John. 
you know, DK Metcalf dropping balls in this uh, in this game. When you need your big players to come up and make plays like that, easy catches he should probably have, he would normally catch, not making them. The fumble by DJ Dallas on the punt return. Um, there are some things in this game and there are some items in this game from players play that you certainly could go to and say, that's not the coach. Don't foresight out there, right tackle being completely overwhelmed. You know, that's not as much on the coach. Did you give him a lot of protection or help? Not necessarily there as well. We, to me, John, the issue that comes into play when we go and thank you again, man, for another $25 donation. The issue that we go where we got to, I, I think we've got to look at these things and go, okay, we've got players not playing their best. Jamal Adams has been okay this year, but are we getting our money's worth? Quandre Diggs is playing all right and had some moments in this game. He played okay, but he also had some bad moments. Are we get our money's worth. There's, there's room for evaluation of players here, and there's room for players to look at to say they're not performing up to their standard. I would say that still does become a reflection on the coaches not getting the most out of these players. And I would say, John, that's a commonality of what we've seen in recent years where I can't always feel like my coaches are getting the most out of their players. I don't always feel like they're maximizing their talent. So this has been a commonality that we've seen going on for a couple of years. I don't want to make it sound like I'm personally letting these players all off the hook because there are guys to catch their share of heat and share their heat, share of heat for the way that they played throughout this year. But when I look at what teams are doing offensively to our defense, John, when I look at the way that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan can attack the soft zone defenses that we run, our unwillingness to blitz, when I look at the offense, and the offense, as I'm saying, John, looks so similar to what it looked like in 2017, 2018, rather than looking like the Sean McVay offense that we thought we were getting from Waldron. These are long problems that have long been going on and popping up this year across the board, game after game, even in games with which we win. That's why when we look at this game, to me, it's not just about this game, John, but also about what's been the theme for how you've led up into this spot, for how you've come to this where you come to this spot. And unfortunately, these games have played out very similarly. And the issues that pop up week after week and a lot of the issues that popped up last year, especially after week 13 and onwards, continue to show themselves now. And, and I do say the players are a part of this, but I hold much more here that what's happened, John, is you're supposed to change two years ago offensively and defensively. This is the bottom line. You had, you had a, your old offensive approach with Schottenheimer. It wasn't working. You needed to update. You need to modernize. You said, hey, the Sean McVay offense has been destroying our defense recently. It's been giving us fits. Let's bring that approach. Let's adopt that in. And now you've not adopted that offense. It could be Waldron. It could be Carroll. It could be happenstance. Whatever the reason why it's not being adopted, it's not being adopted here. Your offense looks like 2017. And then defensively, you say two years ago, John, you know, he says at the combine two years ago, does Coach Carroll, we've been arrogant in our ways. We have held on to our cover three and our soft zone defensive ways and our lack of aggression. We've held on to that for too long. I, I, I need to go get the clip so I can play it in these moments because I think people really need to hear the, he says these exact words. It might sound like I'm twisting his words and verbiage, but it's the words that literally come out of his mouth. We've been arrogant in our ways. The Car Coach Carroll himself said it two years ago. And so he's acknowledging in that moment, John, it ain't a, you know, to me, that's not a fan saying it. That ain't a, you know, a talking head like me saying it. You know, that's that point where you got a, an actual coach, the head coach, acknowledging his own failures there. So he himself says, I acknowledge it, but then he doesn't change his ways two years later in the ways that he says he knows he needs to do so two years prior. And so, yeah, the players are definitely not necessarily playing up to snuff in certain guys here and there as you can find them, but it's all, that's at the root of it to me, John. And that's where we get to the symptoms versus what's the root problem, you know? And, and to me, some of the player performance is a little bit of the, the runny nose 
versus the virus that we have a little bit inside here that's kind of wrecking the body a little bit. And what's wrecking it is the lack of willingness to change and adapt. That's, to me, the forefront here even more than you can go to the players. Um, I think Charles Cross played a pretty good game out there in this game. Uh, Charbonnet played a pretty good game. Char uh, DK had a couple drops, but, you know, he also had some catches out there. JSN caught some balls. Tyler did okay with what he could do out there. Uh, there were some guys that also played individually pretty well in some of the spots. So it's not like everybody's just having like, you know, Tyler's not having a, uh, you know, like, oh, he's fallen off. He's gotten old and, and done. DK's been as, as efficient coming into this game as we've seen him up until this point and what he's done. Um, not to say there aren't some holes on this team and guys that could play better, no doubt about that. But, you know, you're, you're, I, I don't know. I, I, for me, John, it really more, first and foremost, I go to the coachings here at the forefront. I can't get to the players on this because I look at this team and they should be better than they are right now. I look at them and I say they're underachieving right now. I look at them and I say, week in and week out, I can watch you and you're playing checkers and the other team's playing chess. All of that stuff goes back to coaches before it gets to players. And it gets hard to evaluate the players when the coaching staff seems so thoroughly to be holding back the players in their inability to put them in a position to succeed. That's, that's, really at the heart of it for me where it makes it tough to then go back to the players on that a little bit. John, thank you for all your donations tonight, man. You are awesome, brother. Appreciate you. Rogers Green, Holmgrenner Pete. Um, I mean, how about both? I don't know if there's a big difference between either. They're both two Hall of Fame coaches. Always gets hard, Rogers, whether it be players or coaches, if you're starting to try to peel between who's the better one between the two. Uh, I, I mean, that's a tough one for me. I love them both, I'd say. John Stillwell says the offensive line is the biggest problem on the team this year. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. Pass protection hasn't been there. They're not opening up a lot of holes in the ground game, John. Haven't handled the blitz as well. Got their quarterback beat up last week, almost knocked out for the year. I think it's probably been the worst performing group on the team. Yeah. Rogers Green says you can't just run into walls and throw 60-yard passes against really good teams. No, you can't. Sweet Wong says Seattle needs one of the 49ers ends. Chase Young, for agent, or Gregory? Definitely going to need some edge help. Little Sticks, please provide us all our argument on how Pete is elite and how we can get a first for Gino. <laughs> Jacob Davis, if we miss the uh, postseason, this is to be the last of the last chance Pete has given. I won't agree, but we'll understand if he keeps his job after making the seventh playoff seat again. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that worm turns as we go into the future and how the season plays out to your point, Jacob. I'm, I don't have a good read on it one way or another. I think Pete does remain kind of regardless would be if you put me on a, strap me to a lie detector test, I'd say that. But we'll see. We'll see. Old law, we can get a first for Gino because he's elite and he's a former. Yeah, we're not getting a first for elite. 
<laughs> We're not getting a first Regino. You ain't getting a fourth round pick Regino. Uh, old Law, Gino just needs the old line to do his job and he'll be elite again. There we go, John. You got somebody agreeing with you on that? With that point then? Jacob says, I know Pete is under contract for a few more years, but pay him whatever he's owed. Look at the Raiders. They, a new change was needed and got rid of McDaniels, even with how much they owe him. Yeah, it says in the Raiders too. I think they're still paying Gruden. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if the impediment here would be to pay out Pete what is the remaining portion of his contract. I think Jody would probably be willing to do that if that was needed. But I don't know that she wants to hire a new coach as she's on the precipice of selling the team. Okay, Jab, does Jody understand her care enough? That's part we'll learn a lot better about this offseason and where this team goes. Uh, I think she does, but I think that she's also got some priorities in different places too that, you know, have to take more of probably the attention would be my guess. Hold on, 12s. Let's be real, guys. Gino's still lead. He's hurt right now, but he's... Gets back when we win our division. It's the long season. I hope you're right. Lord Boom, well, I'm back. I needed to take some time for myself after that embarrassing freaking loss. Wow. John Stillwell. Man, kind as ever in here in the chat, John. Thank you so very much. Gifting out 10 memberships here to Hawks members. K-Jab, Flick of the Switch, Bales, Flag Sabbath, Brian Myers, Red Ace, Jack M. Oh, Lady Deep Geek, Kevin Sorbo, and Adrian XA. You have all been gifted memberships here by John Stillwell. Very kind of you to do that, John. Thank you for that. We'll be getting you guys out uh, PFF scores from this game tomorrow, hopefully. And uh, we'll be doing our members-only streams here on Thursdays into the future here when we're not playing on Thursday night games. So keep an eye on your community post for membership benefits over there. That's where I post those at. But John Stillwell, thank you for all your donations and gifting the memberships in the stream as you are. I really do, really do thank you so much for that. You're awesome brother as ever. Matt Calloway, any sign language from DK? Like being sports son. Oh, Lordy. The real Jackson says losses in the next two games. It ain't looking good, the real Jackson. It ain't looking good. Adam, Adam W. Seahawks are doing great for having a rebuilding season. No disrespect. Niners are on another level. And for old law to say Eagles will win next week is a comical joke. Short of the Niners having a major, I think you were going to say injury. Uh, Seahawks got blown up for the Rams. The four Rams now the Niners. I don't think a playoff run is possible, especially with the track record last eight years. It ain't looking good. It ain't looking good. KJF says it'd be hard to play if ever if you know every other teams have our plays memorized. <laughs> Jason, 49ers are playing the Eagles their next game on December 4th. You think they will lose the Eagles? And if so, that helps us. No, I think the Niners are rounding into shape and I think they're healthy. I think if Niners are healthy going up against that Eagles squad, they're better than that Eagles team. But that's always kind of the key is can they stay healthy, especially with some of their guys that are a little bit longer of the tooth. But I think that they win it. I think they pull it out. Eagles have kind of been able to get by on some ugly wins this year a bit. A bit. A little bit. 
Barry Satoro, thank you for the $20 donation, Barry. I do appreciate you for all your donos today as well, man. Very, very, very kind of you. Says, can we stop pretending we aren't in a psychologically abusive relationship? Pete always says he will change. After a month, he's still hanging out with all of his terrible friends. D, Monet, Stone, and back to all the old habits. <laughs> well, well said, Barry. Well, uh, well said on your part. And um, yeah, it does feel a little bit like that. And it's, it really sucks right now to be in the position of bringing this stuff up. It brings me no joy to do so. But I got to be consistent with this. I, I, I sat back two years ago and I said, okay. I said, okay. I, I, I've, I, this Russell Wilson Pete thing has come down the line. And remember where we were at that point. The fan base was divided between Russ, pro Russ, pro Pete people. And I said, you know, there very well be a reality here we run at with this situation where we all think this is one or the other. You know, peanut butter or jelly, Pete or Russ. But there very well may be a reality to this where it's the answer is both. Where the best answer here is to move on, on in both directions, to reset this fully through. And um, the place where I was giving Pete room for air, the benefit of the doubt, was being on the right side of the Russell Wilson trade. The backing up of Geno Smith, the the drafting, which was getting a lot more solider, and him changing his coaches to do the majorest part of all of this beyond those other things I just mentioned. The most major point, the most important point is it was it was raising its head to me, was updating both his offense and defensive approach, modernizing his approach. And he told you he needed to do it. He he said it straight to our faces. He understands he needs to do it. He changed out the coordinators to do it. But indeed, those old bad habits you mentioned, Barry, are what we slide back to time and time again. And that's what starts to hurt the faith here. Not that Carroll's a bad coach. Not that he's not capable of putting a team together that is, can be a, a good functioning team. But that this, we end up sliding back to the same answer again and again, which is those old habits, to use your words, Barry. And it seems like, a, it seems like that detriment, as I say, that fatal flaw, that is not one that is just this minor one that you can overcome with all this other stuff you do good that it becomes the fatal flaw that sinks you beneath the waves. It becomes the anchor tied around your leg and now you're dipping further and further beneath. And maybe a little bit every once in a while you can gather enough strength to break yourself up over the top of the water and <gasps> catch a breath in. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're swimming or staying well above the water into the future here. You're just, it's still that anchor on your leg and you're not untying it. That's what, that's the big problem. We're not, we're going, okay, there's an anchor on our leg. Yes, you know, there's an anchor on your leg. You're in the water, there's an anchor. I know, there's an anchor on my leg. Okay, untie it. No. Why not? Just, just untie the anchor. Just, I don't want to do that. That's scary. Why is it scary? It's going to take you under the waters. You got to do something new here. It's going to, it's going to be the, the death knell for you. No, no, no. I can just keep swimming really, I'll just swim harder. I'll just swim harder. And I'll stay above the wave that way. I don't know, man. Maybe this will be an impetus enough here with the, the end of the run of the season and where things are going for it to, to push them forward a little bit and they're thinking with that to go, okay, we got to go whole hog here. We can't just partially do this. We've got to push this all the way over to the other side and all of our approaches across the board, offensively and defensively. Brandon Moody, preach Brando. I hear this. I believe, I believe the arrogance showed when he took no responsibility, no responsibility at all today for this. I believe uh, Carol's arrogance showed today when he took no responsibility at all for this today. Yeah, that's the old issue we come back to. And, you know, it was the issue I had at times with Russell Wilson and still had a big problem with Wilson. And that's that, you know, 
you got to own when you're when things are bad not because it's the blame game not because we all point at you and say look who the bad guy is because then you take the initial steps you need to take to correcting the situation but if you don't acknowledge that there's an issue or a problem you'll never take those steps and that's a little bit of the place I think we find ourselves organizationally right now. And that's what's breeding, I think, a little bit of this lack of faith as we're going to be moving forward. Old Law Pete has done a lot for us. Uh, Dick Docs, Pete always talks about always compete. And next man up is Waldron competing. Seven quarters with zero touchdowns. Next man up. Hard to find a lot of explanation for Waldron and, and, and the lack of offensive success with all of this talent that they have. Uh, Derek Gaskow, no offensive line, drop punt, no touchdowns. We had some good pass plays. Oh, we did. Yeah. Uh, Green Bean, uh, Chiefs won the Super Bowl with the number 16 ranked defense. People blaming the D are part of the problem. I think it's both offense and defense to me. I certainly think the offense is the bigger issue to your point on that green bean, but I, I can't slide the defense off and say like, well, our defense is fine. Um, but the offense is a problem. The real Jackson, you guys would be far worse off without Pete. There's the potential that we would be worse off with P without Pete. I don't think that there's a guarantee, though, that, that we're worse off if we make a coaching change. We don't know what the outcome would be with a coaching change. Um, I, can't, I, I, I can't get into a fear-based outlook on stuff in our approach of making changes or not making changes because of the fear of what goes wrong. Is there a better move to make? Is there a better coach out there that can give you better potential? That's the question at hand. I'm not saying I have the idea and know that that's the case and that's the direction to go, but that's the question at play. Um, we can't operate from a fear-based model of being worried about the worst case scenario outcome. You know, if we had done that, we would have never have hired Coach Carroll in the first place, right? Because you had Maury here for one mere year. You never fire a coach after one year. You don't do that. You don't do that, right? You got to give the guy a couple of years to establish his culture, right? But we didn't do that. You know, you, you, you can't, can't be worried about, we didn't let him, is there a better guy for the job? Is this guy the right guy? That's, that's the answer you got to make. And, and maybe Carol is still the right guy for the job. Maybe the answer is that no, he's the right, but that's, you got to apply that question in that way to me, um, rather than look at it from the, from what scarily might happen prior, because we didn't just start winning when coach Carroll arrived here. You had been to a Super Bowl four or five years prior to him arriving in Seattle. So it, it isn't like we'll never, ever have ever a coach again who can coach the team if it's not Carroll. Adam W says, in defense of the Seahawks, you all had several starters out hurt playing against the stacked healthy Niners. Am I missing something? I, I mean, we had Woolen went out with the deal. Um, that's for sure. I, I mean, and then you, uh, you were, we've been down the right tackle for most of the year. But that's all you were down. You had all of your receivers, all of your tight ends. I guess Walker. We were down a couple, a couple guys, but we weren't. We're, we're in relatively decent shape health-wise, I think. 
Better than we've been in recent years up until this point, at least. Zero Sama, Niner fan here. Happy Thanksgiving. We deserve to eat on your field this year. You did indeed, Zero. Tough sight to watch, but you guys earned it. Props to the Niners. Played a great game. You earned that victory. Jesse, I'd love to steal Sean McVay. I don't think he's long for the coaching world, though. I think he'll remain in the Rams until he's done and ready to go up into the coaching booth and earn a gazillion dollars doing that. Paul, we drafted players that were good players, but we had a chance to draft players that would have given us great lines for years to come. Well said. John says, here's a better answer. If you could combine Holmgren and Carroll, it would literally be the perfect coach. One lacks discipline, the other creativity and, brav and bravado and swag and mentality. I agree. That'd be a great combination, man. We get the, uh, we, we get the hybrid, the, what we are, the, the Carol, the Carol Grin. It's the Carol Grin, John. That's what we call that. Snap out of it says, Pete and Waldron are like the Thelma and Louise at the end of the movie. Make that meme. I'll put, I will I'll put them on the, I'll put their faces on there uh, as they're driving off the cliff. Uh, Jacob Davis, Jody Allen needs to sell the team ASAP. The estate of Paul Allen, AKA Jody is lazy as F owner. And we need a Jerry Jones type who is super invested, at least appearing to want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think sadly we're going to be seeing him sold anytime soon, Jacob. Uh, Blazers are sort of your canary on the cold line for timelines on this, and I would expect them to be moved first and foremost, and she certainly dragged her feet on that one. I don't expect that that means that the Hawks sale is going to be any, any faster applied on our side of it. And so it's still a couple of years here with her as an owner, uh, whether it should or not, you know, but uh, it's the balls in her court here to potentially do something at this point. Resk IV, Niner fan, Niner, ride or die fan here. I respect the S out of Lockett. He's the only Seahawks with heart to keep playing hard no matter what. Definitely he's playing, played hard today, man. I think we had a couple guys playing hard, but we certainly didn't match your guys' level energy in this game. Didn't match coaching, didn't match it lay play on the field. Derek uh, Gazcal, thank you for subscribing to the channel, Derek. Appreciate you for that, man. Snap out of it. Bezos or Gates with goodbye. I think Bezos or Balmer are probably the two likely potential people looking to move in on the team. You know, so this pisses me off that they thought they were ready to ascend to the top of the NFC and we lost our second round pick. They better sign Williams and cut Gino. Definitely think they're going to expect, I'm definitely expecting them to resign uh, Williams. And at this point with Gino and how he's playing, he's not worth $32 million on the cap. I've been a big benefactor, Gino. I'm not putting, as you can hear in what I'm describing with this team, I'm not putting it all on him with it, but we got a decision to make in this offseason. And, and right now he looks uh, like a career backup quarterback, not like the quarterback we saw through 12 games last year. Scott, uh, one UC. All right, Brandon, 12s, have a good night. Have a good night, Scott. Appreciate you. Brandon uh, says, yeah, very little shade thrown to Tyler Lockett's way. A man is solid. Perennial goodness. He is. Very solid. Definitely not part of the problem. Gold-blooded Lockett could have helped me tonight. Nothing I was hoping if the Hawks scored, it would only be him. <laughs> Lord Boom, Brandon, on a positive note, we had a lot of really good individual play here. Spoon, Brooks, Bobby Taylor, Michael Jackson came in and started tackling good. Even Eskridge looks good back there. Yeah, all those guys did play pretty good games. Brooks had a little bit of hit and miss out there. 
But those guys you mentioned, Daryl Taylor, create a really uh, important pressure in this game at a key moment in the game. Or Boom says, JSN and Charbonnet are the truth. Those two guys look so good, man. I'd really like to keep both of them long-term. Me too. Love the fact we got them on a rookie deal, Lord, and at least for the next couple of years, they're going to be here. Red A says, this was a game to showcase Pete could change. Sadly, he fell short. Can't argue with that. I see it the same way. Answer the bell. Did not answer it. Had a chance to answer the bell. Old stakes, Devin Witherspoon is still a godsend. I'm working on a Witherspoon video. I'll hopefully get that out in a couple days. Make, make my Hawk faithful feel a little bit better. Brandon Moody. John Schneider bled his own blood to give Pete this team, and now it's on him to make this right. Well said. No one makes me bleed my own blood. No one. Matt Lewis, thank you for subscribing to the channel, Matt. Welcome aboard, and uh, thank you for jumping aboard the Hawks Nest. We're trying to get to 15,000 this year. If you're not subbed up, folks, please do get subbed up as we're cooking along. We're almost a mere 600 away. The name that shall not be spoken, Jim Mora. <laughs> uh, Gold-blooded, I can't disagree that right now Philly's the best team in football. It's time for the Niners to root the end of that. Up to them to do so. I do. I just, man, I'll, I'm going to have to bump up the Niner fans in the chat tonight. You guys are better than the Eagles team. Sorry, we are. The Eagles team has just able to guide through a little bit this year. You guys would have beat them last year, I think, in that playoff game. But they'll be a great game no matter what. I'll definitely be checking it out. Rome Dabsetter agrees with me. He says, Philly's nothing. They've been, they've been lucking through teams. See, I'm not the only one who feels this way. I'm just saying. Now, Bava says, yep, got to have accountability. You've got to. You've got to. Onyx2626 says, this is why I love YouTube. Rams fan who used to live in Seattle. Jim Zorn, baby. What's up, man? I love YouTube too, man. This has given me a great platform to be able to do this and chop it up with my fellow faithful. Top and chop it up with you 49er fans from time to time. Man. I love it. Even after tough losses like this, I do love what I do. Alexander says, I wanted Russ's game. I wanted Russ's game. Now I want, I want Russ gone. Now I want Pete gone. But we do thank you for the Super Bowl win and bye now. I'm laughing out loud. Yeah, I respect the hell out of everything Pete's done. And maybe it sounds sometimes like I'm not being as respectful as I should be by being as open to starting to move on. But I think he's had 10 long years. I think he's had a long time to be given that level of respect by fans by being given that cachet of time to refine his footing, to refine contention. And he's not been able to locate it. And what's worse yet, there doesn't seem to be a lot of indicators in the future that we are going to locate it. And uh, that's, that's got people a little bummed. For sure. Lord Boom, the score tonight was 31-13. And even though I take my losses like a champ, I had to remind my homie that the last Turkey Bowl where we ate turkey on their field, we beat them by like 40 points. Laughing out loud. Well, there we go. Got to find those silver linings, Lord Boom. Sui Wong says, hire Eric Bienemy from Washington Redskins, the old KC Kansas City offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's going to want to go Sui in a lateral move at this point. I think Bienemy's looking for a head coaching job in the future and Outside of getting fired there with Washington this year, I don't, I don't think he will be moved on. But if he is fired, then he would be on the market. Maybe a possibility to your point at that point. Jason C. The Seahawks were inching back into the game, but gave up in the fourth. Yeah, just too much, too much land to cover and too short a span. I think they just they put themselves too far behind the eight ball to, to get back into that and make it really work. They did make a little bit of effort of it, but just couldn't make it happen. 
Shade Apex, there has to be something in Pete's contract that if he wins a certain amount of games, he is safe. Uh, maybe, maybe so. That would, explain, uh, that would explain some things. Jason says, worse off without Pete. Depends on who the new coach is. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking with it, Jason. I, I, I can't get into that mentality, but absolutely the next coach has to be worse than Pete or we're going to be worse condition or shape than we are right now. Um, as I said, it's 10 years since we've been an elite team. So you can't say, well, we move on from Pete and we move out on the opportunity of being that elite team that we've not been in 10 years. You can't say that. You, you move on from Pete and you go, okay, we're going to miss out on being a team that barely gets into the playoffs every year. That's, that has been what you've been in 10 years. You either barely get in the playoffs or you just miss it. So that's, that's what you miss out on. And now could you be worse of that? Yes. But I, and I'm sometimes alone, I think, on this fans because I think there are fans that would tell you it's that old axiom, you know, would you rather win in the Super Bowl in a year or be consistently good for 10 years and make the playoffs? Which would you rather take? You know, win a Super Bowl in one year, be bad for nine years, or be consistently good? I'm a guy that wants the Super Bowls. That's what we're here to do. It's about winning Super Bowls. It's not about consistently being good. That's not worth a whole hell of a lot to me. I don't, I don't derive a lot of value from that, especially if it seems to come at the cost of ever being truly elite and ever truly being a contender. And so, yeah, that's the part we can't get to or do. Pete goes and then there's, it's just nothing but dark. That's what they said about Russ. Those folks that say that about Pete, that's what everyone told us about Russ. Now that Russ is gone, get ready for your dark ages, Seahawks fans. Get ready to be the worst team in the entire NFL. At this. Yeah, didn't happen, did it? Johnny says, I think Eric B. might end up head coach in Washington, maybe even before the end of the season. I don't know. The, the outgoing rumor out there is that Bill Belichick is being set up for Washington and that it's rumor-wise supposedly already a done deal. John, Gina will throw over the middle and dink and dunk if the OC sends those type of plays in. That would help with the blitzing. It would, Don. But we do not seem to want to run, throw it over the middle of the field, which is the problem within that. Shade says, I think it's better that we move on from him instead of staying with him year after year and seeing the same results. Look, there's my thought process on it too. Lord Boom, uh, we whoop the Niners up all the time. We can take a few losses here and there. It doesn't dull our shine in the least. Still think this is the best rivalry in football, though I like it better when we win. I agree with that, man. No, I, I definitely don't take to any of my conclusions on this game just being the, coming out of the game and playing the Niners. Um, certainly, these are, these are conclusions that come from based on the, the season as a whole for me. In my perspective, but uh, it is still the best rivalry in football, in my opinion. I love that it's that. We got to start even even in these scales up a little bit, Lord. We got them a little bit in the early 2010s, but when you just start evening up these scales just a little bit. Adam W., I think the Hawks will play Niners a little bit tighter in two weeks if they're healthy, but I believe the Niners will win again. But I think Hawks are better than what they show tonight. I hope you're right, Adam. I hope you're right. Goldblooded says, I think Pete's time has passed him by right after the worst call in Super Bowl history. Uh, Russ, Guy, V, Pete never takes any responsibility. How many offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators were fired? Yeah, we've done some scapegoating at times on this team with the coordinators. It's one thing, the reason I don't really want to do that here and now. I want us to, like I'm asking our coaching staff, I want us as fans to learn our lessons and really truly pinpoint where the issues may lie here with this team if this does fit the form throughout the rest of the season. Jason C., I think the best option out there is Harbaugh. I think he's primed up in a way that it's a lot like where Carroll was primed up ready to come back for his second tour of duty in, in the NFL, having learned his lessons, um, having modernized his approach. Um, he can put together, a, a, he's an offensive-minded head coach at the first point of it, which I like, and I want to bring in next as an offensive-minded head coach, but he also understands how to put together a really good defense. Uh, I, would, I would absolutely sign up for Harbaugh.
Jade Apex, I thought Peters played great against Bosa today, aside from small penalties. I did too. Yeah. He had a couple, he had the false start penalty, which had been an issue with him a little bit, but uh, then he got his hand pressed in and he had to take, go to Stone Foresight. He went out and you definitely saw a drop off at that point, Shade. Lord Boom, Big Leonard uh, had 99, had an excellent game also, to be honest. I know it looked bad because they were running all over us, but I mean, for a nose tackle, he did his job a majority of the time. No, he, I thought he did pretty well today. He flashed a few different moments. Greater pressure, was there in the ground game. I like what I saw from him. Alex says, fire Shane Waldron like tomorrow. Please, please, please. Jonathan Sullivan. Johnson Smith, not Sullivan. Jeez, where did I get the Sullivan there? I misread that one. Jonathan Smith, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, me, this game showed me our expectations for this season were too high. You're likely a bottom slot playoff team. Maybe next year, but not this year. Uh, thank you for the donation and certainly the outlook and, and where I thought and where many of us thought this team could get to this year um, certainly does look like those expectations were too high. Uh, I think there is a bit of an issue here, John, where we come into the play of what's holding us back this year, though. Are we held back by simply the youth of this football team and the inexperience and that they're so green that they just need to kind of find their way? Or are we being held back at times by our philosophy and scheme as the main impediment? And when we look for the reasons that are kind of acceptable to maybe have a bit of a not fitting up to where we hope they would get this year to maybe underperforming a little bit, you come to, well, we had to go through some growing pains. These don't feel like growing pains to me. These feel like long gaping wounds that we have not addressed, that we've not cleaned up, that we've not sutured, that we've not put even so much as a bandaid over the top of, and they're seeping and we're getting rot. And uh, it, it seems like more of that here is at play, which then doesn't give as much confidence, Jonathan, to the future of moving forward. Because if they're not going to adopt and evolve and adapt this year, why will they suddenly do it next year? Because if you're going to stand here and tell me that everything's going to stay the same from a structural philosophy standpoint, offensive and defensively next year, and that the hope for us to take steps forward and become a contender next year are all in the back of getting 8% better as a roster and hoping the young guys can just suddenly magically super develop overnight. I don't see that occurring myself. I think that the scheme will still be enough to hold this team back from being a contender. You might get to the playoffs, but if we're talking about being elite and being a contending team, I don't think you can get by anymore in the NFL by having a coaching staff that's a net negative across the board and just hoping your talent can somehow overcarry the day for that. That seems like a, a tough river to cross. A, rap, a river of rapids to meet across. But John, thank you for the $5 donation, man. Um, and certainly we uh, thought they were going to be better. They aren't. I didn't expect them to fail this way. I thought failure was a possibility, but I didn't expect it in quite this sort of fashion. Devon Rose, thank you for the $5 donation. Devon says, from a 49er fan, thank you for getting rid of Russell Wilson. He was our kryptonite. Yeah, he's just, it was never a good matchup for you guys. Hell, I think he even beat you last year, didn't he? When you guys went to Denver or something like that, I believe. But uh, yeah, you guys definitely breathed the sigh of relief when Denver went, when Russell Wilson went out of town. I think it was still the right move to do what we needed to do there with Russell Wilson and to move on at that point. Um, didn't want to pay him 55, 60 million a year, which is what he was going to want. But um, definitely worked out great for you Niner fans on that, man. Thank you for the donation. And uh, good, best of luck to you guys this year. You got a great team. I'd love to see where it goes and, and that doesn't get held back by injury and that you just got to see what happens with them at full strength if they can pull it off. Johnny Utah says, bring back Dan Quinn. That'll maintain Pete's culture, but still instill some new perspective and excitement. Then bring in an offensive coordinator that can actually call play. There we go. 
DJ, JF, what happened on the seven-yard line with four downs? Run the ball. Team just comes, another one of those many trends I talk about this year, DJ, where the team just has a tendency to abandon and forget about the running game all of a sudden. I don't know why. I, they just suddenly will have this sort of like, we forget we can run the ball and they start getting super pass happy all over the place, especially down by the red zone. Long live the King says, Carol is a master motivator, but not a master tactician. No, he is not. Jason C. But says, but Harbaugh is still at Michigan. He is still at Michigan, Jason, but you can hire a coach who's still under contract in college to the pros. Don't have to give up anything or something. Greg Camp, Brandon, I just saw a shot of that out route by DK at the beginning of the game. And of course, Ward has his hand on his hip, pulling DK down before the ball hits DK's hands, which causes the incomplete, but no flag. Shaking my head. Yeah, I don't get why Ward gets away with that against DK all the time. I've, I've watched innumerable amount of, of all 22 tape with Ward. Maybe I'll just put together a video of it just to put it out there on the channel so you guys can see some of this over the last year and a half, especially. But officials let, I, I've always long suspected, Greg, that what happens here is, is that you have the Shaquille O'Neal kind of situation going on with DK on the outside. And that you have this receiver who is so big than the cornerback across from him that the officials feel like they got to let the cornerback be a little extra physical just so that they can kind of hang in there. And that's what you got with Shaq when he'd get down in the post. You'd have all these big men hack a Shaq and away on him. And, you know, it would frustrate Shaq. Eventually almost get in a fight with these guys during the game because the officials would let him kind of go so far. Um, I don't like seeing it. I called it, Greg. You know, I told you, watch for it and you'll see it. And you saw it right there. So I, they let him get away with it. I, Ward's a good corner, but he's also a corner I think that's... that's as handsy a corner as you'll find in this sport, second to only Sauce Gardner. And uh, you, you see that on him with DK all the time. I don't, I don't get why DK can't get a call with that stuff, but maybe the officials just hate DK. I don't know. Johnny says the Ox would be the best job available, even better if we draft a solid pros quarterback prospect. Yeah, I think we'd be a pretty enticing spot to a, a coach out there. Joshua, I'd, I'd be all with it with Olua Bradford starting. Evan Brown has quickly slid. If you look at his PFF scores, you look at his level of play, he's really backtracked this year, and he's really a bottom-end center at this point. So it's not like Brown has set the stage for you at the center position to feel like he's doing such a great job. And Bradford's been a better guard for you than Haynes has been. Uh, he's got his issues in pass protection, but at least he can move guys off the ball and create some holes for you in the ground game, which your offensive line has been unable to do so consistently at all. Jason C says Seahawks have a 4% chance of still getting to the Super Bowl. So you're telling me there's a chance. Voodoo says, damn, if Ballmer got the Seahawks, maybe he'll move the Clippers here. <laughs> One can hope. One can certainly hope. I wouldn't be against it myself. Adams says, another dangerous team no one is really talking about and flying under the radar is the Ravens. They were up there with the Niners and the Eagles. I agreed, Adam. I think all those teams are super legit. And, then, and the Ravens now, especially with the Bengals falling back with Burrow's injury, that division may be a little less tough now to, to navigate through. And uh, they are like the Niners to me, the Ravens. They just got to stay healthy. They're a team that sometimes gets bitten that way, especially quarterback position. But if they can, I think they're going to be very, very tough in the playoffs. And that's speaking for, from understanding that Lamar's had no playoff success, but they've rejiggered this offense in a way to set it up to allow it to be more modernized and uh, not as reliant on him and running the ball. And it uh, makes it more dangerous to deal with. John says, doesn't matter the OC brought in. The only plays being called are Pete plays. That's the problem. Amen. 
Hoop craze. Feels like I haven't I haven't a completion in the middle of the field in a couple games. It does, doesn't it, Hoop Grace? Isn't it wild how much they ignore the middle of the field? Uh, and it defies logic and reason outside of what people have proposed to me being that they'll say, well, it's the, the reason here is that Coach Carroll doesn't want to throw the middle of the field because his statistics tell him the interceptions, the hot zone is there to the middle of the field. So you want to stay away from the middle of the field. The irony, as I was saying earlier on this hoop craze, being that you end up throwing interceptions outside the hash marks to the sidelines. Doesn't, doesn't do you a whole lot with that. Momo Moon in the house. What's up, Momo Moon? Good to see you in the house. So tell it like it is, Brandon. I'm trying, Momo. I'm trying. How you doing, Monique? Good to see you. Jerry G says, hi, all. Rough night. All aboard the fire pee train. Uh, it's, it's getting, it's not full on India train, right? Where you got guys hanging out of windows and, and crowds grouped up on top of the trains. But we're running out of seats. I will say that. Roland Connor, I can imagine how Bengal fans feel now. Yeah. Definitely, uh, they went through this themselves. A little bit of Marvin Lewis there for years. Feeling kind of like they topped out. Chalamov, I want the cat. She's a good cat, man. You should want her. She's awesome. She might be the best cat in the world. Like legit. You're the best cat in the world, aren't you? Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I'm telling you. Half Daddy says, Shane has to be halfway out the door. This can't continue. I'd hope not. Cashback, what did I just watch? Didn't bother putting myself through the horror of the fourth quarter. Instead, got a head start on cleaning. Thanksgiving kitchen duties were more enjoyable than watching Hawks live. I get it, Hash. I get it 100%, man. That was a brutal, brutal game to get through, brutal game to watch, and... I can't, I can't hate anybody that turned off that game halfway in the game when this is not going, this is not going our way. And yeah, Lord Boom, CMC is definitely a beast. He's awesome. Tan Fam, get rid of Shane, our defensive coordinator. We have too much talent to be this mediocre. I do agree with you there. Jalamov, why don't we play Levi Bell? Why not, man? You're not getting a whole lot from Frank Clark or... Daryl Taylor or even Hall at this point, really. Three hour, I think uh, we are kind of in a Mike Tomlin situation. Besides the fact Jody is useless, Pete gives us winning seasons, but they go nowhere. I'd rather hire new guys and maybe it goes south, maybe it goes good. I would too. I'd rather take the risk. I, I'm, I'm not one of these people that's so like scared to death of having a bad season or two as you start to put things together. As long as you're making progress to something. And sometimes even in bad seasons, in years like this, you can be making progress even if the results don't bear out good. But right now, it doesn't feel like we're progressing to anything. It feels like more we're stuck in the mud. And that's, that's where that, yeah, that's where that, that frustration starts to really boil over, I think, a little bit in, in some of the Hawk fans. Half Daddy says, to lose four consecutive games where it's the same division opponent is hard to do in the NFL. San Francisco has this team's number. Indeed they do. Indeed we do. Johnny Utah, any team can beat any other team on any given Sunday, but after 12 weeks, you've only lost one game. That makes you pretty damn good. Oh, I definitely still think the Eagles are a really good team. Don't get me wrong. They are legit. I'm not trying to say they're not that, but you like the Niners a little bit better. Alex, the 49ers are even saying they're happy Russ is gone. They had some really good defenses, didn't they? They did. Did indeed. 
Kelamov, the pressure's bad. Why don't we try other pass rushers? Likely by Bell, Tyreek Smith. I would guess the coaching staff doesn't believe that they're going to be better answers. And if they're going to make that move, they want to have a belief that it's going to improve the position, not potentially make it worse. Sam Champion says, plus we've done a decade of it. Take a chance on Super Bowls. Take a chance on Super Bowls, man. Amen. Lord Boom, in the second half, we needed to start off with a pick six and an offensive touch. We literally got the pick six, the harder of the two. And then in the next series, Gino whiffed hard. Yeah. Agreed. The defense gave you a chance in this one with that pick six. They gave you a shot. Greg says, Brandon says, Pete says he wants to be consistently good. Yeah. Well, there, be, there comes a point when you can say stuff like that and you lean into it this hard where you start to wonder and you go, well, is it all about being consistently good or is it actually being about great at some point or another? And being consistently good is fine and well, but that's not what we're doing here. The name of the game of the sport is not to be consistently good over 10 years, to win Super Bowls. And to win Super Bowls, you've got to be great. Good teams don't win Super Bowls, not in my opinion. Adam W. suspect the final four teams left standing for the FC and the NFC Championship this year. I will go with uh, Niners and Eagles. That's an easy one. I would go with... Uh, I think you're going Ravens and Chiefs as your final two then. The Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, Eagles. Final answer. Final answer. Uh, Devon Rose with another uh, $10 donation. Devon, thank you for the double dip on the donation along with the $10 drop. Very kind of you. Seattle's defense held just as much and didn't get called. The refs let the teams play and makes good football. Gino knows needs to go. I can't believe Carroll still has faith in him. Um, well, in regards to the holding calls, and this is really a Chidarius Ward thing for me as much as anything, Devon. Um, when I go back and watch the tape through the last bit of time here, and it's over multiple games with DK matched up with Chidarius Ward, the guy's, getting, the guy's getting called down the field when he's doing grab. And when you talk about it being called consistently, here's where my issue comes into play. And I know that all of us fans are going to have our outlook on this, but you've got to play in this game where Trey Brown hugs up on, on your cornerback. They were not letting him play on that play, right? You got a defensive holding call there, uh, first down on what would have been a third down uh, in con lack of conversion, and you guys would have had to kick a field goal. So I, I'm okay with it. That's a, they want to call a holding call on that play. You want to you know, call the physicality at that point? Great. That's established. But then you're not calling it on DK when we're watching play after play, and this is garden variety holds. We don't want, to, we don't want them calling games outside of the lines of the spectrum of what's in the line, what you're supposed to call here. So you have five yards to put your hands on a receiver. Post five yards, you're not supposed to be putting your hands on receivers and certainly not dragging them back, pulling them back, holding on to them. I'll give you another play, Devon. You had a play down there with Jackson, Smith, and Jigba in the end zone. Jackson comes back to turn around for the ball to go back and make the completion. Your cornerback's grabbing onto his arm like this with two hands, pulling him back this way. Both Jackson and Geno begged for a call and didn't get it. Um, I'm okay with letting guys play, but there's also, how are we calling these, play how are we calling these games? And are we calling him even on both sides of the ball? And when it comes to the Shadarius Ward deal, I ain't saying he's a bad player, but I am saying that now I've watched four, I'm going to be watching the fourth game of all 22 after this one, but I've watched three other all 22s last year of Shadarius Ward. And it's time after time after time, he's draping himself on a receiver with his hands much more further along than the five yards that he's supposed to be allotted to be allowed for that. So somebody has, has got to explain to me, there comes a point of letting them play versus letting them play outside the, the, the rules 
that I just don't agree with. And I don't know if we were as physical on the other side. I'll look at the all 22 Devon and, and I'll try to keep an eye out for that to your point, see if it was evenly officiated. But when I see it happen in DK there, when I see it happen to JSN down by the end zone on a game changing play, like it was the lack of the call there versus you getting the benefit of the doubt on that Trey Brown play early on in the game, it doesn't quite feel as evenly down the line than officiated on that one. I'm not saying the officials gave you guys the game. I'm giving all Niner fans. I know Niner fans are oh, you, you playing on officials. No, you guys won this game. You took it to us, no doubt about that. But it is a frustration for us as Hawk fans and Niner fans. Please be on the lookout for this in a couple of weeks. If you don't agree with me on this, watch for this, okay? Watch the matchup between DK and uh, and Jadarius Ward the next time of the matchup and watch how long the physicality remains through the course of the route. It's kind of ridiculous. And many Hawk fans are noting it in the chat because they were. I was telling them to watch for it in this game and they're seeing it clear as, clear as day as well. It doesn't make sense. Those are garden variety calls that the officials are going to call every game. It's not, well, you're letting them play. No, you're letting them play without outside the, out the, outside the spectrum of the rules. Thank you, though, for your donation. I appreciate you for that. Joshua says Harbaugh will ask for too much money. I mean, maybe. It's possible. Chalamov says, uh, Colin Cowherd said the defensive coaches suck in the NFL right now. Do you agree? I think that it's a harder pathway for success to be a defensive-minded head coach. I think that it brings you into certain predilections and designs that don't always help you to win in the modern age. Uh, I think you, I think I would rather try to lean into an offensive-minded head coach to run my show than a defensive-minded head coach. It's just a tougher pathway. And, and with a defensive, again, defensive-minded coach, you're not just getting a guy now that just wants to run with sort of a defense first. It ends up, it ends up um, being a situation where a lot of these defensive-minded coaches seem to be highly risk-averse. And, and the offensive, and the NFL is really about being aggressive in the modern era. And so if you have this coach that's just trying to sort of, again, like we see with us sometimes, play not to lose, you're, you're not gonna, that's not gonna build an elite squad. Brandon says, Brandon, you're awesome. Look forward to continuing to join you in the 12s each and every post-game stream, win or lose. Much love to you in the 12s. Crap day still. Good night, go Hawks. Hey, good night and go Hawks to you too, Brandon. Appreciate you for uh, checking out the show tonight. I want to thank too, it's a good time now, a couple hours in here to uh, thank the sponsor of the show. Sponsor of the show is going to be Underdog Fantasy. They're sponsoring this show throughout the course of this year. You can click right now in the description section below, top of the description section below, click that link. And if you do so, they will match you up to $100 of your first deposit when you use my code NEST or NEST or click that link below. They'll match you up to $100 of your first deposit on me. So you get $100 in your pocket on me and you're supporting the show at the same point in time. You guys have been doing a great job in utilizing this code. I've heard some great returns here from Underdog Fantasy. So thank you to all of you for doing that because I know in, in the state of Washington, there are some limitations, but they got some great contests ongoing throughout this year. Um, some great things that you can get in on as far as potential uh, matchups and contests. And you want to do some weekly fantasy, change your team up every week. You want to go with the over-under. They got it all there. They're giving away $200,000 a year, $200,000 a year, $200,000 a week. They're giving away here on the site over throughout the rest of the course of this football season. I want to thank Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring the show here this year as they are. And uh, thank you to you guys for utilizing that code as you have done um, throughout this season. Now, Dave says giving up five sacks is brutal. And it's pretty brutal. Gary, the reality of sports is you don't win championships and are terrible. Plus, after it, you have to be consistently good and grow a roster before you win championships. No Super Bowl winner of late one is late is one, then crap. No Super Bowl winner of late is one, then crap. 
I mean, the Cal the Eagles kind of turned bad quickly after their recent Super Bowl win. When the New England Patriots kind of turned bad after their Super Bowl win. But overall, your point stands. I think you've got to grow the roster into a into an elite team, and then once you're into an elite squad, then you can go win. I don't think good rosters go out there and win Super Bowls. I think you got to have a great team to win a Super Bowl. Uh, Lord Boom says, "I'll be honest, Pete and company have ha have a bad coaching game tonight for sure. But Geno Smith is who lost this game for us. He had a horrible game, and I'm not a Geno hater. I root for him, but damn man, hard for me, Lord Boom, to come to an individual player in this game myself. I, I, I more I'm in the coaching staff of it. Geno didn't play a good game, and Geno's regressed like hell. And I, it's there's a lot of problems on this team right now as it stands. But and he's one of them. Um, I stayed to the, I stayed to kind of the top of the stack on this. I'm going to stay hammering a little bit on the coaching staff with this. I know there'll be people that want me to draw a little more to players base, but for me, it's the biggest issue of the day right now. And the issue that has to be addressed above all else, you know, we can make our call on Gino at the end of the year, if he's not worth the 32 million and cut on and move on from him. And that'll be that, especially if he's going in this direction of things. But in addition to that, above that to me, we've got to get the coaching on point here. We've got to get our schemes on point here. Sui Wong, uh, I, I, I don't think keeping Russell here would have been the right approach either. As I've come down to it and I'm starting to think, I think it's, we had to move on from both of them. And it's good that Sean Payton's getting decent play from Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson's not back to playing like vintage. And what Sean's had to do is not have Russell run his offense. What Sean's having Russ do is essentially run the Russ offense in 2016, 2017. And so this is a bit of the issue we have at play right now as we're sitting here with Gino, as we're saying, wow, we're running the same sort of rudimentary offense we've always run and it's held us back. Likewise, if you were still having Russ here running the rudimentary offense, it would still be holding you back. You, you need something a little bit more complicated. I'm glad that Russ has been able to recapture some magic there, but it's not being done on the back of doing what was kind of needed to be done at that time, which part of the re reason you had to make that move is remembering here with Russ. You got a guy who's kind of rolling a little bit like a bit of a better game manager. He's real efficient with his touchdown interception ratio this year, but you look at the yards and how he's actually quarterback. You actually watch him play. There's still a very real reality here, Sui, where the Broncos end up moving on from him inside that first week at the end of the season with what he's still going to be due to be making. So it's not necessarily been as clear that Russ has somehow come out the other end of this looking sparkling on the other end. Uh, Jacob, uh, even if we draft a new quarterback next year, Pete's overly predictable play calling needs to be changed for us to get back to the Super Bowl. Promised land, offensive line coaching needs to improve as well. Amen, man. Coaching, coaching, coaching. Lord Boom, I'm 100% for hiring Harbaugh. Outside of our rivalry with him being a 49er coach, he's an awesome coach, him and his brother. He is. And what I want is an established, really good coach. I don't want to take a risk on some young up-and-coming whippersnapper. I want a guy that's been established, who knows, who's got a, who knows conceptually what he wants to do and get done and has the plan to, to execute that. Jacob says, Jim Harbaugh and the Hawks is too good to be true. Too much of a pipe dream. Let it go, 12s. <laughs> Hey, come on, give us some dreams tonight, man. Give us something to to, to think, a little pot, a little hope. Jack K says, DK, three catches, 20 yards, paying too much money for not enough production. True. Yeah. Certainly don't have a way of seemingly getting him acclimated, and he had some drops today that were brutal. Great guy. I agree with getting rid of Shane Waldron, but if you fire him during the season, who do you get to replace him? Maybe Bill's OC that got fired, team hire promotion. I don't think that there's any, I don't think there's any intelligence to firing Waldron for the reasons you give, Greg that there's not really an answer to be had there that's going to be better um, better served um, at this moment right now. You just wait till the off season and I would expect them to do so. Have a good night, Holy Hand Grenade. Appreciate you. Emiliano Davilia 
Saw the game live, but thought it was going to be close. But I guess Geno Smith had another plan. Man, I hate losing against the Niners. Amen. Me too. Noob Noob, I fear that Pete Carroll is going to be able to at least finish his... I fear that Pete Carroll is going to be able to at least finish his contract. I really would like a new offensive coordinator from the college ranks, like what Baltimore did. We could get Bobo's dad, Mike Bobo. I'm with it. Let's bring in the Bobo. Let's Bobo out. Let's rock out with our Bobo out. Feel ya. Jacob Davis says this, and Seahawks, Brendan Nelson's Discord are providing such essential therapy for me as a 12 tonight. Badly needed venting. Feels like a relief. Thankful for this and Thanksgiving for places like this existing. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate you, man. Very kind of you to say on that. Uh, Rob Gotti, 415. Uh, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, good game, fellas. Much respect. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate that donation. Good game to you and your Niners too as well. Congrats on the win. Team's looking super dangerous and tough to deal with, and it's not going to be an easy match if we come back a couple weeks from now. We gotta, we're going to have to look at it and see if we can find some answers. Uh, Devon, thank you for another $10 donation. Devon, thank you for the triple dono drop tonight, brother. I salute you. You're a gentleman and a scholar, sir. Appreciate you very much. He says, I do love your content, but the refs do what they can. Your O-line also held like crazy, and it was never called. I love the 49ers Seahawk rivalry. Can't wait for the game. Well, thank you, man. Much love back out to you. And again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm blaming the refs on this, Devon, that somehow we would have, if not for the refs, we would have had you in this one. Um, you thoroughly beat us that took it beyond any measure of the refs on this. And I don't even want to say it's, a, I don't want to make, give it the impression like the refs were slanted against us. I, I'm not even feeling on that. I'm only, the only specific thing I'm referencing with this is Jadarius Ward's mainly, I brought up a little bit of the inequity because you were just bringing up the balancing and how they were calling in the secondary. So I was just pointing up the lack of the balancing and how it was necessarily being called in the secondary. Not that it was stuck in my craw or that it's something I look at in this game of any one of the number of 15 things I'd first go to in my mind for you know why we lost this game. It's just a little bit of a frustration for me, Devon, because I studied this tape, of course. I watched the All-22, and when you're watching the All-Shots, especially with Jadarius Ward, because a lot of times on the game tape, you'll watch them matched up, and 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, they disappear off screen, and you don't see what's happening off screen. When I go back and watch the All-22 a lot, and I've got the widened-out view, and I get to watch the whole route clear all the way up the football field, I'm watching Jadarius Ward over and over again molest DK Metcalf up the field. Not just be merely physical with him, but he's got two hands up around his shoulder like this a lot of the time. Fifth, the, and this is, not, this is not letting them play. Okay? That, a cornerback doing this to a receiver who's running his route is not letting him play. That, that's holding. And that's not, that's not like, well, they're just letting him out there, dude. That's, that goes beyond the guidelines. They're letting him get away with it and more power to Jadarius Ward for taking advantage of it. I wouldn't tell him to stop if they're going to let you run it. But it does get frustrating when you're flipping on the All-22 and you're watching snap after snap that occur, and not over just one game, but you're watching it now through. I, gotta, I can't say for sure tonight, Devon. I, it happened a couple times in the tape I could see, but I don't have the All-22 from tonight's game to necessarily say and confirm that was what was happening in this game. But it has occurred last year in those three matchups over and over again. And I, I don't know why DK can't get like one call on that. It, I mean, just, just give him one call at least, maybe. Um, but... I, I much love to you too. The rivalry is, is I think, as great as we get in football. I wish we could provide a much tougher matchup, at least for you guys. Um, you guys, you know, lapped us last year, all three of those games, and lapped us again in this one. But uh, maybe we can reignite it by next year and get back around to it. But, you know, the Niners organization is well run. 
well-earned this place that they've gotten into. It's a testament to how strongly run that you guys are, that you're this deep into the Super Bowl window and uh, not yet even showing any signs of slowing down yet. Uh, I think that's that's awesome on your guys' part to be able to pull that off. So thank you, Devon. Appreciate the $10, all the dono drops on your part with it. And definitely, definitely, I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to say that the officials were any part of the the controlling part of this game at all. Not at all. John says, Harbaugh has been in four games in Michigan, so maybe a one out. That's what I'm wondering a little bit with John is if he might start to look to the NFL because college, he already got suspended earlier this year, suspended again. Maybe there's a little bit of a taste in his mouth here where he gets a little bit kind of over it a little bit, especially with the NIL starting to kick in at the college game. Emiliano says, we have to win three in a row, man, to have a good chance at the end of the first seed or to be close to contending, but this sucks. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do if we're going to come back into it, that's for sure. Jared G says, uh, they showed the highlight with Ward committing DPI at half and said it was a shutdown corner play. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know foot, you know, that's the thing, I, exactly, Jared G, exactly. It's like, you know, I, I, I like the letting them play thing. I love that, that context. I do, Devon. I really, I, I'd more often not like them to play into that role of, of letting them play. But here's the thing. I also am on the most penalized team in the NFL by a wide margin. I'm on the most penalized team in the NFL. And we're over the top of teams that even haven't had their bye yet week yet. We're getting that penalized. So we're either, you know, the most undisciplined team in football to some of the greatest degree of you've ever seen in the last 10 years in the sport, or maybe potentially, you know, Calls can sometimes get a little frustrating. You know what I mean? But again, you guys want it. You won. I don't want to say it. Jacob's got the uh, Ravens as a dark horse. OBJ and fantasy. That's a that's a rough road to go with him and fantasy, man. Greg says, Brandon, and what's funny is Ward did it all last season except for when Ward didn't hold DK in the playoffs last year and immediately got cooked all game. <laughs> that's right. DK did go off in that game a bit, didn't he? Yeah, I I saw it. And it's it's clear as a bell. And I can't blame more. Get away with it. Do it. You know, I can't get away. I think Sauce Gardner is the guy that gets away with it more egregiously than anybody else. And if they're going to let you get away with it, officials deem that you're, that they'll, they'll allow it, then so be it. But it doesn't change what it is at that point either on the other side of it. It is what it is. Sam H says, when you have a great route runner who could win on in-breaking routes like Lockett, it's crazy not to throw in the middle. It is. It is. And Jason, I think Cowboys look good too. Adam says, any truth to the rumor that Gina will be traded next year to make more salary cap room plus in needed positions and that Kaepernick will be brought in at the quarterback? <laughs> it's just a rumor at this point. Sam H says, all cats are one cat. They are all one cat. Mine's a little unique. I got a little bit of personality to them. Especially the tabbies, man. They're wild. They're buck wild. Half Daddy, why does Shane Waldron continue to go with more? Th why does Shane Waldron continue to not go with more three tight end sets? Kobe Parkinson's a big MFR, huge red zone target. I don't know. We've dialed away from it. It's another one of those why why. I don't know why it doesn't happen. I it, we we do it well when we utilize it. We don't tend to utilize it very much. Not nowhere near the the rate that we used last year when we had it um, all out in the field all the time. Uh, one second. I'll be right back, folks. All right. 
Johnny Utah says, at this point, all I want for the season is to beat the Niners in two weeks. I still think we can win our way into the playoffs, but with this offense, it will be ugly like last year's playoff loss. Yeah, uh, not a ton of confidence as it stands right now. Um, but uh, yeah, that's absolutely what we could still get done, Johnny. Everything's still within reach this year, as dark as it does look at the moment. Half Daddy Eskridge had that incredible kick return, and we couldn't go 30 yards for the touchdown. Crazy. Yeah, it was kind of a bad omen at that point. Like, oh, here we go. Spark of life. Jacob Davis, I don't want Shane Waldron to be a scapegoat for Pete's refusal to change his antiqui antiquidated style. That's a hot lot for me to say this deep in the stream, man. Voice just can't pull off the four syllables. If Shane goes, but Pete stays, I'm going to be super disappointed. I will too, Jacob. I think scapegoat's the right word to use. I think we've used a lot of scapegoats here in recent years, from Bevels to Schottenheimers to Ken Nortons to Chris Richards. It's always somebody else's fault at the coordinating job and never Pete's. And I think that we are arriving quickly at the point where it's got to be laid a little bit more at the feet of Pete here. The blame and the need for change and the need for this to get fixed really appropriately rather than just, you know, flipping out different coordinators and sort of hoping that that'll sort of fool the fans. Jack Case is, how do I at, how do I at you? Jack, you can uh, at Seahawksnester or you can heyhawksnest at Gmail. Either one of those two is a way uh, you can reach out to me, Jack. So uh, on Twitter, at Seahawksnester. And then um, and you look at the description section, you can find the email down in the description as well, I believe. So um, either one, hey, Hawksnester at Twitter. Reach out to me there, man. And you can find the Twitter one for sure in the description section on the video here. Johnny Utah, I don't want Pete fired. I would like him to realize that it's time for him to give up the reins. I would love to see that too, Johnny. I just don't know if that realization is built in there or he's capable of having that realization. JW, it was nice to see Eskridge contribute. Hopefully we can start to work in some more of those fly sweeps that he ran for the one carry for 11 yards in the game. I would love to see that again. Cashback, no, we need more tight ends involved plays. Every time a tight end gets end play gets called, the ball seems to always find them. DK is not the huge receiver on the team. More tight ends, I'm with it. I'm with it. Man, how many donos here in the chat? Uh, Jerry G, uh, defense scored more than the offense. Kicker has scored more than the offense for the last two weeks. The offense is dead. Amen. Johnny Utah Waldron was great last year and was one of the top head coaching prospects up until our bye. What happened? <clears throat> the offense and the defense have dolled back into old realms. And so there's a lot of questions, guys. And I, I think that there's sometimes a place where we can get really complicated with this. And we get a little bit lost in the forest despite the trees. And I'm kind of getting a little bit of that in the, in the chat here a little bit with the, in, in, the, in the struggle and the why, and the why this. When you start getting it, when, when I start doing the analyzation of teams in this and you start getting too deep in the reasoning process on stuff and you're, you're trying to kind of get through all this little stuff, you, you'll really lose track of the side of things. Offensively and defensively, we are running things the way we ran in 2017 Basically, you can find some fine, tiny, tiny little manipulations. We can get into the semantics of it. We can get into somebody telling me that our nose tackles now shaded over to the, to the weak side of the formation. And that so tremendously changes up the whole context of what we were doing defensively prior. But to simplify this, to draw this down to a place that I think is easy to understand for everybody across the board, no matter your level of understanding of of football, no matter whether you understand X's and L's and terminology and, and bare fronts and double A gap pressure, or whether you just watch the game and enjoy it at that rudimentary level of, I just like watching the guys run around and hit each other. Doesn't matter at which. 
You are running your offense and defense the same way you ran it back in 17. That was a late 1980s offense. That's a late 1980s defense. I don't care the level of talent that you have on the offensive side of the ball. I don't care what Geno Smith is doing at the quarterback position. I don't care if they can't seem to tackle or they're undisciplined from a penalty standpoint. When you are running an offense and defense that are are built out of the late 1980s, and you're that predictable and that easy to prepare for, not just week in and week out, but play in and play out. What I see pre-snap is what you're going to show me post-snap because there's no complexity to you. Why? Because you're running a simplified version on both sides of the ball. That's what's going on. Why they changed this year, Johnny, to, to, from what Waldron showed you through 12 games last year, I don't know. But the bottom line is that that's what it's been moved to. And what my thinking on this is, is that rather than Waldron forgetting how to OC all of a sudden from what he had showed, rather than Waldron forgetting the playbook by which he was established with the Los Angeles Rams that got him this promotion with Seattle, rather than that being the case, I think what's happening here, Johnny, is that you have a head coach who's a guy who likes to put all of his fingers into every single pie in the team. We hear about this about Coach Carroll. Oh, he's 100 miles an hour. He's got all this energy. I'll be an offensive guy, I'll be in the defense, I'll be in the special teams, I'll be over here, I'll be over here, I'll be here, 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 here. And you feel his impact and effect everywhere. And his impact and effect is to lean into conservatism, is to lean into safety, is to provide it to, to try to prevent the bad thing from happening rather than going out there and taking it. And offensively and defensively, we just kind of operate on our heels at times. There's no ingenuity in there. I that's where I go to on this, Johnny. And maybe I'm wrong in my outlook of it, but that is where my outlook on this is at this point. I, I can't go to Waldron. I can't go to Hurt. It doesn't explain why your offense looks like it did in 2017 and 18 and 19. You're hammering A and B gap runs. You're using no pre and pro, pre or post snap motion. You you run one fly sweep, and I think you've maybe run four of them on the entire effing year. You have no ability to hit the middle of the field. All of these things, all of these things were exact items that you took with the offense under Russell Wilson that used to drive us crazy, that used to serve to have the offense be terribly inconsistent. So it's, this is where we go head coach. We can't come to the coordinators. And if we're going to come to coordinators, you're going to have to come up with a plausible explanation for me why Waldron suddenly forgot what it was that helped to get him the job in the first place here with the Rams. Why would, why would he toss out McVay's playbook? Why would he take McVay's playbook and rip out three-fourths of the pages and he's left with these last few here and like I'll just run off of this? Why would he do that? Would that not be guided by some other alternate, you know, other factor above him forcing him, if anything, to do so? Maybe I'm wrong. Laura Boom says she's a good cat. You should want her. Brandon, my favorite thing about your show is your comments you make. You're a commentary genius, bro. I'm proud to be a member here. Thank you, Lord Boom. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Ryan Bullis, Leonard Williams, what a trade. What a trade. Go for it. Go for it. Johnny says it's true, but they beat up bad teams. We either lose to bad teams or need to come back when that's right. Uh, Evie Dog, go Hawks. I watched Germany eat turkey on the San Francisco logo nine years ago. A little closure, I guess. I know that got stuck in your Niner fans' corral now, and I get it. And you got us back tonight, that's for sure. Cash says, Pete's gum chewing wasn't as common today, only because he was mostly in shock every time they showed him. I mean, he's got that great look on his face, and they, something bad's a... <laughs> you start looking off of that long-ass, dazed, confused look to him. Uh, De Devon with another fiver. Devon, you are awesome. Appreciate you, brother. 
Thank you so much. Says, I didn't see that with Ward, but I'll go back and look. As much as I hate the Hawks, I definitely respect them. You have to get rid of Gino. Well, I, I don't know if Gino's going to last here super long with the level of play we've been getting, especially recently, because it, it's, it's trending in the wrong direction. And while I think the coaching staff has their share of blame here, Gino's got to have start having a huge share of blame here too as well. Um, he's not seeing things clearly. He's looking in over his head. I, and I don't have a lot of good reason as to why, Devon, uh, for this regression. I really don't. Um, and yes, please do. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Please, especially if you can, take a look at that All-22 tape where you're getting the far-off shot and you get to see the whole route being run. So the key here is that it's far and away beyond that five-yard period where you can chuck a guy. It's, it's where you're getting into 10, 15 yards down the field and there's still contact being driven. And he's sort of riding DK like a Harley. And uh, there'd be just times I'd like to, to be a little less of that. I don't mind physicality, but I just don't like the egregious physicality when they're really getting up there with the hands, especially the two-handed thing, which what I've seen with Chidarius Ward, a lot of two hands up around, he would end up up here, or he ends up with the hook right around the waist on DK. So look for those two things on the tape when you're watching. I think you'll see a, a decent amount of it. Again, not to say he's not a good player, and he gets away with it, so I, I don't knock him for doing it, but you got to understand it is frustrating to watch your guy getting mauled out there like by a bear and them just going, well, let him play physically, you know. I appreciate, though, Devin, for that donation. And uh, well said on the Geno part. I, I've been a Geno benefactor, but, you know, he's, he's having these moments, and Waldron's not helping him with the play calling. And it does get hard when the play calling is this bad, too. It does. But he's not doing the team any favors either by helping to elevate anything out there. Um, and if anything, probably making things worse at this point. Seth Canis, thank you for subscribing to the channel, Seth. Appreciate you doing that. Please do, folks. If you're not already subbed up, do please do get subbed up. We're trying to get up to 15,000 subscribers here, about 600 away here before the end of the year. I think we'll get there. But you can help us get there a little bit quicker, faster, sooner by subbing up today. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Garth, good to see you in the house, brother. Hope you're doing well. Brando, Jim Harbaugh to Seattle would be incredible, but I kind of think pipe dream like the fellow said before, considering ownership at this point. Any chance? You can, you can recommend a two-leg parlay for the Miami-New York Jets. Let's take a look. First, let me see how I did on my results for my pick here. Holy hell, I totally screwed the pooch. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Uh, my pickings ain't been doing good this year, man. Like my team, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm hanging in there, Garth. Uh, two leg parlay. What is going on here? Isn't it coming up? View all picks. There we go. Uh, New York Jets, I'd go with 1.5-yard passing touchdowns for Tua Tagaloa. I'd probably go... Yeah, I'd probably go the, the 1.5 touchdowns more than that. And then I'd probably go 0.5 touchdowns for rushing receiving for Tyree Kill. So if Tyree Kill gets one touchdown rushing and receiving, 
And then Tua Tagaloa gets 1.5 passing touchdowns. Those would be the two I'd go for, Garth. I might, I might consider, too, the Brees Hall at more than 49 and a half rushing yards or more than 14 rushing attempts. Either of those two on Brees Hall is not too bad either for the next, the next move on that, Garth. Take two of those three. I'd feel pretty good about it. But thank you, man. Appreciate your $10 donation. And uh, it might be a pipe dream with Harbaugh, like you say. I, it's certainly going to be a hard fit here because... The timing is going to have to be just right with, with um, you know, Carroll willing to go and him being willing to leave for Michigan if he's even willing to leave for Michigan. So uh, it, is, it is probably very much a pipe dream, but it's the kind of coach that I would look to try to entice in here. And I don't know if there's another guy in that kind of realm that would be, you know, checking those boxes uh, to get to that spot. I don't. But uh, that would be just kind of the line that I'd like to look for is just get an established guy rather than necessarily just a... Um, I love the the young coaches and looking for the next hot guy with that, but it just seems like we've had a more of a, a history of success here in Seattle by going more to the tried and true, you know? And um, Chuck Knox, Holmgren, Coach Carroll, tried and true coaches you were bringing in had a, had a good level of success prior to them coming in who would have a, who had a very certain plan in place and knew what they wanted to do and how they were going to accomplish it when they came in. Devon Rose, thank you for becoming a member of the channel. Devon, appreciate you for doing that. Welcome aboard the Hawks Nest, and thank you so much for all your uh, support and donations in the chat, and uh, also becoming a member. Welcome aboard, and thank you so very much for uh, doing that. You're awesome. Awesome. Very kind of you. John Stillwell with another $25 donation. John, thank you for all your donos today, brother. Amazing. Amazing support. I am. Uh, I, I get as much love here as anybody else out there on YouTube. I'll tell you what. It's, it is uh, unbelievable. I'm in awe of it at times. Just you guys are amazing. Uh, John with a 25er says, look at the bright side. We are all still breathing and ready to go next time. That's true, man. Every day is a gift, John. You got to remember that. And uh, yeah, these are tough losses like this. And there's some tough, some difficulty to turn over. But we're going to turn our eyes back over to the Cowboys here the next, next week. There's still a lot of this scheduled to go. Um, even if this team, to your point, John, to look for maybe the bright side of the potential bright side, as dark as things look right now, and as many are calling right now for some change, which I understand completely, um, but that you still do have a lot of this season left. And the, the schedule is tremendously daunting and it's not looking encouraging, but yet if the team can get hot, if the can, team can make and acknowledge these adjustments that need to be made, and it's not a matter of reinventing your offense or reinventing your defense, it's just adjusting to the things that you do well and then leaning into those things. Hey, we blitz well. Let's lean into that. Hey, we might have the man, man corners on the outside that can hold up in that way. Let's lean into that. Hey, we operate really well with two and three tight end sets. Let's lean into that. Hey, let's try to take advantage more of the middle of the field. Uh, let, let's try to work in Eskridge on more of the fly sweep game. You know, uh, Work to these principles that we've been re reticent to, to try to embrace. So, the, so there are solutions here, John. There are solutions they can, I think, apply and that would work. But uh, that will be really what I'm watching for as we go through the rest of the schedule, hoping that they can turn around, hoping maybe they can fire, find some, some weird magic here at the end. And um, I'd love to see it. I would. But that will be the part I'm kind of looking for, especially, John, when it comes to you know trying to make that evaluation and where this team's at as we go into the offseason and, and uh, how much faith we can hope 
from the team as we go into the future if they don't make those changes or if they do make those changes. They do make some of those adjustments. Um, you never know what is going to be the, the impetus to bring about true, true and utter change. And it's, it's that old thing like alcoholics talk about where you got to truly hit the bottom. You know, you can't partially hit the bottom. You can't kind of get near the bottom. You got to hit that hard bottom before you then realize I got to climb my way up out of this thing. And maybe tonight, John, again, looking for that bright side, like you mentioned, maybe tonight is that point where you hit that bottom side and you go, okay, we've, we've messed about too much with this. We've taken too many half measure approaches to this fix. We got to go full measure. We can't cut the pill in half. Can't split it up and do just that. We got to go full pill. And uh, I think that they've got the potential to do it. I know Waldron knows how to call the kind of game to make it happen. I know you have the defensive personnel to get more aggressive. But will the, will the coaching staff make those uh, adjustments, John? Will they, will they recognize that? That'll be the interesting, truly interesting part of this team going forward with it. Because it seems like it's kind of smacking them in the face right now in, in its requirement for change and the necessity for some of this change. But uh, will they do it? You know, that's the key. Thank you, John, for all your donations tonight. Uh, biggest supporter on this channel by far, by far for all you do to the channel, man. Salute you, sir. Appreciate you. And tell, uh, tell Cheryl, I said hi. Tell wife, I said hey. Uh, King Xavier, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, Rhode Islander, watch the game in my Bobby jersey with my girls' family whole time. They're saying, how can this Yawks let this happen? Go Hawks forever. Well, you, you answered the call, King Xavier, too. We were all trying to whip out our, uh, our luck jerseys tonight. In your case, Bobby Wagner's jersey. We were hoping the power of our luck jerseys could create some sort of synergistic ambiance to the game that could maybe be just enough to give our team a little bit of rocker, rocket booster push with the ethereal, with the astral. Didn't work. Unfortunately, we fell just a little bit short on that. Uh, not able to help deliver for our team on that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a frustrating game when it's not only that we lose, but you know, we lose on both sides of the ball. We lose the line of scrimmage. We lose in how we, each team's coached. I mean, it was a thorough drubbing. It really was. And uh, one that definitely would have people looking around going, what are they doing? Why are they doing? What, can't they do anything about this? Like, no, they, this is all we got. <laughs> this is all we got. But go Hawks forever indeed, King Xavier. No doubt about that. You might knock us down and get us onto a knee here for a given game or two or for the season where we're at, but we will find our footing again. We will rise back up like Lazarus, like the Phoenix. We may be in ashes now, but we're just, we're reconfiguring our form. You know, like that when they do the movies where you get the, the characters get broken and they're like, the arms broken, legs broken, but they can like self-fix themselves, you know, like Wolverine or like, That's all we need to do. But right now we're in a car crash state at this point. Our knees twisted backwards. Our foot's not pointed in the right direction. We're probably missing a finger. And we just, we're going to have to find a way to, to try to put this back together again, Humpty Dumpty. And hopefully we, uh, hopefully we can, but sorry, King Xavier. It was a, it was a rough road for our Hawks tonight. Hawk faithful tonight, but we are, and we do remain the faithful. Love this team. Want to see this thing turned around and uh, we'll see if the team can find some answers here over the course of this next week. We get Abe Lucas back, so we do get some um, reinforcements, at least a little bit, brought back into the fray here, and that's direly needed, but uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Don Don, since my Dallas Cowboys are hosting my Seattle Seahawks next week, I will remain neutral. That's fair enough, Don. Fair enough. Uh, 
Uh, EV Dogs, San Francisco got some calls for sure. Hawks D has been handsy for years, though. Definitely, uh, definitely during the Sherman years for sure in there. The Legion of Boom years, we were a very handsy defense. We dialed a little bit back of our press looks and as much of the handsiness in recent years. We've been more of an off-coverage kind of team, but here your point stands. Uh, submit, I blame Pete. He wasn't chewing fast enough. Slowed the momentum drastically. <laughs> the, the speed by which Pete chews his gum is intricately linked to the success we have on offense and defense. I love it. Uh, Jack K, oh, just uh, doesn't seem to highlight like when you do it. Jack K, oh, okay. Just doesn't seem to highlight like when you do it. Oh, okay. Weird. As long as you found it there, Jack. Feel free to reach out to me on that. Johnny Utah, bad calls change momentum, but we had no momentum because the play call along was so bad. Now, that's right. We can't have, it's not even in the vicinity of approaching anything close to the officials on this one. Um, you just, you didn't do anything on either side of the ball. And there's nothing notable to speak to or any, there's nothing, nothing there, right? Just, just nothing. You couldn't, couldn't get anything going. Uh, Rob Gotti, thank you for the $2 donation. He says, good game, fellas. Much respect. Hey, much respect to you too, Rob. You well earned victory on your guys' part. You got a hell of a team. You're going to make some noise this year, no doubt about it. Jack Case's brand, uh, yeah, oh, Brandon, uh, Adiel Williams says nine and eight is our best case scenario. Could very well end up with a losing record, though. Ugh, it's possible. Definitely, definitely in play at this point. Jason wants lock in. Get him in. Hamza. Says, uh, this roster is too talented to be this bad. I think we have to clean house when it comes to the coaching staff and toss the scheme out the window. Too outdated. It ain't the 90s ball no more. Amen, Hamza. Amen. I, uh, I, I, that's where I would start with this if this is going to hold the type through the rest of this season. That's where I would, would like to see. I'm going to have a hard time. If this the holds true, if this season plays out the way it's played out so far, it's going to be very hard to end out at this point having a lot of confidence in this coaching staff. John X is awful head coach, OC, and quarterback. The defense gets so exhausted because of those clowns. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cashback, when I listen to Pete, he understands what the games demand. Sounds great, but on the field, he looks so puzzled. We've changed OC, DC, quarterback. No matter who we get, Pete must step back from micromanaging. I agree. Mark Johnson, the Niners just have that team this year. Good luck week next week against the Eagles. Good luck to the Niners. All right. It'll be a tough matchup. It'll be a fun matchup to watch, no doubt. Ivy, laugh my ass off. You guys actually thought you had a good chance. Geno's trash, coach, trash as well. Niners gang. You have every right to feel good about yourself, man. Every right. Noob Noob, from your opinion on this current roster, do you have an OC you like if you could have anyone? <sighs> Boy, if I could have anyone. Um, I don't even know if OC is really the problem here because I think that some of this is noob noob being that you're, you have a head coach dictating some of how the offensive coordinator runs his show. And that's the inherent problem here is your OC shouldn't have your head coach dictating to him how he's calling a game. Um, certainly the Johnson guy with Detroit's a hell of a coordinator down there. 
Deichen. It's a good, good offensive coordinator. I'm trying to think of who else would be something that stands out to me. No, I don't have. I haven't thought a lot about it, so I don't have a lot of names necessarily. So he says Seattle needs to get Bo Nix or Penix. Maybe two guys that they take a close look at. Adam says if uh, you can't consistently run the ball, no team will make it deep in the playoffs because your run will open up your passing game. It's all the foundation to build your team is on is a good O-line. I agree. And and a great D-line. Yeah, I still believe football's won and lost in the trenches, to your point. Jeffrey O'Kelly, should we tank as much as we can for a high pick and trade up and draft May? I don't think there's going to be a team that is picking at that quarterback position that's going to be willing to trade with you to give that quarterback up. So, uh, no, I wouldn't tank. And I don't think that you're going to be in line for May or for Caleb Williams. Maybe Penix, but even that one might be a long shot. Greg Kemp says DK leads the team in yards uh, and in first downs despite missing a game, missing time in other games because of injury. And that's with Tyler and JSN coming in the game tied and third, third down target. Uh-huh. Maybe I was missing some other stuff going down there. Adam, uh, Ward's been caught getting burnt on plays and goes to holding, and although he didn't get called on it tonight, he's been called on it in the last five games. I would target him to get those calls. That makes sense. Yeah. That's interesting to hear that he's getting kind of popped for it a little bit more. I wasn't aware of that. Central Valley Kings on the question. To you Hawk fans, do you think about Purdy and do you think Hawk fans think we can win a Super Bowl with him? Um, I'm definitely not the biggest benefactor of Purdy. I'm not a hater of him. I think that what you have is a well-oiled machine offensively right now. And it is the sum total of its parts along with Shanahan as the play caller there. I don't, I'm not a believer that you need to have a cape flapping in the wind quarterback in order to go win a Super Bowl Central Valley Kings. I think that this becomes a little bit of a thought process of a mandate because you've had Mahomes and Brady win in recent years, you know, serving in that kind of capacity. I don't think it's a requirement. I think that the important part for the Niners to have your real chance this year to go and win the Super Bowl is health. Health of those top-end guys. You can't lose a Debo and a Trent Williams. You know, that, that's not going to work. You're not going to be able to overcome that with the rest of the talent across the board. But if you can stay healthy, he can be a distributor back there and he is well-suited to Shanahan's offense and he can make it work. So I, I, I think that it's, the limitations of Brock Purdy's game, defenses can't quite necessarily force them him into because of the balance of the Niners' offense and the fact that they, if they catch you leaning one way, they can hit you the other way. And so that makes it tremendously tough to force Brock into the box, for instance, of make him throw deep, make him constantly test his arm strength out and his accuracy deep. Kevin O'Connell, do you, th- you think players are going to be going Waldron and Pete with these issues? you think players be going to... I would hope they would, especially in the case of a guy like Bobby Wagner, Kevin. But uh, I don't know how that all, I'm not really sure how that all kind of fits up a bit. What's up, Purdy's assault? This is a guy, but afraid the run gets shut down with better secondary makes mistakes. Defense is all enough to only make a point. Yeah. Lord Boom, I wish our series with the Niners was back-to-back games. That would spare us from horrific gloating we're going to have to endure from the 49er fans between now and next game. It's psychotic. <laughs> yeah, the late I think Purdy's good, but still suspect of him in the playoffs. Your D is Super Bowl caliber. Yeah. 
Eric Barrera, hey, would you like having the Alliance OC as the next head coach? I would maybe be open to it. I'm, I'm more Eric, as, as, as it's kind of been asked about me on this a couple of times, I'm more about the established coach. Your Seattle Seahawks have had tremendous, tremendous success in its history three times over with going to established coaches as your hire. I, I don't want to go with a new coach almost kind of for that reason. We've had so much success with this way and this path. I'd rather lean into this if possible. Alex Haas says, Pete Carroll is the common denominator after all these years. How are people just, how are people just saying fire Pete laughing out loud? Uh, I don't know what you mean by common denominator after all these years, Alex. I'm not sure what you're meaning by that, man. Um, Carroll's gotten stuck in his ways offensively and defensively. He's hired out different coordinators while there's not really been any changes to those sides of the ball. Um, people are worried that he's not going to change into the future. And people are worried that holding on to this old, these old designs, these old philosophies, which haven't worked for quite a bit of time, are not going to work into the future. Fumi, I just don't get why Waldron and Gino didn't utilize other receivers and tight ends when they saw DK being shut down. Like, just let DK keep Ward busy and have Gino throw to other receivers. Offensive attack doesn't make a lot of sense right now, Fumi. That's for sure. Adam W. says, Purdy has a little brother playing for Nebraska Cornhuskers, currently as a quarterback, and he looks to be a decent quarterback. I'm sure teams won't overlook him in the draft like they did his brother. Good point. Probably not. Mr. Valley, if we're going to win a Super Bowl, Purdy is going to have to make some great plays. I don't know, man. I, I Maybe. I, I think he's got to fit, just play within the context of the offense and utilize his playmakers and be the, be the distributor he is. You know, I mean, if he can process like he's processing really quickly on the field, get through the reads really fast like he is, he'll find the open man even if it's not prescribed to where he needs to go and that you really cannot make him forced into him's limitations at that point. Um, I think he can get it done even the playoffs. Nice is some positives from this game. A few more screen passes, one fly sweep. Gino picked up some yards on scrambles. The bad, as soon as we showed them we were playing zone pre-snap, Purdy smiled. Yeah, he, he licked his chops. Casey James, how do you get your tight ends involved when you're constantly three and out? It would be nice to see what Kenny McIntosh could do, but how long are we actually on out on the field? This whole thing sucks. <laughs> Amen, man. Preach. Preach, brother. Visible 48, yeah, this off zone over the last few years is literally driving me insane. Fine, when you have tons of elite talent like the Legion of Boom, but otherwise, it's so predictable. I would offer Visible both offensively and defensively right now. We are very predictable and we are very easy to prepare for because of the nature of that predictability. You, you don't do a lot of pre or post snap motion. You don't have a lot of complexity to what you're doing and it makes you easy to play on both sides of the ball. Thus, you're leaving an advantage on the table every single week. DJ says, I'd like Gino for his price, but my biggest criticism is his balls are slow in the air. I think it reduces what plays we can run too. Hmm. Maybe a little bit of loss of arm strength this year with him. Kind of considered it, but it's definitely possible there. Visible Purdy's a good quarterback. Not great. Quarterbacks do great. Said, Hats off to Shannon. Shannon's a hell of a coach, man. Noob Noob says, never mind my question above. I hope I got your question, Noob Noob. I don't hope I didn't overlook it. Uh, Drew B., I remember seven to eight years ago when on T-Day, the Hawks beat the Niners so badly that their general manager apologized to the fans. My, 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 how things have changed in horrific ways. 
Amen. I mean, so you're saying we should have gotten rid of Pete instead of Russ? It wasn't Russ after all? I'm not saying that. No. I think it was probably at this point, the, I, the, the answer is probably what I pontificated about at the time, where I said at the time, you know, we're all here trying to turn over whether this is a Russ or Pete thing. The answer very well may be both when it all boils down to the bottom line. Addis says, we have a bright future, obviously, but this season, man, I don't know what to say. I don't either. I don't either. Say that. Greg, DK just passed Tyler and targets by one, but people love to say he gets forced the ball, and it's funny people aren't trying to come at DK after the game when Tyler JSN didn't even show up until after halftime. Yeah, DK's got his share of folks out there, Greg, that definitely throw the, are, are looking to throw, throw the shade at him. And, um, you know, I'm not one of those guys myself. I, I love DK on this team, and, and, and it's, I think that there's sometimes... And there's so many issues across the board. There's, uh, you can get caught up in, the, in small little issues over here or small little issues over there that aren't the major problems at hand. And I think we talked about concentrating on some of these ulterior items on this team that are, are issues, and, and, and DK is not an issue by any stretch of the imagination, but something that does get talked about way more than it should versus some of the other items that we should be turning over and discussing, to your point. Ron Chandler, what's wrong with the offense? One touchdown in eight quarters. You're very predictable. You don't utilize the middle of the field. You don't utilize consistently the outside portion of the ground game. You try to hammer the A and B gap runs. You have too many of your running it, rushing attack coming out of shotgun. Um, all of that. Uh, lack of use of play action. Lack of the two and the three tight end sets to try to make the three wide receiver sets work, which they have not. All of that. Sui Wong, 49ers defense was there before Kyle got there. How many championship games? Kyle won zero. Niners defense carry him. Facts. I, I mean, it's, it's a complicated one, that one, a little bit for me. Um, Addis, is Waldron moving off some things that we're actually supposed to be good at? Yeah, Addis. You ran one fly sweep in this game for 11 yards. You never go went back to it. Why does our offense do that type of stuff? You threw one seam route to Will Disley for like 18 yards. You never went back to it. By all means, you know, it's, explain that one to me. Why is it that way? Why is that, why is that their approach? We do this thing great, and then we run away from it. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. It seems like it'll at least take two more knockout drafts by JSN till the roster is talented enough to overcome this coaching. I think that that's an accurate way of putting it at this point. You're, you're going to have to stack this roster, not just to be Super Bowl ready, but to be Super Bowl ready plus some to overcome how bad the coaching is across the board on this team. And I don't think that we're going to have enough draft pick arsenal to pull that off, Garth. I think that that's, you need to have at this point the coaching to kick in here for us to get there. But well said on your part. That's, that's probably accurate by how this team's set up and structured right now as it stands. Adam, I believe Dak Prescott will be released this next year due to cost, especially if he doesn't make a deep playoff run and will be available next year to teams for the tanking, for the taking. I don't know if I'd want Dak Prescott myself, especially for what he's going to cost, Adam, which will be a pretty penny. I mean, he's going to be coming off. They may move off from this year, but he's essentially coming off almost a career year this year. Lord Boom, uh, like a Harley, Vroom Vroom. <laughs> Ward is that kid in elementary that could never keep his hands to himself. He's always touching stuff, always mugging up. <laughs> uh, Fumi says, two awesome things happened in this game. JSN's one-handed catch of Geno's overthrown ball and Brooks's pick six. Yeah, that JSN catch was sweet. 
What a grab. What a grab. Uh, three lost was on Kyle Not Purdy. He called dumb plays like after halftime. Why? Kyle don't run CMC. Called two bad plays. One was pick six. Um, Ron Chandler says, Carol would be some big shoes to fill. Hope we can find that. Me too. John Stillwell, the team is not as good as the sum of its parts, and that's disturbing. That is disturbing, John. And why I do where I do hammer a bit of the coaching on it is underperforming players across the board, uh, underperforming units across the board come down to coaching. And approaches like the staff deciding, for instance, to spend nearly $50 million in the safety position which have not brought out the returns. I mean, just looking past the, the amount that you gave to Jamal Adams and draft capital, well, is, that, is that just the players underperforming? Is that that we, we hitched our wagons the wrong horses there in the set, in the set for the safety position? Or is it, was it wrong to put that money into the safety verse going up front? Was that Coach Carroll that drove for that to be the case? I don't know. But I think the way you put it is where I'm at with John, where it's, yeah, some of these parts should not be this underperforming. And this, it, I could go with it being players if it was more of a player, player there, player here, player. But it's everything across the board is, is on a downward trend. And that to me then goes to the coaching part of it. Pretty succinctly at that point. Such a Valley Kings 49ers can carry us and is expected to be better than the offense for a reason. We spend most money in draft picks on the defense because the team is built that way. Amen. Gordon Stark, good game, Hawks. These teams always play each other tough. I'm expecting the Seahawks to come out swinging in Santa Clara. See you in three weeks. See you in three weeks, man. Best of luck to you out there with the Eagles next week, too. Big country. Um, um, Alexander, Niner fan here. You guys have several promising young players, but Gino is not the guy. Floor is too low. The sooner Seattle moves off of him, the sooner you'll be contenders again. See you all in two weeks. I think uh, certainly Gino doesn't look like the answer along with a couple of other things for us. But uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks, man. See how it goes. Congrats on the win. Well-played game. Robert says, it seems like the better quarterbacks in the league have some mobility. Seahawks don't. Yeah, Gino is looking very, very, very mobile at this point. I don't know if it's the lower leg injuries, but he's not able to move around or get away from pressure at all. If there is any pressure even blowing on him, he's going to get taken down to the ground. And I, I do believe Robert, in this modern era, when you're looking at drafting quarterbacks, mobility becomes a prerequisite now. Adam says, Niners are a way more dangerous team when they get Kittle going from what I've seen. And when he gets going, they don't lose. He's an underrated threat. Yes. He yeah, he's part of that balancing point where you just, you can't lean to any direction on the offense because they can go and hit you in the other place that you leave open. Every defense is going to leave a hole somewhere on the football field. Cover two defenses, we'll leave it underneath. Cover three defenses, we'll leave it up the seams. And so you just need to, whatever they try to do defensively, do you have something that you can counter to on their weakness? And and uh, I would say Kittle's part of that. Ayuk's part of that. Samuel's part of that. It all works together to where you can kind of attack any point on the field you want to attack, short, long, wide, and be effective with it. He says, apparently George Kittle did some trashy thing that pissed off Hawk fans at the stadium because Hawk fans who were there were calling Kittle an a-hole. He was tearing off chunks of the turkey, throwing it, I think, into the stands. Right, I, that's what I looked like I saw on the tape. 
Don Don Hawks West. Uh, well, I must go now. Thank you, Brandon. All have a good night, man. Go Hawks. John says, I, I never live in a car crash state. Just the present and the San Francisco game is over. So let's move on. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Just the present. Oh, boy, we got a lot of folks in the chat tonight. And that's right, man. We can't live in the car crash state on it. I think it'll be tough to get people moving on tonight, John, just because people are going to be in their emotions a little bit. But we'll be pushing this forward. Addis says, can Jaden throw well and accurate? Yeah, he's a good quarterback. He's had a hell of a season this year. Mario, we will also sneak into the playoffs unless we truly, totally collapse. I don't know, Mario. We've got some tough games coming up still on the, on the register here. Um, not just these three. You got the Steelers down the road, on the road against the Titans at 10 a.m., which is going to be a tough game. And there's some, there's some teams now starting to come alive a little bit in this NFC, like the Packers, who could come up and maybe kind of clip you on that final spot if we don't take care of business. Adam, the key to the Hawks being the Cowboys is shut down CeeDee Lamb and getting pressure on Dak while containing Parsons in the defense. Agreed, yeah. Well said, Adam. Definitely don't want to let C.D. Lamb beat you and definitely don't want to let Micah Parsons beat you on the defensive side of the ball. Alex Acido, hey, Brandon, even the Hawks lost. I'm still a diehards fan. Go Hawks. Next game, Seattle to Dallas. Love it, man. I know my faithful are, my, are the faithful. No doubt about that. Um, Lord Boom, the Legion of Boom was handsy because they didn't care about the penalty. You could have uh, 500 of those penalties in the game and you still would not have beat the almighty Legion of Boom. Great point, man. That is true. John says, the front office has more to do with things than people think. Jody doesn't like to lose. I love, I hope that's burning, burning a hole right now with her on that, John, where she is in a state of just not saying, this ain't going to work. This ain't acceptable. Um, and uh, I, I definitely think the front office has stuff to do with, but like I can't, John, blame the front office, for instance, you not updating the offense or defense, especially when you've hired the coaches and said the words that you were going to do that stuff. You know, you say two years ago, I'm going to do this one thing. And then two years later, you've not done that one thing from a coaching standpoint. It's hard to go back to the, to the front office and say, well, is the front office telling you not to throw over the middle? Is the front office telling you not to establish fly sweep element in the offense? Is the front office telling you to be reticent to never blitz in a game? You know, um, that's, that's where it's hard to necessarily put the front office on the, on the problem hook. They've got to, yeah, their share of blame to this to a degree too, I would say, John. But I do feel like you've drafted really well in the prior years. I look at some of the signings over the offseason that you've made outside of, I guess, maybe Draymond Jones. Um, I won't let them completely off the hook either, but that's where it gets hard to parse into the general managership where we come to start with this, the scheme, the play calling, the method and your philosophy of approach. Those things seem to, the other things may be there, like a Geno and the players might be there and the front office might be a part of that. But are those things that the, I'd, I'd ask you, John, would you look at those and say those are at the head of the stack of your problems at play and the way your general managers are running things or the way that the players are not playing up to their abilities? Or is it first and foremost more of the coaching thing at the, at the centerpiece of it? Because I think it's very important on this to, to itemize the, the priority level here. Because I think, in my opinion, we got one thing that's, all of those are kind of problems, but I think in one of those items, we've got a really major issue. And the other thing, there are more smaller issues that are more, even if anything, kind of easily, not easily, but more easy, more easier, easily, or I can't see any words at this point, John, correctable. I hope, though, Jody's 
pissed off after watching that today. Gary, and I'm kind of at the point where we should forfeit the next 49ers game and avoid the embarrassment, take the L and move along. Oh, we got to play. We got to give it a try. Jace in the house. What's up, Jace? I love the Seahawks, but we won't be in contention with our current coaching staff. We need a new quarterback, too, along with the D-line, O-line. In addition, then we will be in the Super Bowl contention. Hit that like. Thank you for reminding me about hitting that like button. And uh, I love it. I love it. John says, trading up in round one is a terrible idea. Yeah, I'm not with trading up in round one at all, John. I, I don't think that you're going to go up and get one of these quarterbacks. I still don't even think it's the right move to make. We could be like the Niners do, where you trade up for a quarterback, give up all these assets to be target this guy to be the guy. I don't know if that's even the best approach or has proven to be the best approach in drafts. So I, I, I think that the better mode to go with the quarterback, John, to me, is take advantage of this deep crop of class from the second to the fourth round that exists and try to find one in there that can be a, um, a player in this league. I think that's... And that's the better route to go. But yeah, especially already giving up our second round pick. Trading up in the draft is no bueno. Um, Greg says, Brandon, did you see the stat that going into last week, DK was tied with D-Hop for the most uncatchable red zone targets this year? That tracks, Greg. That fits to what I've seen with my eyes. Um, he's had a lot of wayward passes thrown in his direction from Geno this year. And yeah, especially can remember a lot of them being down by the red zone. Um, it's my issue a little bit offensively with DK is it's, it's hard for me to throw a lot at DK when you don't scheme up a lot of those easy kind of completions that you see for teams that have number one wide receivers. And with us, it seems to be very hard to find the way to scheme those looks up for him. And I, that is where we come back to, again, the coaching a little bit on that. Um, DK didn't help matters with a couple of bad drops in this game that'll stay in a lot of people's mind, Greg. You know, and they'll have you pushing it back a lot against folks who will bring up those moments. But drops has not been a problem for DK over the last couple of years. It's really been more about the Hawks offense struggling to acclimate him in without it feeling like it's just sometimes trying to force feed it to make it happen, which it shouldn't be that hard. Zach, I'm good on Penix or Knicks, honestly. Yeah, too. Jacob, I'm grasping at straws for optimism here, but maybe the reason we looked as bad as we did is because of the short week. Not enough rest and crushing feeling of embarrassingly blowing the Rams game. I mean, maybe, but you've looked kind of bad and embarrassing in a couple of matchups this year. You looked bad in the first Rams matchup, which was the first game of the season. You looked uh, embarrassing in the Ravens game. Um, you barely were able to nudge out the Washington Commanders that got absolutely boat raced by the Dallas Cowboys today. Um, it's possible, but the Niners were dealing with a short week too. It's hard to give that as just the, but I like you looking for optimism. I'll say that. Boom, if we keep Waldron and this whole line, we need a mobile quarterback like Kamar who can roll out every time and throw it on the run. Waldron doesn't know how to call plays that work for a stationary quarterback. Amen. Which is odd because he had a lot of time with the Goff there. John says, I, think, I can't think of three first-round quarterbacks. I think it's Caleb and Drake. They're going to get drafted, I think, in the top five, John, which moves them out of contention for us. And you'd have to, get, you'd have to give up an insane amount of draft capital to go up there and get them at that point. Um, and then you have Michael Penix, who's probably going to make it into the top 20. But I, I would be shocked if you're going to see four quarterbacks taken in this first round. It, even Penix has a good opportunity to fall out of the first round because of his age and injury history. So it's the quarterback answer isn't necessarily, to your point on that, John, standing out in this draft and like, they're a, they're a beacon sitting there looking us in the eye. It's a little bit tougher. I like the quarterback second to fourth round, but it's a, it's a, it's a little more of a mixed bag. Leon Thatch McCaffrey's the best player. If he gets hurt, I don't know. Yeah, they're very reliant on him, that's for sure. They got a load management him. They're overworking him down there in San Francisco. 
guy's going to end up with 375 touches this year. Lord Boom, we lost, but at least the 12s are still solid. You forgot to mention the biggest trash about this rivalry, which is some of the 49er fans. Ah, yeah. yeah some of them, most of them are pretty respectful coming in here, though. And we get a couple of, I know they're coming in hot, but that's what you get with the rivalry. Diarrhea disaster. I think Purdy is the benefactor of the good roster talent around him more than anything else. I agree with that. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. That doesn't mean it's a death knell for this Niner team not to go be able to win a championship. It just means that that's the way that this is structured. Dak's got uh, four first-round quarterbacks, Caleb, May, Nixon, Daniels. It's possible. Daniels is rising now. Rising. So the Vikings, you guys are better off now and have a better future than if you would have let Russ win the power struggle. Agreed. This is a better outcome. Johnny Purdy can win a Super Bowl with that roster. Eli won two. Even Nick Foles has a ring. He's got an elite D in playmakers. I think the Niners roster is even better than those teams. Amen. If a better Niner roster than that Eagles team that won a couple of years ago or either of those two Giants teams is better, like you said they are, and I believe they are as well, then absolutely Brock can bring that ship home. And Robert Jorgensen, yeah, Russ did own the Niners' lifetime, that's for sure. Uh, AC Journey says, do you think that they missed that call, the PI call on JSN that was game-altering? Yes. Which was unfortunate, AC, because, of course, we had earlier in the game a, a, a PI call that was a rightful call on Trey Brown um, that was about equally egregious. So you would have thought that by the mandate of the way they had set the lay of the land on those calls in the game that there would have been a call there, but evidently not. Uh, Lord Boom, look at the Ravens. Great D-line, look at the Niners. Great D-line, look at the Browns. Great D-line. Shoot, look at the almighty Legion of Boom. Great. Everything but extra great D-line. Yeah. Build from the front to the back, man. I'm a big guy on that. Daniel Bailey says, Pete, to the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator is like the same toxic person getting a new lover just to have the same problems in the relationship. Hmm. What could be the issue? <laughs> I love it, man. What a great comparison. Love the metaphor. Johnny, uh, Utah, I don't think anyone says Purdy is better than Mahomes or Burrow, but he's smart and knows the offense. Yeah. Sons of Valley Kings says, Nick Wright says, if Baker Mayfield was the 49ers quarterback, they would be a better team. If Purdy was on the Bucks. they would be one of the worst NFL teams. What do people think? That's wrong. Nick Wright's opinions can fluctuate when it comes to football matters. But Brock Purdy's... Um, first off, Brock Purdy's escapability is better than Baker Mayfield, which has helped out the Niners tremendously. Um, I think he's got a quicker trigger and a more accurate pass inside of 15 yards than Baker Mayfield does. I think that he also processes on the football field faster than Baker Mayfield processes. No, I do not agree with Nick Wright. Your Niners would be... No. I, I can't see that. Erica, we're, we are easy to predict. Hell, even the commander's offensive coordinator said that himself. Indeed he did. We're super easy and we're super predictable. And it's, it's problematic. Johnny Utah, Waldron's smug grin at every presser is what annoys me most. I know they'll only give coach speak, but it seems even worse while well, he's grinning like that after bad performances. Yeah, I don't like that whole just keep it positive and I'd, I'd like them to have a little bit of lamenting as well you know a little of internal strife that you can kind of feel a little bit that, like what we're feeling 
Uh, I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, Garth uh, Knight with another $5 donation. Thank you, Garth. Says, Jody Allen needs to go on a three-day vacation, leaving a drunken Jim Ursay in charge for that 72 hours. I wonder the state of the Hawks when she got back. It'd be like leaving three teenagers alone in the house when you go to Hawaii, Garth. You come back and all the alcohol has been drank. Somebody's punched a hole in the wall. And where's mom's jewelry? Be something like that, Garth. <laughs> Thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for all your donations, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Barry, you as well. Thank you for all the dono drops today, brother. You've been absolutely amazing as you always are. Pop quiz hot shot. Who is Miami's quarterback coach and passing game coordinator? Hint, he got ran out of Seattle. Would that be? It's got to be Bevel. Schottenheimer is the offensive coordinator with the Cowboys. So it's got to be Bevel. Bevel is the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. How about that? How about that, Barry? Interesting. Maybe they go back to the Bevs. Maybe, maybe that's going to be the answer this offseason. Like, hey, Bev, want to come back? We like doing retread stuff, right? We like bringing by these guys back there, Barry. It's kind of our thing. Thank you, man, for your donation. How about that? I didn't know Bevel was there. I hadn't been kind of tracking him as much. Adam W. says, why doesn't the Hawks pick up Troy Warner, Fred Warner's brother, who was a baller and played for Tampa Bay before getting hurt and getting released? Troy is a beast, much like his brother. I don't know. I, I was well familiar with him. Chitulu says, Hawks are going to playoffs only if they hire a charter bus. Eh, you're not wrong. Uh, Garth, who will, with this coaching, do the Hawks have a bright future? I not, I can't say bright future with the coaching right now, no. They got a lot of talent, and they're stacked up really well for the future, still. No doubt about that. And they're still well-suited to be able to get this thing turned in the right direction, but they've got to own what is broken. What is broken and what is not working so that we fix it. Lord Boom, Brandon, I try to humble myself after a loss. It's kind of like my punishment for losing as a fan. So I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I'm a fan of Fred Warner. That guy's an animal. He's great. Fantastic player. Played a hell of a game out there today. And uh, I think that's fair, man. It's a fair outlook on it. Alex, uh, Thursday night, Seattle at Dallas. Go Hawks. Seattle all the way. All the way, man. Cashback says Pete, Pete's gun must go. Zach says, anyone who doesn't know who Jaden Daniels is should watch highlights and tell me that man wouldn't elevate this offense into God mode. I like me some Jaden Daniels, man. I haven't done my fully deep drop on him. I've watched a couple of his games, but both last year and this year, I've liked what I've saw. Daniel uh, Bailey says, thanks for providing the group therapy session after that expected yet still painful loss. Hey, I'm here to do it, man. That's my, that's my job, and I hope I, I do it relatively well even when I get in my feelings, man. Um, Three-hour, if we are thinking first-round quarterback, losing would be good, so we have multiple options, not just stuck with the first last first-round quarterback. I don't know if it changes a whole lot by us winning a few more games or us just losing out the rest of the games in the manner of which quarterback will be available to us first, who 
who wouldn't be? I think we'll kind of have the same name or names um, that would be in that same spot if we're looking to, to grab one of them. You know what I mean? Just uh, Gobbs Productions. I think a new defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator would be a good start, but Carroll needs to step down. The lack of discipline and coaching decisions in key situations is killing us. Amen. I, I think we, if I come to a common ground on this place, I think there's a lot of people with some shaky footing as it pertains to Coach Carroll and their outlook of him right now going forward. And that there is a lot of still some questions with the OC and the defensive coordinator too, but there's this kind of first and foremost with the Carroll situation. It has people very concerned. Lord Booms, the DK is my man. You don't kick a soldier when he's trying his best, even if he's down. Big respect to 14. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Jeremy, we should just run more. Gino's been struggling the last few games. I don't think leaning into the running tax is not the worst way to go, Jeremy. I agree with you. Trying to run more would be better. Adam says, good night, y'all. Keep your heads up. As Hawks fans, you have some great players, and although you're going through a rebuild season, you're doing well and have a great potential. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you to you, Daniel, and thank you to all the Niner fans who came in here and were almost all to a man, to a woman, you know, very nicely and respect, respectful in here in the chat. And uh, you guys always have an opening place here to come in here, even when we're in dealing with a tough loss. And even after I know there's going to be some trash talking involved, um, I love having the uh, outside perspectives come in here. It always widens our outlook and our understanding of the team and what's going on. So appreciate you guys coming on in as you did and uh, have yourself a great night. Lord Boom says, Brandon, yes, I agree. The rivalry is thick between these two teams. That's why I said some of the fans, <laughs> personally, I like most of them. Niner fans aren't very smart, ha, 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 but they're fun as hell. Hey, they are fun as hell, that's for sure. And they tend to be pretty good people coming in here. Uh, Definus Reddish, Waldron's the worst third down coach of all time. Yeah, he's pretty bad. He's got no plans in place for third down. It's, that's, that's definitely his kryptonite. Scammed Blyven, Met, Metrash is not Metrash is uh, not a number one receiver, never will be in the NFL. This is Lulu Lemon Hand, so bad. Um, ben Ortega, give the young guys another year before they're ready. I like it. W Hawks, new coach, Jimmy Johnson, out of retirement. I love Jimmy Johnson. If only you could pull him out. So he says, all the quarterbacks got system in great players. KC Chiefs had Travis uh, Patrick Mahomes. Dallas Cowboys had Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith. Jay uh, Novick, the... Janovacek, Trey Aikman, Rams had Cup, good running back, great deep, indeed. Got to have a great system. Can't just ask the players. Got to have a great system and the great players. Got a bit of both, to your point. Well said, Sui. Barry Satoros, the 05 offense and the Legion of Boom couldn't win today with Coach Carroll. Yeah, I don't think that even with the level of, you could still put the same level of talent as you had back in 2013 on the field like you did. And you're in the modern day NFL and the way that offenses can win and beat this scheme. I don't think that they have the same kind of level of success. It was a defense for that era, for that time. Yeah, agreed. Rooms is better yet. Cage right for interim. Bobby Wagner for general manager. <laughs> when he's done.
Yeah, DK is not the problem. Scam Blyvin. We got we got big issues to fry here. DK is not in the vicinity of our biggest problems here. Tay 206 is JSN is him. How about that catch by JSN? That one-hander. What a play. What a play. Daniel Bailey, I would have liked to have seen a fly sweep called on fourth and inches. I would have loved that too. How about just to call it one other time? You ran it once in this game and then you never went back to run it again. You got 10 yards on the play and then said, nope, no more of that. We're done with doing that today. So strange how this team will sometimes run away from the things that they do so very effectively. Uh, Definest Reddish says, I think the offense and defense should practice for 12 hours, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Couldn't hurt, man. They need the work, that's for sure. Antoine Cobb, any possibility we grab the offensive coordinator uh, uh, guru from Washington? That'd be Eric Bieniemy, Antoine. Uh, Antoine, um, it would look like and appear Antoine that Ron Rivera is probably going to lose his job at the end of the season, and so Bieniemy will lose his job with that. And if we do fire Waldron at that point, then Bieniemy becomes a guy that is a very probably potentially hot commodity for you to take a really long look at at that point. Yeah, there's a poss there's a good there's a decent possibility of it. Because he will be on the market, and there's a possibility you do do you do do you do fire him, you do fire Waldron. I mean, Lord Boom, real talk. I want my coach to have strife after a loss, like Big Bill Cower or Bobby Knight, just straight angry. That's the kind of coach I want. Yeah, I like a little bit of that too. This is not okay. You know, I like a little bit of that. You know, I'm gonna chew some asses out here. You know, Greg Cam DK has more yards and first downs, but sure, Jason's better. <laughs> I watch we got Molly Watt by the better team, but beat media new fans will spin it like we didn't or we're close. Yeah, it's been pretty good tonight, I watch, with folks being pretty on the button with us and their outlook of the team and what's going on. And it does seem like the, the, the worm is starting to turn here with Coach Carroll a little bit in the outlook by people of this team. And I, I'm happy to see it. And I hope that, you know, at least I can control from my perspective what I can control from this channel. And that is that I'm not here to make excuses. I'm going to evaluate this thing for a full season and let it all play out before I really reach to a final conclusion. But if this plays out and fits the form, there's not going to be any excuses. There's not going to be any, well, you know, just, just, give this, just give this another year for the young guys to develop thing. I'm not going to do the blind faith, the blind trust thing. You know, I'm not doing the trust fall into Coach Carroll's arms here. I need to see something that I can base this fall upon, this trust fall upon. And right now, I'm I'm basing it upon a team that wants to run a late 1980s offense and a late 1980s defense. And I don't know if it can really, really work. Definest Reddish, I feel like that one play GSN screen should have been a touchdown, only had the DN to beat up, but tripped. It was almost went for something there. GSN's also not a super yakky kind of guy. He can do that bubble screen stuff a little bit, but you know, he's more of a guy about route running, making the catch you know, and then probably taken down pretty quickly soon after. Daniel said, I think we go away from things that work because we're not comfortable with things being too easy, laughing out loud. That'd be an explanation for it. Certainly doesn't make a lot of sense, Daniel, when you have so much of a tough road to go up of on both sides of the ball that you find little things that work and then you just bail away from them. We blitzed tremendously well. Think back to last week in that Rams game. They showed you the stat in the game of you know, what Stafford did when you didn't blitz him versus blitz him. It was a huge difference in, in what the level of play from Stafford when you did that. And yet you decide to go more and more away from the blitz as the game wore along. Strange. Very strange. I watch. I hope we sign the big cat too, man. He is a beast. Greg Camp, Brandon, I saw somebody say after the game, 
uh, put DK on the practice squad. If that happens, how long before DK gets claimed by a team and which team do you think it would be? Uh, yeah, you probably would. Well, it would be the uh, order of priority, Greg. So, I mean, the first team on the list would be Carolina. So Carolina would go and grab DK and they would get the order of waiver priority to grab him. Yeah, it's an oddity to me, Greg. I, I, I see it with DK in a way that at times it was there with Gino this year, even when he wasn't necessarily playing super bad, but people were ready there to, to, to yeah, with DK, it's also one that's even more flummoxed me because with Gino, I get it. There's some spots there that look really bad moments, but DK more often than not is excelling and doing great. And there's so many fans that are, that I've seen this year and had debates with on that are, uh, it's at like chomping at the bit at times to like find a way to pivot off of them. And I don't, I don't really get it. You got so many problems on this team, so many glaring issues, things that are holding you back at a fundamental level, but to get caught up on the things and parts and pieces that are actually aiding and helping you to win football games. I don't get it. Young Dooley, Niners with the Eagles. Who do you got winning next week? I'm going to take the Niners. I'm going to ride with the Niners in this game. I like it. I like it. Seahawk, uh, Seahawk King, these recent games have been lost off the field before the games even start. It's issue with having fatigue and not enough energy, in my opinion. Too much partying. Maybe. Maybe that, that, would, that would make some sense. That would help to explain it. You know? Potentially would. Potentially would. That would definitely explain it. I'll tell you, it felt like today when... Dallas was looking at that punt return. He's just sort of staring at it. I was like, is he high? It's the same look I've seen guys get when they're stoned looking at a pie. Pick it up. So maybe that is the explanation a little bit at play there. Maybe, maybe so. Uh, Tay 206, yep. Ever since the Ravens game, Seattle has been especially off. It was a little bit of an up and down inconsistent up until that game, but... Certainly that one seems to have shot our wheels off and uh, we can't find our footing now since then very well. Paul Third with a $5 donation. Paul, thank you for the donation. Hope you're doing well tonight and happy Thanksgiving to you. Hard to watch, but I think the Hawks will prove there's a large gap between Philadelphia, San Francisco and the rest of the NFC when they beat the Cowboys. Very possible. I think somebody was mentioning, Paul, that the Cowboys had, had like the, the, collect the collective of their opponents were like 28 and 55 or some weird, insane discrepancy in the, the schedule that they played up until this point that's just not the, must, the, not the toughest of schedules. Um, and a lot of what's made the Cowboys look like a juggernaut at times is when they've gotten up on some of these bad teams early and then they just completely boat race them through the rest of the game. So uh, I think a big part of it for us and, and being able to hang with the Cowboys in this game and come out on top in this game is going to be to sort of survive the early, um, their early kind of boom, their early sort of ignition, weather the storm, and then see if you can kind of pull it through as the game wears on and goes along. But uh, we'll see. We'll see on that, Paul. Well said. And I do think that there is a, to your point, I think that there is a big difference between Philadelphia and San Francisco uh, versus the rest of the teams in the NFC at this point. I think they are the true, you know, great teams in this NFC. And I think everybody else is good to, you know, quasi good. I watch this, Mr. Kane, exactly. Oh, uh, Mr. Kane, Brandon, I want you to know that I love Pete Carroll and will always love that he brought us a trophy. But I love my grandfather. And still there came a time when we had to stop letting him drive. <laughs> 
Somebody take Pete's Carroll keys away. Somebody do it. Yeah, it, it's got to come to the point. And I, I really wish there would be somebody from the outside in that could come to Pete on this. I think it's going to be more of a need of Pete having a self-realization that this is where this is where we're at this point. You know, you're crossing the center line. You're forgetting to turn on your turning signal. You almost hit a kid in the crosswalk last week. You know, it, it, it's at that spot here. And he really, I, I, I think it's a pull a little bit in men at times. And I don't know that this is all that's going on, but I, there's a little bit of a theory I have on this because it doesn't seem like you see it as much, you know, from the, the elder women in our society with this, where they get in their seventies and they're still like, oh, I'm just as good as I was when I was 50. Let me be out there doing all the same stuff. And I'm and like, but what seems like a guy with an ego thing a little bit at times, like we get this ego thing of like, we can do it forever. And everybody slows down. And it's not, it's, this is the stages of life. I'm going to do it another 20 years if I'm still doing this channel. I've been slowed down like hell. I won't be as quick fleet of foot. That's the nature of the beast. That's gravity. That's what goes up must come down. And when it comes to Coach Carroll, I know he's got a lot of energy for 70 years old and all that other stuff. But nobody at 71, 70, 73 years old is as sharp as they were when they were in their 50s. And there is a drive as you get older to get safer in your approach all across the board in life. Take, you become risk averse. And the modern NFL is about aggression and at times taking those risks. And you got to be able to dial it up. I think the, old, the thinking has got a little bit older on that one. Just a little bit. Justin says, good, good game from a Niner. Love the video you did the other day with my guy Jesse on behind enemy lines. Can't wait for the game two in two weeks. Such a great rivalry. I look forward to chopping up again with him, Justin, in a couple weeks with Jesse. Always have a great time talk and shop with him. And uh, we didn't even get to begin to really dive into, I think, some of the topics that we really want to start to cover and uh, get into the depths of. But we will be doing that in a couple weeks on his side of it. Oh, sure. I watch the sad thing. There's nothing's going to change until Pete retires. I agree. I, I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot from a philosophy standpoint that's moving at this point. I think they'll, Pete remains, he'll more just say it's a, it's a player problem and we just have to get better players. Or he'll try to, worst, best case scenario is, he picks out one of his OC or DCs as a, as a scapegoat and says, here, this will relieve some of the pressure. But I don't think either of those two moves is the right answer. Daniel says, oops, was writing something else and forgot. Started typing something else. I'm looking like DJ Dallas right now. <laughs> Lord Boom, Brandon, y'all have, uh, have, uh, have the right to your opinion. Here's my opinion. If the Legion of Boom was still playing, the Legion of Boom would still be the greatest defense in NFL history. Respect the Boom. I do respect it, but I think that the NFL has moved beyond a place where you can run such a simplified defense where 90 to 95% of the time you're going to run the same coverages and offenses can't beat, are going to beat you. I think that wasn't as much the case 10 years ago. I think with the, especially the use of motion um, in offenses and whatnot, I think it just sort of changes the, the territory of this just a little bit. But I love the confidence you have in the boom to do it still. I'd be happy to be wrong on that one. Johnny, if we're going to get blown out, at least it was uh, with good food amongst family and friends. It's not the end of the world. Happy Thanksgiving, Al. Yeah, Johnny, it's kind of like, you know, if they tell you you're just, you just get let know that you're going to die, you don't want to die alone. At least you got your family and friends around you as you're dying. <laughs> just go to the light. Just go to the light. Greg Kemp, Brandon, thoughts on J.J. McCarthy? I saw some highlights and thought he might fit the Hawks offense. I'm very low on J.J. McCarthy. I, I, I find him as early on right now to be one of the most overrated quarterback prospects coming out of this draft. He's very slight of build. He doesn't have a very strong arm. Um, his mobility is good for college, but I don't think it's anything next level at the NFL level. Um, and so I, I, I'm very much not in on McCarthy. You know, I've got a thing too with these slight pencil-thin quarterbacks that look like they're going to get broke. 
on their first NFL hit. And it does look like that at times with him just a bit. You can also see how Michigan's trying to like at times protect him in the play calling, which is not another good sign for a college quarterback where he's ending out a game with seven attempts. That's that to me is a little bit of there's they're, they're telling you something there. And that is uh, Michigan. Uh, Theodos Duncan, I'm a Niners fan and that's facts. The older you get, the safer you get. Weights help out a lot though. They do. And look, it's, it's a thing I can sense in myself as I grow older. It's a thing that we all run into. And the problem is that you, you, as the years go on, you get more and more into this mode. And what we do with this, Theodos, is let's look at what we do offensively and defensively, right? As you are a Niner fan, so you can attest to this no dog in this fight. What is our offense right now? Our offense doesn't want to throw to the middle of the field because Coach Carroll has worries about interceptions and turnovers in the middle of the field. Risk averse. Why doesn't Coach Carroll want to run outside zones or fly sweeps or utilize the horizontal portion of the ground game? Because he wants to get up, up the field, north and south, no east and west. That can lead negative plays. Look at him defensively. I want, to stop the big, I want to stop the big play at all costs. I want to not let you be able to hit us with a big play, and I'm going to drop all these guys into coverage to do so. Is that an example of somebody being aggressive, fearless, or is that an aggression of a fear-based approach? Is that, a, is that an example of, a, of an approach that's risk-averse? In every place you go in his coaching line right now, in his approach, in this coaching staff's approach, you ski a risk-adverse nature to their methodology. And in the NFL, I just don't think you can win by playing not to lose. And that so often seems to be the approach of our coaching staff, unfortunately. So he says, Pete's life is football. Bill, Bill Belichick over 70. Yeah, Bill, Bill, another guy. There's some questions on to him. And I don't think it's just a death knell being old, but if you're old and you're going to lean into old age thinking, you're going to lean into, um, you know, then that's, that's something that will preclude you from finding success, I think. Uh, Jamel, I'm sorry, did I miss your comment? My bad. Uh, it says, great take on the Dallas stare, staring at the ball. Uh, great take on uh, DJ Dallas staring at the ball like a stoner, looking at the pie while high. I'm screaming at the TV, get the ball. I, I was I'm thunderstruck, J- Jamel. I'm just like, he's, he's looking at it. He's looking at, like, you know, those punt returns, everything is bang, bang, bang. And you're literally having a moment you can watch a DJ where is, he's looking at the football. He's completely come to a stop and he's just staring at the football. And then he does this meager, it's like when a parent tries to pick up a child but doesn't really want to pick them up. And they're just like, Ugh. he just sort of slowly finally goes down to reach and pick it up, Jamel. Yeah, I, boy, that was the moment in the game where you're like, yep. Not, not today. <laughs> not today. DJ makes me way too nervous back there. God, he drives me crazy. Freaks me out. So he says the Texas Longhorn quarterback coming out in the draft. Ooh, is he? There's some r- rumors he was coming back to school. Queen of yours. Interesting. Sorry, Jamal, missed your uh, comment on that. Uh, ben, yeah, what's up with Belichick? He's going for the number one pick. I think Bill Belichick's going for the Washington Commanders job, Ben. I think he's already, we've hearing rumors that he's going to end up at a different organization this offseason and he'll be both the general manager and the head coach. I think that the uh, likelihood is uh, Washington seems to be the one that is the team that may be that team for him. Define as reddish the first half. I don't know why our DC didn't change up the coverage. Why did you put Bobby on Debo and Brooks on CMC? Because you drop into zone coverage, the finest, and then you have a smart offensive coordinator like Shanahan that knows you're going to run zone coverage, not just a high propensity of the time, but almost a majority of the time, if not a every, nearly every single play. 
So he can count on those linebackers dropping into zone, and then he can count on attacking those zones with receivers. And now you end up with mismatches of linebacker on receiver. Receiver is always going to win in those situations outside of you having a uh, Fred Warner out there that can, you know, actually run with a, a receiver in space. Greg says, okay, Brandon, I'll check him out more, but my favorite quarterback so far is Drake May right now. I just started looking at players. Quarterback with the best arm in your opinion? Probably Joe Milton's got the best pure arm coming out, Greg. Um, uh, of the top guys, who's got the best arm? I don't know on that. I don't know if I have a, I have a firm opinion on that, Greg. I think there's the guys with the best arms are very closely together, and there's different guys who have really good arms for different reasons. I mean, you can make the argument Michael Penix has the best pure arm, but he's got the hella wonky delivery, which can go sideways at times. And sometimes it doesn't make it sense how he's able to generate the power he is able to generate with that delivery. Um, but I think all of the guys, with the, be it Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Penix, um, even guys like a, a Spencer Rattler has a really good arm. Um, a lot of that. But they're in different stages of refinement and, and progression and, and where they are as quarterbacks, I think, on that. So um, there's not a guy with just an absolute howitzer. Milton might have the, with Tennessee, the, the ultimate cannon because he can throw it like 90 yards. But um, he's also a guy that if he comes down the draft, probably not going until minimum goes fourth round probably or something like that. But um, May's got, I like May a lot. He's a real complete quarterback. It gets a little bit at times feeling a bit robotic with him. He's had some dips at time in his level of play, but not always the best of supporting cast around him to work with. Um, he gives you the full skill set from the quarterback position and you have the prerequisite size. You got the, you know, he's got the, the good, nice wide shoulders. You feel like this guy can take a, take a bit of a beating at the NFL level and hold up. Got the mobility, nice, really easy release. Um, he draws comparisons at times to a Carson Palmer. I don't think he quite has the snappy ball explodes out of his hand kind of release of Palmer, but as a reasonable facsimile to Palmer, I, I, I think it stands up okay. Daniel says, not only did DJ just stare at the ball, but the drop was horrible too. Yeah. This is odd as hell, man. Jamal, uh, Jamel says, we're cooked. Pete and Waldron is losing combo right now. Amen, Jamel. Amen. I'm seeing, we're seeing kind of the same thing, I think, uniformly through the chat tonight, Jamel. It's been kind of surprising. I thought people would be pushing back on some of my outlook here. But I think overall, we're seeing people are kind of in alignment on their outlook of it. And it's where you're, you're sitting as well. Jamel says, only saving grace is the only wildcard team on our heels are the Packers. We might get in by default. We might just slide in by the default. But boy, do we not want to see that, right, Jamel? When coming off the heels of last year where you don't even get into the playoffs unless the Lions go on the road in Lambeau in the final game of the year and win that game, uh, you don't get in the playoffs. And boy, we really want to go and actually earn our way in. And it just it wouldn't feel like you're quite earning your way in if that is the case. But Packers, you're right, do seem to be the team that is maybe the one that will end up punching us out if uh, we don't get this together quick. The finest, if we win next Thursday, that's good because Packers play Chiefs and Rams play Browns and Ravens next. And we know the Falcons are the Falcons. Amen. They're not going to make any noise this year, it doesn't look like. Wang Lee, draft an offensive lineman, a new quarterback. Get some linemen in here, Wang. You get a good way to go. I think we're going to draft in the first four rounds. I think both of those two positions will be taken in the first four rounds of the next year's draft. I don't know where exactly, but I do think that. Greg says, yeah, Niners ran option routes, attacking middle with Debo and the running backs. Can't remember his name. Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Yeah. It's easy peasy. You run a guy into his own like Debo or uh, a Christian. You got the linebackers dropping into space. You already know, be it either Debo or Christian, that that's a mismatch for Jordan and Bobby. 
Now you give them an option route where they just read the leverage of the linebacker. Linebacker angled outside, I cut inside. Linebacker angled inside, I cut outside. And it's a very easy read for both quarterback and uh, player at that point. Computer enthusiasts, Seahawks need depth at quarterback. Yeah, or even just get better at quarterback, that's for sure. So uh, Jaden's the good dual quarterback out of us. Love Jaden, Sui. Don't know if he's first round ready, but he is a good player. Flag says, yo, that sucked. It did suck, Flag. Sucked. First quarter of Sports God Podcast. Seeing all the Geno stuff, is Geno not being good or is it Geno suffering from Shane Waldron kind of like a Russell Wilson situation last year? I think this becomes a tough answer, question answer first quarter because I think that the true answer of this is it's a bit of both. What is more of the major issue? I think offensively, you're, you're about, imagine, you're, you got about as much imagination, you know, I just, you don't have any imagination offensively. You have no complexity offensively. You're simple by design. You're easy to prepare for. You're seeing defenses predicting what we're running snap in and snap out by where they're, where they're moving prior to the snap and the feel for where the flow of the play is going. You're just not confusing anybody. So it gets hard to put it and pin this all on just Geno simply when he is being held back by the offensive play calling and scheme at the forefront of this. Geno is also not playing particularly good football, though, in recent weeks. So it's both. Both. Flag, give me some Cooper Bebe, man. I'm all over the Cooper Bebe. Such so Valley Kings, I hope the Hawks beat the Cowboys. Or if not, it's a tie. Just kidding. <laughs> Appreciate that. Jamel says, it might sound crazy, but I really think the off defense had bad moments, but fought. Offense gave nothing and turned the ball over to be deflating. Yeah, the defense did add some moments that held up in this game. It wasn't completely all bad with the defense throughout. And certainly there's going to reach a point where the an offensive ineptitude in the three on, and three and outs is going to wear down the defense to the point where they're going to start to fail late like they did. But um, yeah, I, I do more put to the offense, Jamel, than the defense. I do think that there's some blame to be had by the defense too, especially coming down to the coaching, coming down to the play calling, coming down to those soft zone defenses that UC ran and trotted out on the field, play in and play out. Greg Pemp, uh, Cooper Bebe is a left guard. He's technically playing some tackle in, in college, but he fits better out to being a guard in the pros and a pure left guard at that. Yeah. Uh, Jamal says, crazy part about it, with that line secondary, we can catch them first round in advance, and I'll take it. I'll take that too, Jamal. I don't care. You win the playoffs, you, I'll take any wins by any means necessary. That's for sure. First quarter, if you gave Gino a legit OC and maybe a better line, would you see Gino push top 10 conversations? Or do we think it's a time to move on in the future in order to contend? Um, yes, I think if you had a legit OC in here calling legit plays and you had a better offensive line play, that Gino can absolutely be a 10 top 10 quarterback. Um, so yeah, I do. I, that also doesn't mean though that maybe the answer isn't here to potentially move on from Gino because his cap cost first quarter sports podcast raises from $10 million this season up into the $32 million range. So you have to look at him through a different lens in his productivity and what he's bringing to the football field when he starts to take that major of a cap hit off of the cap. And I think if he's not giving you that performance uh, or he's not raising any of the level of the, the, the supporting cast around him, if he needs to have all these great playmakers and a great running back and a great offensive line and the, an offensive play caller calling a perfect game throughout, well, then maybe it's not worthwhile in paying this guy $32 million. Maybe we can get that level of performance from a second-round quarterback. Maybe we can go back down the Russell Wilson-like road we did in 2012, going with the rookie quarterback on the rookie deal and try to see if you can then build more of a, a, a super team like that than around him. So um, 
it is a this is a tough thing to cut between first quarter. Uh, it becomes hard to evaluate any positional group when you have an offensive or defensive coordinator who is so thoroughly holding back that whole unit. We are we are highly predictable, highly predictable. Um, it's and again, if you don't want to think, if you think I'm I'm BSing on this, or you think maybe I'm just being in my emotions on this, or you know I'm that I'm off. Here is a quote from Eric Bieniemy, who was an offensive coordinator you played two weeks ago. We've just got to go out and execute our offense better than they execute their defense. That being your Seahawks he was talking about here. They're not a defense that's going to cause any confusion because they're going to play straight up and try to beat you with their best. Our job is to make sure that we can go out and do what we do best. And what did they do? They went out and what, scored 26 points in our defense at home then after he provided that quote? So you even have offensive coordinators telling you the way we're running it is simplistic. The way we're running it is easy to prepare for. When are you going to make that adjustment? And how much can you then evaluate the players knowing that this is at the head of the stack going into that evaluation? Knowing that this thing comes first before their level of play. That simplicity, that ease of preparing for them. I know Bienemy's talking about the defense, but it's defense and offense both here that run the same way. Yeah, a little bit rummy. Uh, Lord Boom, Brandon, uh, the Legion of Boom would create a new defense that everybody would try to copy. And if they were still playing facts, respect the boom, my friends, and we'll all be copacetic in the universe. I do respect the man. I, I love the boom. Um, but again, just, you, you ran the same single defensive play every time. There, there's not an NFL defense out there in, in this sport that's running three defensive plays for a whole game like, or much less one play. I just don't know if you could get away with that. The game evolves to me, Lord Boom, and it evolves. And I love the, it's a historical defense. It's a great defense. I'm not shading them. I'm just, it's more of an acknowledgement about how complex the game has become and how much more of a necessity there is to have a coaching staff that is putting its players in the position for success and not just relying on the players to go out there and carry the day all on their own, which is a little bit of what the Legion of Boom defense did. It wasn't on the back of the heels of the great play calling. It was on the back of them going out there and performing this base defense that was very simplistic and performing it at a high, high level. Like I said, last year was fun. This year has been a bad recurring dream. It's been tough. It's stale and boring. So damn predictable. It's been a brutal year this year, Flag. Much different than last year that was entertaining, that had a lot of bright spots in it to make us feel encouraged about the future. This year has been a bit of the opposite, and it's been discouraging at the head of it. Jamal, please, 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 for a Christmas, for all the 12s, take that zone and never run it again. I'd love to see it, Jamal. What do you got to lose at this point, right? You've tried the zone defense to death. At what point is it time to maybe try new tactics? It's frustrating, man, but I don't think it's changing anytime soon. Greg, my only problem with Gino is his arm causes DK to slow down on go routes so he doesn't outrun Gino's arm, which isn't ideal because it allows defenders to get back into plays after getting beat. Yeah, I've been very disappointed by, by Gino's nine route throws on this year throughout the year, Greg. Even, to D, even at times to Tyler Lockett, he doesn't have a good feel for how to throw those balls. He does seem to be losing a little bit of arm strength on his ability to push the ball down the field. And yeah, he's too often allowing the defenders to catch back up on the plays where DK creates separation and then he's got to slow back down to catch the ball, allowing that separation to be negated then and the defender to come back into play and to be able to knock the ball away. Very frustrating at times. Put the ball out in front of the receiver. Give him a chance to run underneath it. First quarter, I agree, Brandon. I just feel a bit hopeless. Earlier in the season, I felt as if we were close to contending. And now question what this team even does this upcoming off season. 
we're all in that place first quarter. Everyone is in this spot right now as a Hawk fan. I, I've, I've done this stream for four hours now. I did the four-hour stream earlier today doing the play-by-play. And I can say to a man, we're at about 95 to 96, 97% of people being, I, I'm not encouraged about the future of the squad. I don't know if Coach Carroll's the coach. And I'm not sure I feel great about our future. This is a common sentiment being said. And I think that there's so many people saying it first quarter. I think there's something to that. I think when everyone's telling you something like this, uniformly speaking, in this universe of fandom where there is always a differentiation of opinion, where there's always every different voice in the room wanting to be the loudest to say their piece, and yet here you have a chorus of people all singing the same song. That probably should tell us something. That probably should tell us that we need to necessitate change here in a major way if we're going to hope to better these results. But are we going to see major change? Probably not. And that's a little bit of where it gets hard to have a bit of that hope into the future or to find yourself hopeless. And I'd love to give you a spot of sunshine and optimism to say, don't feel that way. I can say that we have a lot of the season left. I can say that our story is not yet written here fully for 2023. We're just so far into the depths of it here. We're just a chapter, you know, 11 at this point. Uh, and there is still some time to, to maybe write this ship somewhat. But I'm having a hard time drumming up the hope as well. If you had failed this year first quarter and failed by the growing pains of establishing this new methodology I'm calling for, of establishing this new identity that I'm asking for, then I'd be okay if we had not the great results. You come out at six, seven wins at that point and you had that bumpy road and you're trying to iron out those wrinkles, fine, I would get that. At least you're trying to evolve and update and adapt. Instead, we're losing this way by the same old ways. The soft zone defenses are, 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 are cutting us apart. Our basic run game, cutting us apart. Our basic passing attack, cutting us apart. It's the same old things, and that's where it gets hard to find the optimism on it a bit. It does. Fort Flags says 49ers may look, teams look bad, but we haven't looked good for a while. Yeah, this goes beyond just one game on this one flag. It's it's more of a trend of what we've seen throughout this season. I am a Boogie Seahawks will bounce back. I love it, Boogie. I hope you're right. I do hope you're right. Do hope you are correct. All right. Well, we are four hours in. I'm going to be up uh, about the butt crack of eight in the morning tomorrow. So we've got a nine o'clock show here on the Bleacher Report. I'm coming back over there on that side of it tomorrow morning uh, where I will be doing a uh, post-game full discussion. Just talk to you, my fellow Seahawks fans, trying to turn this loss over and what it means for this Hawks team as we go into the future. So if you haven't already, please do, uh, if you click on the previous link there on the last video, I had a, a link to that Bleacher Report. You got to download the app to do it, but we will be doing some of these shows on the Bleacher Report throughout, you know, here even the rest of this year and whatnot. Um, but I will be bouncing back over on their side of it at nine in the morning on that side of it. So we will kind of put a button up on this one, four hours in here on the stream as we are. I want to thank all of you guys for, um, I know this is tough discussion, but I appreciate everybody keeping everything on the on point with this, where I know emotions are going to run high. And I know that the, some of these topics are going to set people off in, in certain ways and trigger, trigger certain folks and that these aren't fun topics to cover at times because there's a lot of negativity associated with it. And, and it's talking about things that are not working right and are going bad. And, and that's not the funnest thing to talk about as a fan, but I do appreciate all the Hawk fans that came in here today able to keep, um, keep the understanding of that's what we're just trying to do is understand this and understand how this pushes forward to eventually find that optimism where it's, it's actually um, optimism constructed within logic and reason and rationale 
rather than just blindly being applied. And that's where we're trying to get to, I think, as a, as a fan base right now. Thanks to the Niner fans, too, who came on in. Congratulations to you on the win. I think most of you guys were, were very respectful here in our chat today. I want to thank you for that. And uh, as I know that that is an unusual thing that you get here on YouTube, uh, especially when fans come into other YouTube channels like this. So shout out to you guys for, um, for mostly being really, really cool and on point with it and um, respectful for us understanding, you know, and hey, we're going through a tough loss here. I know you guys feel good about yourself, but people are being pretty nice overall. And I appreciate that. Uh, Brandon Moody says, you the man, Brandon. Thanks for being real, dude. Thank you. Appreciate you. Brett says, you're still awake crying about genocide, Smith. <laughs> King Bomber, Carol needs to go. And it's not even really, it's not even really on the defense. No, this is really, it's more of the, it's big picture stuff here, King Bomber. It's the high level stuff. And right now we're not being guided in the right direction from the top down. And we can go down to the symptoms. I'd like to go to the root cause myself at this point. Bomber says, lost my confidence to this team at this point. The offense put up zero points today. Then Myers and Brooks for 13 points you put up. Yep. And this has been a multiple game issue, hasn't it? Multiple game issue. Flags is glad to catch you for the last couple of minutes. Thanks for all your work, B. Thank you, Flag. I appreciate you, man. Good to see you in the house too, brother. Garth Knight, thanks, Brandon. Your credit to the Seahawks community. Well, your credit to the support of this channel, Garth, you, along with folks like John Stilwell, Barry Satora, Paul Third, King Xavier, Devin Ehrens, uh, countless number of folks, Jonathan Smith, that donated the chat. You guys, win, lose, or draw, when we're at the lowest of the lows, I come in here and go live. I know my people are going to show up. You're going to hit that like button. And always, too, you guys come in and you donate and you're super kind to me as well on that side of it, which is just a testament to your guys' uh, support to this channel because I know when you get in that state of mind, that's not necessarily the first place people want to go to is let me go support somebody on something, you know? Instead, we're usually all in our emotions in that. And you guys... Win, lose, or draw every single week, every single stream, you guys show up in that manner, in that way. And uh, I am truly, we talk about a day of being thankful and finding maybe a place to turn this into a positive direction. Um, this channel has had an amazing year. We've gotten sponsorship. We're doing Bleacher Report spots now. The growth, we're going to have about a third of our whole channel growth occur in this past year by where we've gone. It has been an amazing year here, at least as far as this channel goes, and with my community and my people. And I really thank you guys for helping make this place my favorite thing to do, my favorite thing to come do. That's why I do this so long. I get asked that question more than either. Why do you go, you go so long, go so late? So I love my people. I love these interactions. I love chopping it up in this team and discussing all of the possibilities, iterations, and what needs to be done with this team. That's, that's where I'm at kind of my happiest as a football fan. And it does seem like many of you are in that same kind of role. So uh, I'm, I'm so blessed and thankful for having this place to be able to operate this and how I am. I thank you guys for uh, doing all you guys do in your support, watching, hitting the like button as you guys do, subbing on up, all down the line. You are unbelievable. I got the best community and all of YouTube, and I really do appreciate all of you for that. I do want to thank, as we do go out the door here today, to just one more chime here to the Underdog Fantasy folks. They've been kind enough today and throughout the course of this year to sponsor this channel. You guys have done a great job of utilizing my code. You can click the link down below and it will take you directly to the code. And the first time you're putting down your first deposit, they will match you up to $100 of your first deposit on me. Use my code NEST or click that link down the top of the description section and they will show you that love back with $100 in your pocket on me and you're supporting the show at the same time. There are some limitations that do apply here in the state of Washington, but if you go into a casino, you can kind of get into one of those little specialized areas where you can utilize the app. They've got a lot of great contests going on throughout the course of this season giving away $200,000 now between the end of the year, every single week, variety of different contests you can get into. I love the over-unders on my side of it, but you can get into some weekly fantasy contests and whatnot, go head-to-head -head with other fans in addition to that. But thank you to Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring this show throughout the year. Thank you to you guys for all of your support to the channel. You were unbelievable. 
and every single stream it is that way. Just um, thank you so much. We got a tough, tough game that we came on the heels of. This team's in some tough shape right now, and we're going to have to have some hard conversations as we go into the future. But we are not done yet. There is still a lot of this year left to go, and as long as the odds may look, as dire as the situation may appear, we aren't done yet. We're still fighting our butts off here, and let's see if the Seahawks team can work to maybe find some answers as we go through the rest of this year. I know the confidence isn't high that that's going to occur, but you never know there is a chance this is football and weird, wild things absolutely can go down and happen. Thank you guys for watching. I appreciate you. I love you. Well, we, will, we will be back soon here to do a, uh, maybe Sunday we'll be doing probably a live stream on that day. But until that time, I hope my fellow Seahawks faithful never forget. And a reminder too, I'll be on Bleacher Report at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. But please, until that time, until we come back to 9 o'clock tomorrow, I know you're on a bad loss. I know you're turning over your emotions. And this is the time I got to remind you most right now. Don't you now ever forget. Go Hawks.